不灵，枪炮也不灵，开枪！
ancient land of China, schools and the martial arts were a way of life, but none were as lethal as the one we are about to reveal. Five deadly venoms. A secret society, each man unknown to the other, identified only by a mass, representing one of nature's deadly assassins, the centipede, the snake, the scorpion, the lizard, and the toad. Five deadly venoms, five masters in the martial arts, each man pitted against the other in savage combat, and each trained in their own vicious method of killing. They practiced a special kind of kung fu, killing by instinct, with machine-like precision, lightning speed, and ruthless power, as ferocious and deadly as the venomous creatures from which it took its name, and whose stings were always fatal. Kill or be killed. Five deadly venoms. No mercy asked, none given, in a kung fu epic as brutal as nature itself. Five deadly venoms, survival of the fittest and kung fu action at its very best in the most spectacular martial arts program of the year. Five deadly venoms, five stinging ways to die. Pick your poison, you'll be stung to your seats. Don't miss Five Deadly Venoms, a Shaw Brothers presentation. Theirs was a mission of certain death. Outnumbered and unarmed, they must get to the tyrant that enslaves their people. No weapon, no matter how lethal, can match their Kung Fu. Alexander Fusheng stars as the young martial arts expert pitted against a murderous warlord with a deadly Kung Fu skill. They live to fight and fight to live in a whirlwind of Kung Fu action. Four men sworn to battle to the death against these lawless legions of the damned. The Four Assassins.
five men of destiny await the ultimate challenge. Death and destruction were the Manchu order. They murdered their way to victory. Nothing could stop them until they met the five masters of death. Five new men of destiny. Five new deadly ministers of kung fu justice. Five new kung fu killing techniques. The whipping triple jointed stick, an avenging reaper of justice. The piercing pole, driving its way to victory. The deadly tiger stork, no one escapes. The crushing crossed fists, pounding up revenge on Manchu murderers. See the five kung fu masters of death defeat the Manchu warlords. See the five masters of death. When you're the best, you do things with style. J.J. McQuaid is the best. He's a lone wolf lawman in the Lone Star State. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. The final showdown belongs to McQuaid. Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leon Isaac Kennedy. Or forgive them, because they killed his wife, they raped his daughter. And they deserve to die. So he's doing it again. His way. Charles Bronson. He's the best there is at getting even. Goodbye. Death Wish 2. Rated R. Now playing at the Sacramento Drive-In, Dome 24, Birdcage Walk, and the State in Woodland. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. The all-new process that puts you in the picture. Whether you want to be there or not. It will scare you. Count on it. Friday the 13th, Part 3 in Super 3D. Rated R. Now playing in Sacramento. Check newspapers for theaters and showtime. This is the movie that Rex Reed called the most horrifying motion picture I have ever seen. This film is positively ruthless in its attempt to drive you right out of your mind. Sally, I hear something. Stop! Stop! The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. From New Line Cinema. Rated R. There are killers on the loose, dressed like cops, and they always use a magnet. There's only one cop around who can crack this case. They call him Dirty Harry. In 24 hours, Harry stops a robbery, covers a stakeout, and prevents a hijacking. Clint Eastwood is back, and this time his world is dirtier than ever. 
Magnum Force, rated R. Opening Christmas Day at selected theaters around the country. theaters.
我本來想推薦你上去但你上頭不批准為何你應該很熟的我聽日要走後日去台灣那件事我帶馬成咯給一個機會的後生仔嘛一朝作贼想做好人不容易我已经没有了个小孩我不想连你的朋友都没了阿杰我再叫我做阿杰叫阿尚而家大把世界有很多狗要靠豪哥你拉回来我的安康高兴我过来铲就不是我啊
中的童年，训练人心，看那昨日的忧愁，带走我们的笑容。唱出你的热情，伸出你双手，让我流放这的梦。This is a hijack and stop. When there is no hope, no chance. No possibility of escape. Delta Force gets the word. It's a go. Take them down. They're not after adventure or glory. They're fighting to save American lives. No! You take one of us, you gotta take us all. Chuck Norris, Lee Marvin. The Delta Force, rated R. Starts Friday, February 14th at theaters everywhere. Chuck Norris returns in Missing in Action 2, The Beginning. American MIAs imprisoned and tortured. He's a soldier they couldn't hold. None of you have ever escaped, and none of you will. We're going in. He's breaking out, leading his men, and fighting back. An American hero story continues. Chuck Norris, Missing in Action 2, The Beginning. Opens Friday, March 1st at a theater near you. First, they took the streets. Then, they took it all. But their next target may be their last victim. Charles Bronson, where there is no justice. There can only be vengeance. Charles Bronson, Death Wish 3. Now playing. Consult your listings. 
in a Tony Scott film that critics are calling a Bonnie and Clyde for the 90s. True Romance. Rated R starts Friday, September 10th at a theater near you. Follow my instructions and we all walk away clean. Domino, you're with me on the side. Shepard, you cover the rear. All we want is the money. This is an inside job. Ten million in cash. Let's go home right now. I've seen you two. We're celebrity hostages. Wow. Oh, thank God. Dogs. Before Pulp Fiction. The original Men in Black shook the world of action cinema in the original A Better Tomorrow. Presents the explosive bullet ridden sequel, A Better Tomorrow 2. Hong Kong action mavericks John Woo and Troy Hark take the heroic bloodshed genre to the next level and beyond in a violent symphony of destruction that is often imitated but never better. Chow Yun Fat, Leslie Chung, and T Love. Better tomorrow, too.
He practiced the lizard style. Chameleon. The lizard is a very agile and nimble style. It enables a man to climb like a lizard. David Rockefeller's money couldn't save him. No. Despite all of the hard work he did for Satan. But he's behind the latest accusations. If you disagree, then you must be a Russian agent. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bunch of gobbledygook. Peddling that has got to be spooks. There's not an angle I couldn't possibly juice. And if it's coming out of my mouth, it's got to be truth. Let's keep it all cerebral. If I run for mayor, I won't be mayor. I leave it to the people. Consider this a shot across the bow. The sheeple are awake and we gon' shake them up now. Make them well aware you are extreme liars. You create smoke, then you're like a scream fire. Like we can't see who lit it. It shows like a Saturday Night Live skit. Okay, I get it. None of these federal projectors ever want to speak. Even though I come and visit them like once a week. Not a single thing I say is tongue-in-cheek. The NYPD just sprung a leak. Not one of these federal projectors, they want to speak. Even though I come and visit them like once a week. Not a single thing I say is tongue-in-cheek. The NYPD just sprung a leak. Bastard. You did it again. You a real hard bastard. When will it end? I must say bastard. Alright, welcome to the show. I am the Hard Bastard, and we're going to start here. This was fantastic. I don't know uh, whether Trump's telling the, the, the lawyers to do this or they're doing it on their own, but uh, I, I like what happened here. Uh, gasps as Breitbart expose on Trump and uh, the clerk, the New York uh, clerk next to Angeron takes center stage. I love nothing more than the gasps of lunatics who are offended by what you're saying. Former President Trump's counsel, Christopher Keis, suggested in court Friday that the legal team may consider pursuing a mistrial in the civil suit brought by the state of New York in light of a report from Breitbart News. At the center of the argument is Breitbart's Washington Bureau Chief Matthew Boyle's report that New York County Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron, also known as Judge Aids, at least my designation, his top clerk, the big fat pig Allison Greenfield, appears to have violated judicial rules preventing officers of the court from making excessive political donations. There is a news story out today, Kai said, about a particular about particular political contributions made by your court staff. It raises questions of impartiality, Kai said. He added the defense will have to give serious consideration to seeking a mistrial. According to PIX11 reporter Henry Rossoff, Angeron, who placed a gag order on Trump regarding Greenfield and has fined him twice for gag order violations, became frustrated. <laughs> I'll let everyone in the room think what they will about Breitbart, he said. There were audible scoffs in the courtroom when it was revealed the defense was referencing a Breitbart news report, according to Politico legal reporter Erica Orden. As Boyle reported, it seemed that Judge Aids was advised of the violation laid out in a complaint filed to his court from a third party. It appears Engeron was advised of Greenfield's violations in a 72-page complaint addressed to his court via email 
That was also filed with the New York State Bar Association the same day he decided to issue a gag order against former President Trump in his case currently playing out in Engron's courtroom. Engron uh, angrily says, it's not information, it's an allegation. This idea, someone has notified me, absolutely untrue, absolutely untrue. Boyle pointed out that in 2022 alone, the fat pig gave thousands of dollars in political donations that apparently exceeded a $500 threshold for court officials in aggregate donations for a calendar year. The donations, which can be found in the New York elections database. So one of the tactics that uh, the media is using is pretending, oh, Breitbart, you you can just dismiss it because Breitbart is a right-wing source. Well, you can just go to the New York elections database. It's all there. You don't need Breitbart. So that's a tactic, right, to, to attack the source rather than deal with the source material of what we're talking about. Any source can be wrong. Any outlet can be wrong. But it, it to just dismiss it completely is ridiculous. Now, you know, you have sites with a terrible track record like CNN, but you should still consider what the article says, even if, yeah, with CNN, there's like a 99.9% chance that they're lying. However, once in a while, once in a while, there will be a unicorn sighting. Breitbart, on the other hand, has a much better track record, uh, but it, you know, you just have to, it depends on what we're talking about. Stuff related to Israel, they're obviously going to have a bias. Uh, in other areas, they're going to be really good. It just, it, it, it all depends. One of the other arguments that was hilarious was the uh, mongoloid guy from uh, Waldorf Nation who was like, uh, oh, it, it's, uh, it wasn't in print. So apparently you can dismiss it because it wasn't like printed on newspaper. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's a hilarious argument. So you can dismiss this report not based on its merits, not based on whether or not this shit is factual, which is, again, the New York Elections Database. You can go there. It lists all the donations. This is publicly available information. She broke the rules, okay? Um, but he's saying, well, it, it wasn't printed uh, uh, on newspaper. Oh, great. Oh, okay. No problem. So, yeah, you can... Oh, oh it wasn't printed uh, on a cave wall. It wasn't uh, painted by cavemen. It's not in cavemen drawings. So we can just... Oh, it wasn't typed on a typewriter. Right? Okay. It's it's funny to watch them uh, desperately try to deflect. Trump allies slammed Angeron and Greenfield after the report came to light. Jim, Jim Banks said a clerk for the judge who's trying to unconstitutionally silence President Trump donated more than six times the maximum allowable allowance for court officials to Democrats, which, uh, which hunt. The top clerk for New York Judge Angeron appears to have violated judicial rules preventing officers of the court for making excessive political donations. Now, make no mistake, nothing's going to happen to this pig. Nothing will happen. If anything, conservatives will be punished for it. But it is funny that apparently Angeron got so angry, he banged the table. This guy's a lunatic. Uh, J.D. Vance says it's a disgrace. Many members of the family are under a gag order, so they can't even defend themselves. And this guy says, what these corrupt Democrats are trying to do to the Trump family in New York is something straight out of a third world banana republic. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Um, Arizona congressional uh, candidate who got robbed in his election claimed their bias is blatant and their derangement will destroy the rule of law. That's already happened. Um, 
DC Drano. Allison Greenfield likely violated judicial rules against court officers making excessive political donations. Um, and then this person, uh, Lou Dobb, uh, calls for disbarment. Yeah, they're not going to do anything. Um, they're not going to do anything, but it's funny to watch. So then uh, Judge Aids was very angry, so he decides to gag Trump's lawyers from discussing confidential communications of the activist court clerk. This is hilarious. There's the uh, big fat gross hog right there. New York County Supreme Court Justice Arthur Angeron on Friday gagged former President Trump's legal counsel from discussing his confidential communications with staff, including note passing from clerk Allison Greenfield. According to a copy of the order, Angeron ordered all counsel are prohibited from making any public statements in or out of court that refer to any confidential communications in any form between my staff and me. Um, serious sanctions will be brought against the legal team if they violate the order. Uh, who is, as he said Angeron, who's overseeing the civil lawsuit from New York Attorney General Letitia James. He specifically named Trump lawyers Kice, Clifford Roberts, and uh, Elena Haba writing that they have made on the record repeated inappropriate remarks about my principal law clerk, falsely accusing her of bias against them and of improperly influencing the ongoing bench trial. Um, defendants' attorneys have made long speeches alleging that it's improper for a judge to consult with a law clerk during ongoing proceedings and that the passing of notes from a judge to a law clerk, or vice versa, constitutes an improper appearance of impropriety. The fact that you're making such a big deal about it leads me to believe there's something going on here. Uh, most of the time, these people in positions of power are puppets. And so she's probably, um, I'm not saying she's pulling the strings, but she's probably in the position to tell him what the handlers want him to do. So that's probably what she's doing. I think that happens in Congress as well. The fact that he's freaking out over this uh, tells you everything. Politico reporter Erica Orden wrote earlier that Kais complained about Greenfield's habit of passing notes to Angeron during proceedings, suggesting she's improperly influencing his decisions. The justice also noted the order blankets references to his staff, but not him, and cited harassing and threatening messages the court has received. So obviously this is the stochastic terrorism bullshit where they're claiming, you criticized me, now people might die. It's ridiculous. Someone sent death, death threats. If someone sent actual death threats, then fucking arrest them and shut the fuck up. Anyway, so this asshole said, Since the commencements of this bench trial, my chambers have been inundated with hundreds of harassing and threatening phone calls. Boo-hoo. <laughs> um, the First Amendment right of defendants and their attorneys to comment on my staff is far and away outweighed by the need to protect them from threats and physical harm. Again, totally made up. No one is in any, any danger. You're just trying to censor, and this is ultimately going to be used against regular people. It already has been used against regular people. Um, and it's the only way that they can compete because they, they have no way to make arguments because they're totally insane. This comes as Judge Aides has already gagged Trump from mentioning Greenfield publicly and fined him twice. Hours before the latest order, a Breitbart News report about Greenfield appearing to have violated judicial rules preventing officers of the court from making excessive political donations came out. Um, 
and um, then it just goes into the lawyer, as we uh, talked about earlier, is considering asking for a mistrial, which will be interesting. Um, okay, so so now we also have the gag order that the AIDS commie Judge Chutkin issued has been paused um, by a federal court. A gag order against Trump related to his federal 2020 election case has been paused by a D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals after Trump filed an emergency request on Thursday saying the order violated his First Amendment rights. The court issued an administrative stay saying the decision was made to give the judges more time to hear Trump's arguments. The court said the ruling should not be construed in any way as a ruling on the merits. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chukin, who's fucking insane, uh, had imposed the gag order on Trump Sunday night after Trump criticized Mark Meadows. Chutkin is overseeing special counsel crackhead Jack Smith's federal election case against Trump, who's denied any allegations of wrongdoing. In their request to pause the order Thursday, lawyers for Trump said that no court in American history has imposed a gag order on a criminal defendant who is actively campaigning for public office, let alone the leading candidate for president of the United States. The prosecution's request for a gag order bristles with hostility to President Trump's viewpoint and his relentless criticism of the government, including the prosecution itself. The gag order embodies this unconstitutional hostility to Trump's viewpoint. It should be immediately stayed. In her decision to reimpose the gag order, the AIDS commie Judge Chutkin claimed that Trump's First Amendment rights must be limited because of the ongoing trial. The retard said, as this court has explained, the First Amendment rights of participants in criminal proceedings must yield when necessary to the orderly administration of justice. Go fuck yourself, bitch. Go fuck yourself. He's not going to go along with it. So nice try. And contrary to the defendant's argument, the right to a fair trial is not his alone, but belongs to the government and the public. Chuckins issues uh, issued a narrow gag order. Uh, oh, so the public has a right to your fair trial? <laughs> Commies are amazing. Trump in October restricting him from chastising prosecutors, court staff, and potential witnesses. So uh, you're not going to give him a fair trial. You know what? This is the same argument they make about censorship. Oh, we have to take away your rights to protect the rights of others. Oh, is that how it works? So we have to make sure he doesn't get a fair trial so the public can get a fair trial from his fair trial. Yeah. Okay. Eat a dick. Prosecutors urged her to reinstate the order after Trump criticized uh, crackhead Jack Smith. And uh, I, I do expect, I hope I'm wrong about this, but I'm expecting terms of service to change on some of the social media sites to make it where you can't criticize Jack Smith or speak out against this. I might be wrong about that, but, but they've done things like that before. You couldn't tell the truth about the 2020 election. You still can't tell the truth about the COVID-19 vaccine. It's fucking crazy. So then Jonathan Turley uh, had some interesting comments. Um, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley said Friday that the gag order imposed on former President Trump by a federal judge is unconstitutional as a federal appeals court put the order on hold. The United States Court of Appeal, which just went over, put it on hold. He said uh, they could have left it to continue, to continue while they reviewed it, Turley said, but they decided, perhaps in an abundance of caution, to order this stoppage until they can give it a full review. The reason I think this could be quite significant because I think the order is unconstitutional. I said that when it was first issued. 
It's a very odd concept of an order because the court here insisted on having this trial before the election, sort of shoehorned it in before Super Tuesday. Well, obviously, what they want to do is get a conviction as soon as possible so that could become part of the narrative. And then they think somehow they're going to... I mean, they can't, They could... Um, the Republican convention is the one way that they could just take it from Trump if the voters decide to vote for Trump. I do believe that there is a mechanism for... Uh, at the Republican convention for them to just take it. And uh, that's going to be total political suicide for the Republicans. Trump supporters will obviously not tolerate that. Now, if they don't do that um, and there's a general election, uh, yeah, like whatever. It's going to be, oh, how, how dare you? How dare you vote for the convicted felon candidate? And that now the DeSantis shills argue that, well, with a conviction, he'll definitely lose. There's plenty of polling showing that that's not the case so far. Uh, so, I mean, you'll, you'll have to see. Is it possible? Anything's possible. But you know what? It doesn't matter. You still got to beat Trump. So you should, if you're concerned about Trump in the general election, then you should redouble your efforts to make sure that your guy beats him. Because regardless, you are a fucking pussy bitch if you go along with any sort of gay op that... If Trump wins the primary via voting, if you go along with anything that takes it away from him and gives it to DeSantis, you're, you're like the biggest pussy bitch. You're like a left. You're no different than a leftist. You're a pussy bitch. That's pussy bitch shit. That would be ridiculous. I would make the same argument if somehow, if somehow DeSantis got the votes and then the, 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 the Republicans just took it from him and gave it to Trump, I'd say that's fucking bullshit. That's some bitch-ass bullshit, and I would never go along with that. But it's interesting how they're all talking, because what they're doing now, they're like, well, no, that's not going to happen. We're just saying that he can't win in the general. All right, well, then stop talking about a broker convention and get the fucking work. And maybe how about do a decent, how about can you do better than a total shit job shilling your candidate? How about not making up bullshit? Did you see the latest bullshit in coordination? These talking points go out in coordination. Did you see? And there's a whole bunch of them. But like Will Chamberlain, what a fraud that guy is. They're doing the, uh, remember Bendy Lee and Duty to Warn? Remember that whole narrative? Trump is having cognitive difficulties because he he said that, so what they would do is, and Pacman would do this all the time. They would take a clip of Trump and they would edit it and they would take it completely out of context. Well, they're doing it with, Trump, a lot of times at rallies, he does this impression of a woman lifting weights. You've seen this. He's making fun of trannies uh, in weightlifting, right? So he'll talk about how there's like women lifting weights. And then, uh, and so he does this whole thing. And I have no problem if you don't find it funny or you think it's cringe. No problem. I don't, I don't care about that. But what Will Chamberlain and the rest of the DeSantis propagandists are doing is they're pretending that when Trump is doing his whole thing with like pretending to lift the weights, that it means that he's cognitively declining, that he's somehow mentally ill. They're like, why is he making these noises? He clearly has dementia. That is so fucking dishonest. There's plenty of things that you can criticize Trump on. You can criticize him about the vaccine. That's a real criticism. You can criticize... Now, there, some some of it's a lie, like when DeSantis said he, he should have fired Dr. Fauci. He couldn't have fired Dr. Fauci. You could argue he should have maybe sidelined him and not have him, have him get up there. That's certainly valid. But don't make... Why do you have to make up bullshit? 
You're no different than the corporate media. So they're doing the Bendy Lee thing where they're like, Trump, Trump is mentally ill. He's just making noise for no reason. Ridiculous. You're, you're just a bunch of uh, ridiculous faggots for doing that. And like people see what you're doing. You're liars. You are lying like the corporate media. Will Chamberlain and Pedro Gonzalez and Bill Mitchell, the aging lesbian, all of them, Dave Reboy, uh, all of these motherfuckers, no different than Rachel Maddow. No different. Never forget how dishonest they were. There are people out there that criticize Trump in an honest way. I, don't, I agree with some of the criticisms. Some of them I don't. But they're not doing propaganda. The DeSantis shows are doing propaganda. And that's wild because there's plenty of things you can, you can talk about DeSantis positively about. A lot of shit he did in Florida was really good. There's plenty of stuff you can criticize Trump on, but no, they're making stuff up. It's such low effort, uh, intelligence insulting propaganda. It is fun to watch though. It is fun to watch them just completely destroy any credibility that they may, may have had. It is, uh, it's very funny. And then you look in the comment section, no one's buying it and people are calling them shills. It's just not going well for them. And their guy's down 50 and they're like, oh, he's definitely gonna win Iowa. Okay, okay, all right, let's see, we will see. How about this? If if your guy loses Iowa, like you're, like you're guaranteeing DeSantis wins Iowa, no problem. When he loses, will you then shut the fuck up with the propaganda and maybe like be a normal person? How about that? No, of course not. Because these people are paid whores, they're cum sluts, and they do as they're told. And whoever is the one telling them to all say the same thing in unison is really not good at propaganda. And uh, it's a weird thing. You would think that uh, these people get paid so much money, you'd think they'd come up with like halfway reasonable propaganda. I don't know. This must be something I'm missing. Anyway, back to this. So, uh, and, yeah, anyway, so um, Turley said uh, related to the um, gag order, he said um, he can't criticize the prosecutors he can't criticize witnesses, and special counsel Jack Smith just asked for this order to be expanded in an equally unconstitutional way. That has drawn criticism even from the ACLU, which is a staunch critic of Trump. But the ACLU has said, look, this is flagrantly unconstitutional. Turley noted that the stakes involved with the gag order were high. Much of this election is going to turn out on these prosecutions. Millions of people believe the criminal justice system has been weaponized. Now, whether that's true or not, when you hold these trials before the election, everyone's going to be talking about it, and there's going to be sharp criticism. Usually when you have these gag orders, it's to protect a jury pool so that they're not influenced by all the publicity that might be generated. Well, you know, that ship has sailed. You just ordered a major trial before an election, and so the question for the Court of Appeals is, what is the real purpose of this? It will be very funny if they start getting friction uh, from the higher courts. That would be really funny. Trump's legal team drops its biggest bombshell yet right on crackhead Jack Smith's head. President Trump and his legal team have taken a bold step against Jack Smith and his team with some explosive new developments. Trump's attorney claims to possess evidence suggesting the Biden White House is deeply embroiled in the political persecution of Trump. For anyone who's been following the developments, even minimally, the situation is fishy and we all know something smells off. As a matter of fact, at the end of August, the House voiced their worries about the partisan direction of the political witch hunt. Um, one second. Let me just... Uh, okay, yeah, this was from the House, right? 
Yeah, today, uh, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan sent letters to Biden's Chief of Staff Jeff Zients and Attorney General Merrick Garland on recent reports that Jay Bratt, a top aide to special counsel deranged Jack Smith, met with Biden White House officials numerous times. So you know what's going to happen here, right? So whether it's the, uh, the amount of deaths from the vaccine, whether it's the amount of side effects from the vaccine, w- w- whether it's uh, evidence related to the 2020 election, evidence of Joe Biden's corruption, evidence of the government censoring people and putting pressure on Twitter, Facebook, Google, what have you. It's going to be the same thing with this. No evidence at all. They all, they, they, they all make the same argument. Oh, there's no evidence at all. So now what they're going to say is it, sometimes when they shift the goalposts. So, for example, regime propagandist Destiny did the no evidence at all related to the uh, Twitter censoring, right? But then there were like 30 Twitter files released with a bukkake of evidence. And instead of being like, oh, hey, look at that, I was wrong. Instead of doing that, because regime propagandists can't do that, they have to stay on narrative, they have to repeat their talking points. Sometimes though, when they're getting blasted in the face with so much evidence, they have to move the goalposts. So then the goalposts went to, well, they had to do that. Well, you know, they had to do it. You know, they had to do it. There's just, there's, there's, uh, what do you expect them to do? It's a good thing. So what you're probably going to see here is that they're going to argue, well, you know, Biden, they had to do this. You know, of course, it's totally normal. It's totally normal for them to meet and coordinate. This is also what they did when they said there was no evidence of Joe Biden uh, dealing with Hunter Biden's businesses. There was no evidence that he talked to any of Hunter Biden's business associates. Then there was a bukkake of evidence that that happened. And they're like, well, he had to he had to say hi. He had to he was just talking about the weather. It's funny. It's very funny to watch these homos move the goalposts so much. It's very funny because um, they, they just, uh, they're just not good at lying, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to lie on the internet. That's the thing. You know, these people, and they deserve what they get. If you lie on the internet, you deserve, that's why they're like, oh, we have to stop all this hate and harassment. Most, the vast majority of it are people pointing out that you're a fucking liar. That's really what, what it is. And a lot of times they don't use nice words, nor should they. So you're, you're basically getting what you deserve. That's what you're, that's what's happening. Says, oh, hate and harassment. Now you're getting what you deserve. Again, as long as it's legal, keep it legal. Um, So the Committee on the Judiciary is continuing its oversight of the Biden Justice Department's commitment to impartial justice and its handling of a special counsel investigation against President Biden's chief opponent in the upcoming presidential election. According to recent reports, Jay Brad, a Department of Justice employee and top aide to special counsel deranged Jack Smith, met with White House officials multiple times just weeks before Mr. Smith indicted President Trump. Just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. This new information raises serious concerns regarding the potential for a coordinated effort between the department and the White House to investigate and prosecute President Biden's political opponents. In September of 2021, Mr. Bratt reportedly met with an advisor to the White House chief of staff. Two months later, in November of 2021, Mr. Bratt again went to the White House to meet with administration officials. During the same period, President Trump's lawyers were negotiating with the National Archives about presidential records 
from his tenure in office. According to reporting, Mr. Bratt's 2021 White House meetings related to national security. Subsequently, on March 31, 2023, just nine weeks prior to Mr. Smith's indictment of President Trump, Mr. Bratt met with the White House Council's Office Deputy Chief of Staff, Carolyn Saba, and FBI Special Agent Daniel Ray for a case-related interview. We've previously raised concerns about Mr. Bratt's involvement in this matter, which you have declined to address to date. Mr. Bratt is alleged to have improperly pressured a lawyer representing an employee of Mr. Trump to induce the lawyer's client to cooperate with the department's prosecution. Mr. Bratt allegedly commented to the lawyer that he did not think the lawyer was a Trump guy and that he would do the right thing. Mr. Bratt referenced the lawyer's application for a judgeship on the D.C. Superior Court and implied that the application would be received more favorably if if his client cooperated with the prosecution of Donald Trump. These facts reinforce the serious concern that Mr. Smith is not running an impartial and unprejudiced uh, investigation and prosecution. The committee has a significant interest in examining how the department runs its special counsel investigations to inform potential legislative reforms concerning the department's special counsel practices and operations. However, Stakes have just escalated with President Trump's most recent legal maneuver. His attorneys claim they have proof of collusion between Biden's regime and entities like the National Archives and Records Administration, the Department of Justice and Intelligence Agencies, and deciding which documents should be in, in the indictment pursued by Jack Smith. Unfortunately, the corruption in this current regime doesn't shock us anymore. They have weaponized and politicized every facet of power with brazen disregard and disrespect for we the people. The allegations from Trump's legal, uh, legal team are explosive. This is bombshell type stuff. Unfortunately, what they'll do is just they'll, they, won't, they probably just won't let them submit it. That's really what will happen. And it will be hand-waved away from, by the regime propagandists. Um, what continues to astonish many of us is the blatant coordinated effort to interfere in elections, all while mainstream media outlets, including Fox News, seem to merely observe the spectacle, doing absolutely nothing to look into it. Well, they're, they're an arm of, of the regime. They're the propaganda arm of the regime. They're completely worthless. They need to be dismantled, and, and um, at, at least many of the people uh, in those regime propagandist networks need to be prosecuted. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but that's what should happen. Okay. Um, Biden's DOJ wants to prohibit cameras and audio in the courtroom for the Trump J6 case. Interesting. Biden's Department of Justice does not want cameras or audio recording in the courtroom when they prosecute Donald Trump for the alleged January 6th conspiracy charges. I think they see how it's going for any, and there hasn't been like a ton of, uh, court, but there will be. I think in March, when this Ass Willis case, I think that's going to be televised, from what I understand, or streamed or whatever. But you get these um, periphery cases that are streamed, Eastman, and you just see these lawyers, the Alex Jones case. These lawyers are lunatics. Like they get up there with just insane bullshit. And, and like, you know, they played a video of Cash Patel on the Tim Pool show criticizing government officials and act as if it's evidence that he's some sort of criminal ridiculous ridiculous bullshit um so yeah he probably jack smith is not a good lawyer or excuse me he's not a good, a good prosecutor um so he, he this is going to be evidence that he's completely inept at what he's doing so he doesn't want people to see that 
Also, they don't generally hand over discovery, so he doesn't want the, the trouble. Um, the document was uh, posted by Julie Kelly. Uh, here's the Judicial Conference having studied the issue for decades, reaffirming the policy of the federal courts in September 2023. Its policy judgment was to continue to prohibit the audio or video broadcasting of criminal trials. While applicants are free to advocate their views to policymakers, this court should decline their invitation to ignore the binding nature of federal rule of criminal procedure. The application should be denied. The reference rule was enacted in 1946, far before the advent of contemporary media. Media companies want to broadcast the trial. Undoubtedly, the American people want to see it or at least hear it. The trial set to begin in March in the East E. Barrett Pettyman Federal. I thought, uh, hold on. When is Ask Willis? I thought Ask Willis was March. Okay, I guess Ask Willis is after. Okay. From what I understand, the Ask Willis trial will be televised in Georgia. But, uh, oh, well, I guess this is March. All right. Anyway. Um, so let's see. Who, who is this? Um, the lawyers representing the coalition of media companies that want the trial televised said, since the founding of our nation, we have never had a criminal case where securing the public's confidence will be more important than with the United States versus Donald Trump, said the lawyers. The prosecution of the former president uh, now a presidential candidate on charges of subverting the electoral process presents the strongest possible circumstances for continuous public oversight of the justice system. I think they're fucked either way, really. Um, you, you just... I just don't think any of this... If the economy is total shit, I just don't think any of this is going to matter. So this is interesting. The um, AIDS commie scammer Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, convicted on all felony counts, faces... 110 years in prison, disgraced crypto mogul Sam Bankman-Fried, one of the top donors to the Democrat Party, was convicted on all felony counts Thursday evening in federal court. 31-year-old former billionaire founded FTX cryptocurrency exchange. He was convicted following a months-long investigation after the company collapsed overnight. He was found guilty of wire fraud on customers of FTX, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and a bunch of other charges. His crimes cost victims $10 billion. will go down as one of the biggest fraudsters in history. This is the top money guy for the Democrats, the top money guy for Democrats. Um, they will, of course, ignore all of that. So we'll see what happens. People thought he would get away with it. it what was uh, ridiculous gaslighting was um, one of the regime propagandists, uh, human gonorrhea, Matt Binder, came out and he was like, I can't believe people thought that he was going to get away with it, as if there hasn't been decades of corruption inside the judicial system. Like, what are you fucking kidding me? These people, regime propagandists are just, uh, it's incredible. Um, yeah, so uh, looks like the internet was right about Ukraine two years ago. U.S. and, Europe and European officials float peace terms for Ukraine. Senior officials from the United States and its allies have begun discussing possible terms for an end to hostilities between Russia and Ukraine. According to the report, possible outlines for a peace deal were discussed last month during a meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group, um, an organization of more than 50 nations who have provided military aid to Ukraine since Russia invaded. 
the country in February 2022. Officials were reportedly concerned about a perceived stalemate and a lack of public support for a drawn-out war. Is that what it is? Is that is this a stalemate? Is that what this is? Since Russia launched its invasion, Ukraine has received nearly $350 billion in foreign aid, including $113 billion from the U.S., which has been crucial for its continued war effort. But according to Gallup, support for more aid has been steadily declining for over a year. A plurality of Americans, 41%, believe the U.S. is too involved in the war, including 62% of Republicans and 44% of independents. Usually the politicians just ignore the people and they just send all of our money to other countries. They do not give a shit. And uh, meanwhile, our people suffer. And there's lots of problems, collapsing infrastructure. They give zero fucks. This is all about destroying us. And it's unfortunate that that's what our government does, but that's what they do. They are sick, evil pedophiles. Um, so you got this guy, Z Z Valerie Zalewski, says, Just like in the First World War, we've reached a level of technology that puts us in a stalemate. There will most likely be no... A deep and beautiful breakthrough. The assessment came months after Ukraine began its long vaunted counteroffensive in June, which resulted in limited territorial gains, but come nowhere near pushing through the Russia line, which has disappointed many of Ukraine's allies. Uh, Zalzi said that he had underestimated Russia's willingness to take heavy casualties in order to hold their position. The general claimed that 150,000 Russians have been killed since the invasion began. The fog of war makes verifying exact casualty numbers difficult, but by August 2023, U.S. officials estimated that 120,000 Russians had been killed. Various European journalists have tracked at least 34,000 public obituaries of Russian servicemen killed in Ukraine, although they estimate that the true death toll is much higher. Russia itself has not disclosed casualty numbers, but since the war began, it has recruited extensively from its prison system and mobilized hundreds of thousands of new conscripts in some instances with limited to no training. One unnamed Russian draftee says, we're in a hopeless situation as we're considered expendable and the command is indifferent to our lives. Despite these losses, the widespread morale issues culminating in a mutiny by the infamous Wagner Group earlier this year, Russia seems to have held the line. And General Zalzny expressed concern that Russia, which has more than three times as many people as Ukraine, would have an advantage in a war of attrition. The general argued that Ukraine needed new advanced military systems to break the deadlock, and while aid from the U.S. and other countries allowed them to fight Russia on an even footing. You know, it's so funny. Again, the regime propagandists are incredible. Um, and they're not just in the corporate media. They're also in the, quote, independent space. So Sargon of Akkad, who is not, in, in my opinion, a regime propagandist, came out with a comment related to this that basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing and I'm put, putting my own, you know, uh, thing on it. But uh, basically, like, yeah, no shit. This is what we were saying the whole time. And so then regime propagandist Sitch from the uh, Sitch and Adam show was like, well, Russia could have not invaded. Okay, so I understand Russia invaded. Okay, so are you saying that they should have done this? People like Sargon and other many others. We're pointing out that this is, you need to just negotiate peace. And of course, the United States government was not interested in that. If the, if the United States government, they could, the Biden regime could have likely put an end to this by forcing some sort of um, peace deal, which they're ultimately going to do anyway. So if that's what you were going to do, why go through all the deaths and destruction? Okay. 
to defend that is insane. It's just insane. Again, come up with better goddamn propaganda. It is so retarded. It's so retarded. Okay, fine. No, no, yeah, I guess everyone, this, this was worth it, I guess. Okay, Ukrainians, was this worth it? Unbelievable. You're not getting your land back, okay? They're going to take it. I'm not saying it's right. It's just reality, okay? So, and, and going back, and I forget who was arguing this, but it was a reasonable point. So they don't want any, they want a buffer between any fuckery from the United States and NATO. That's what Russia wants. You cannot like Russia. That's what they want, right? Okay, fine. Um, so, the, so they're going to take this certain amount of land, okay? You cannot like it. I don't expect Ukrainians to like it. Is it worth escalating with a nuclear power over this fucking land? No. It, it, for, you know, if you're a Ukrainian, maybe you'll, you'll think, if you want to blow your shit up, over your land and you want, you know, nukes involved. I mean, that's your decision. I don't care. But America, it makes no sense. But that's the, the regime propaganda. So, oh, no, we had to do it. This was a good thing. Yeah, this was a good thing. Okay, yeah, great job. Great job. Wonderful job. All of the money at death. Holy shit, man. It's just disgusting. These people are sick fuckers. Anyway, American, Ukrainian, and other European officials have also worried that the outbreak of violence in Israel after the brutal October 7th terrorist attacks last month will divert attention and resources away from Ukraine. The Biden administration and Democrats on Capitol Hill have pushed for a joint multi-billion dollar AIDS package to Israel and Ukraine. Fuck that shit. The Republican-controlled House passed a standalone bill. What's funny is um, Cuck Schumer is like, we're not even going to go through with it. And then Biden said he would veto. Oh, OK. I guess we won't do anything. No problem. Hey, Republicans put together a package for Israel, and you're saying you'll veto it? Great, no problem. Now can we move on to helping the American people? The answer to that is never. They will never do that because they hate us and they want us all dead. So anyway, it's all interesting. It's all interesting. So um, yeah, I imagine uh, the uh, cokehead homosexual that runs uh, Ukraine is not very happy. Okay, by the way, piece of shit or the tranny the lunatic ugly tranny that's like their press person or whatever could you please fucking release goddamn coach red pill what are you kidding me coach red pill is really a threat coach red pill is a threat to you how weak what a country i'm talking about the government not the people i don't have a problem with the people what a government of pussies and trannies what are you coach red pill is a threat to you oh my god all he does he just talks shit he just gave his opinion, and, you, and you're torturing him in prison. He's probably dead. Actually, he's probably dead right now. Could you release Coach, Coach Red Pill, please? They probably won't. He's probably dead. <clears throat> what? That's a, that's a wild thing. You know, you do this shit on the internet, and then there's people that also do it, and then they have, well, everyone has, you know, names, weird names, and, and then one guy becomes a fucking war prisoner because for doing the very thing that he's done this whole time, which is talk shit on the internet. Everything he said was completely legal and protected. Of course, not in Ukraine. They don't believe. That's what's so funny about the regime propagandists. They're like, oh, it's a burgeoning democracy. It's not a fucking democracy. Zelensky's a goddamn tyrant. He arrests clergymen. What are you kidding me? Anyway, whatever. Oh, but anyway, whatever. Um, Minnesota lawsuit to keep Trump off the ballot hits rocks. A lawsuit to kick Donald Trump off the 2024 ballot in Minnesota may be in trouble after the state Supreme Court justices. Again, this is what I'm talking about. Friction. We haven't seen how much friction these people are going to get. 
with it could be a state supreme court or a higher court federal courts supreme court we don't know it would be very funny if they just shut it all down i'm not expecting that but it would be funny um hearing the case appeared skeptical that states have the authority to take the unprecedented action the case centers around the 14th amendment and this made-up bullshit that somehow donald trump is an insurrectionist and of course who's the arbiter of whether a person is an insurrectionist uh, uh democrats of course similar lawsuits have been filed in other states including colorado where a state trial judge heard arguments all week the colorado case heard by aids commie judge sarah wallace who was an appointee to aids commie governor jared polis and uh, that case may be headed to the supreme court the supreme court has never ruled on this provision of the 14th amendment leading to the novel approach to use it to keep trump off the ballot excuse me trump's attorneys argue that the amendment does not apply to presidents. The text of the amendment references that. That's true. So, uh, Riccato was talking about this the other day. Senators, representatives, and pr- presidential electors, as well as other federal officials, but not the president. The oath the amendment specifies, which is sworn by those listed officials, is not the same oath sworn by presidents. The presidential oath is prescribed separately in the Constitution. Trump's attorney further argues that neither Minnesota law nor federal law allow the courts to strike a candidate from the ballot. Specific to Trump's case, his legal team insists that what occurred on January 6th was not an insurrection and that Trump himself was not responsible. Trump has not been charged in a court of law with insurrection. They want to set the president, uh, excuse me, the precedent that Democrats have the authority to label any person they want anything legally. They want to just be able to arrest you for thought crimes or for legal speech. That's what all of this is, whether it's the court cases with Trump, whether uh, pretending that it's illegal to, to do an alternate slate of electors, which is preposterous, whether it's Ricky Vaughn, they want to make it illegal for you to share memes pointing out how much of a fucking bitch Hillary Clinton is, it doesn't matter or how fucking stupid some Democrat voters are. Anyway, whatever. Trump has not been charged in a court of law. Two of the seven Minnesota justices recused themselves. Several justices, including Chief Justice Natalie Hudson, said it seemed that questions of eligibility should be settled in Congress, given its constitutional roles and powers in certifying presidential electors and impeaching presidents. These powers seem to, and I think the Minnesota Supreme Court is Democrat controlled, right? I don't think every person on the Supreme Court in Minnesota is a Democrat, but you would think that they would be like, oh, yeah, run this through. We get, Yeah, absolutely. But no, they're like, no, nah, I don't think so. That's fascinating. These powers seem to suggest that there's a fundamental role for Congress to play and not the states because of that. Is that inner interrelation and I, that I think is troubling that suggests that this is a national matter for Congress to decide. Hudson also expressed concerns with the possibility for chaos if multiple states decide differently on if states can determine the presidential candidate's eligibility, joining other justices and questioning if it was appropriate for states to determine the matter. She said, even if the court had the authority to keep Trump off the ballot, should we is the question that concerns me the most. This seems to be what shit like this seems to be freaking the normies out like that seems to be a thing where like you get a normie that doesn't like trump and then you run this by him they're like well no we shouldn't do that see that's so fascinating about this because the lunatic democrats are bloodthirsty they're ready to put all of us in jail they're ready to kill us all slit our throats and fuck our children okay but the normie biden voters i think they don't have the stomach for this 
So that's going to be very interesting to see if, you know, because things could happen. There could be there could be a big ruling somewhere that the media is going to make a huge deal out of and they're going to ignore the fact that it could get overturned or repealed or whatever. And then that could shift the narrative in a certain direction. And then we'll see what the kind of response from the people is. This is all it's going to be crazy. It's all going to be crazy. So there you go. In Minnesota and Colorado, Democrats are desperately desperately trying to take Trump off the ballot and it, it's uh, it's enjoyable to watch them uh, do that because this is uh, I mean think about the level of desperation that they are in to stop this guy and none of it's working and his polling is going up it's really this is like if he wins this is 26 this is so much better than 2016 if he wins because this is like because you're going to have the uniparty the uniparty Republicans when he won the primary he was like uh you know, they kind of like, we're like, okay, well, fuck it. We, you know, we lost. I guess he's the guy. And, and then they kind of united and, you know, they changed their tune. This time around, I think they're going to get more rabid. The DeSantis shills are going to get more rabid. And I bet you they joined the unit. Well, they are the uniparty. They joined the Democrats in calling for Trump's imprisonment, our imprisonment, our whatever. You know, it could get even crazier than that. That's what I expect them to do. I don't think the lunatics uh, are going to be like, uh, well, now that Trump won, the voice of the people was heard, and no, 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 they're they're gonna they're gonna do they're gonna be crazy. I, I get the impression they're gonna be crazy. I hope I'm wrong. Um, so police shut down a detransitioner documentary screening after far left agitators disrupt an event at the University of Utah. By the way, it was good to see. Uh, you know, PragerU is like okay. You know, the problem is leftists are such aids that an outlet like PragerU can seem like way better than it is and people can like like who you want i I don't care but prager you is ultimately you know conservative inc which i'm not really a fan of but they do say reasonable things is it better that there be a prager you video in a school rather than a pedophile predator video from a leftist uh, tranny of course i will take the the prager you videos 10 times out of 10 over the lunatic pedophile videos okay um, I wish there was another option that was like, you know, not as uh, conservative ink, but that's just not the world we're living in. But anyway, PragerU got a huge ad buy on Twitter and they had a detransitioner movie. Just all like, like, it's just so unusual to see detransition. Usually you see the pedophile predator propaganda. You don't see the detransitioner stuff. That's fantastic to see. I'm glad to see that. So look, Elon Musk has not done what he said he was going to do, but he is doing. It is better though. Twitter is better. So he gets like a D minus for me in the grade. There are still people being censored. The other day, I replied to someone and I put the word tranny in my tweet, and I immediately got an email that was like, "This tweet is limited and for hate speech." And it's like you can't say tranny. Oh my God. Anyway. On Wednesday, authorities moved to shut down a screening of a documentary starring detransitioner Chloe Cole after far-left lunatic activists flooded the venue and disrupted the event. The event, which was hosted by the University of Utah's Young Americans for Freedom chapter, was shut down by campus police after nearly 70 lunatic tranny rights activists disrupted the screening for more than 15 minutes with loud AIDS-infested chants. Oh, the smell. My God, the smell. 
just uh, you, you want to know what a colon smells like? Go to this group. That's what that's uh, you're going to find out. You're going to find out what is the what 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 does the inner depths of a person's colon smell like? That's going to be answered for you, and it's not going to be pretty. Anyway, so the lunatic stinkies said, "Hey, hey, ho, ho! Transphobia has got to go. Transphobia is awesome." Uh, it does not have to go. You have to go, okay? Transphobia is not a real thing. It's, uh, you're allowed to not like people for whatever reason that you want, and you're, you're allowed to like people for whatever reason you want. Um, you know, not all trannies are virtuous. Um, some I don't have an issue with. If you're not bothering anyone, then I don't have any beef with you. But if you're trying to shove your tranny cock down people's throats and force yourself into women's bathrooms, you're an asshole. And it's okay to call you an asshole, because that's what you are. Shortly after the activists flooded into the event, campus police demanded that they either stay quiet or leave the venue. They insisted upon staying and continued to cause the disruption. Lucy Atwood, chair of the Utah YAF, told NewsGuard, or excuse me, told NewGuard, I tried to do an introduction of the film for those who were there to learn about the horrific experiences that Chloe and others featured in the documentary have gone through, but each time I would talk, people would yell. Adwood said that her chapter attempted to play the movie with subtitles on, but campus police made the decision to shut down the screening instead of forcing the far-left activists to leave. That's when you have coward bitch police that uh, have no control over the situation. And, um, yeah, that's unfortunate. According to the outlet, the chapter uh, will be hosting Chloe Cole in person on November 30th, as, and YAF's legal team is working to ensure the event will proceed without being shut down by authorities. Um, the Daily Caller documentary "Damaged: The Transitioning of American Kids" tells the stories of the lives of the lives of transgender people who wish they had never transitioned genders and the harmful effects it's had on their mental and physical health. So it's good, you know. The, the, there is shifts are happening, not enough, obviously, um, but shifts are happening in multiple areas, and this is one of them. Um, the fact that like you were able to show I don't think I don't know if it was the same documentary because I thought it was a Prager U ad buy for the detransition or unless they're working with the Daily Caller maybe that's possible I have no idea but um and also more and more sports leagues um are just like no we're not doing the training thing anymore um that's that's very good you get this South Park episode now look South Park I, I I really I didn't like I've always liked South Park I did not like the vaccine episode I thought they were a little cowardly if I'm being frank um they didn't do what they normally would do they, uh, they did not go hard against the lunatic vaccine people and instead they they went hard at the easy target the Trump supporter type now I don't care if they go after the Trump supporter type. Some of the shit's funny, but it, it was it. You could tell you could tell that they knew that it was unsafe to criticize leftists and pro-vaccine people at the time, and so they decided to play the safe route. And I didn't like that. This, on the other hand, though, now it, you can argue it is safe now to kind of do this with what they're doing with this uh, making fun of this dumb bitch that ruined Star Wars, but the fact that it's happening is a good thing, ultimately. Um, yes, you could argue, like, I want people, I want comedians and shows to say the unacceptable things when it's not safe. That's, I want people like Lenny Bruce, who was getting arrested for saying nigger and faggot, okay? I'm not saying you have to get arrested. I'm saying that I respect, because 
People were so insane that if you got on stage and said epithets, you could get arrested. Okay, so when COVID was at its craziest, you could get you people were rabid against you if you spoke out against masks, spoke out against the vaccine. There were some comedians doing that, and credit to them. Not a lot, though. Not a lot of them. So now that it's safer with this stuff, with like, because you know what has happened is. The AIDS commies have destroyed so many movies in the most ridiculous way possible that now South Park has much more public sentiment on their side when they make fun of Kathleen Kennedy and all of this ridiculous race swapping that they do. Um, but ultimately, it's good. I haven't seen it. I've seen clips. In the clips that I saw, it seemed pretty funny. I do like South Park. Um, and so uh, I, I do plan to watch the whole thing. At some point, I'll put it. I'll put it in the queue. But I, I'll, I'll be. Uh, there, I'll probably have to check out the John Woo movie first. Uh, I think that's at the end of the month. <clears throat> There's a John Woo movie coming out that I'm. I was completely caught off guard. I thought John Woo was done. And also, John Woo, unfortunately, he's he's arguably the greatest action director of all time. Arguably, his American movies are not great. So my my opinion was, oh, it's over. You know, he did great Hong Kong movies, and it's over. Apparently, I don't know how this was allowed. I don't know what the hell... I'm, I'm hesitant to, to get hopeful. He's making a movie about a white guy whose family is harmed by non-white gangsters. So this is like a combination. This is like almost like a, a kind of a death wish thing. Because, you know, they made a big deal out of the Bruce Willis death wish because some of the people Bruce Willis killed were non-white. Anyway, it, it, and there's no dialogue in the whole movie. That's, that's a first that I'm aware of, that an action movie with no words, I don't know if that will work. But the, the trailer is incredible. And I'm like, okay, are we getting one final? Because John Woo is like 80. Are we getting one last good John Woo movie? I was not expecting that. So December 1st, if you like action... There might be a good one coming. I don't know, though. Because, you know, his American action movies have not been good. Uh, let's just be real. They just have not been... I mean, a couple of them were decent, but they were... Come on. It's just Paycheck. Did you see that movie? That was garbage. With uh, the guy that's fucking Jennifer Lopez. That movie was terrible. Anyway. Big... Oh, here we go. This is... Hopefully enough people complain. So th there have been attempts to get mass mandates back in places, and then people just don't go along with them, and then they pull back. So hopefully this one gets reversed like the other ones. Bay Area County to reinstate mass mandates in healthcare settings starting November 1st. Ridiculous. Starting November 1st, some California counties began requiring mask wearing for those who visit a hospital or clinic or a long-term care facility. According to AP, this is so counterproductive because what this what this tells people who don't really pay too much attention is that if you're sick, if you wear a mask, it's probably okay for you to go into these places. It's not okay. Like if you now obviously you're gonna do what you want and people do what they want, but if you're talking about a nursing home, right? If you're sick, you should probably not go into a nursing home. Again, I'm not telling you what to do. You can do what you want. Okay, it's ultimately your call. You're not gonna get arrested, but if if you are trying to figure out, oh, well, I'll just wear a mask. Yeah, that's not how any of this works. This is like my argument that I made that they didn't, because they would be like, oh, we're trying to protect people. No, if you were trying to protect people, you wouldn't lie to them. Because maybe you do have a person, because they pretended the masks worked, okay, in stopping influenza-like illnesses. 
Well, if there's a person that's immunocompromised, it is ridiculous to tell them, oh yeah, you can go to the Home Depot, just wear a mask and you'll be fine. No, they won't be fine. And if they catch something, they're going to be in trouble because they're immunocompromised. The masks don't work, retards. Unbelievable. But they still, it's, it's a religious ritual. This is like a facial yarmulke. That's what this is for lunatic leftists. It's a yarmulke, but they put it on their face. And according to ABC7, Santa Clara County requires all patients and providers to wear a mask inside healthcare facilities. With while Alameda, San Mateo, and a whole bunch of other places run by AIDS commies, and of course San Francisco. Uh, oh yeah, they really care about your health in San Francisco. You got to wear a mask, but the but you you, uh, you can shit in the street. You can shit and piss anywhere you want, as long as you're homeless. Speaking on why they're advising pregnant women in vulnerable group. Oh wow. Oh now. Oh no. There's also a vaccine thing. Um, they're also telling people to get triple vaccinated with the COVID-19 flu shot and the RSV vaccine. Holy shit. By the way, people have their own opinions about different vaccines. Um, but the flu vaccine is different from what I understand than the COVID one as far as mRNA, right? Uh, I don't take any of them personally, but what they're trying to do is make the flu vaccine mRNA. Now, say what you want about the flu vaccine. I, I don't, look, I'm open to evidence. I, it's not my thing. I don't take it. But if you're comparing the flu vaccine and the COVID-19 vaccine as far as danger, the COVID-19 vaccine is way worse. There are not, the flu vaccines have been around for like decades. And certainly if you want to argue, they downplay some of the side effects because some people have been harmed by them, that I'll agree with. But when you just look at the, the, the quantity difference, it's preposterous. My point here is what they're gonna do and what they're working on is making the flu vaccine an mRNA vaccine, which I guarantee you is going to make the side effects and deaths from the flu vaccine skyrocket, just like they did with the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, so far, what they're doing with the COVID-19 vaccine is just, they're just waving away all the deaths. They're just like, no, there's no deaths. No, there's, it, it's just not happening. They're just saying, yeah, it's not happening. Nope, they're just waving it away. So they're, they're hand-waving, and they're probably going to hand-wave when they do this with the flu vaccine. But anyway, if you know anyone, maybe you have a family member, because I know people like this, they don't take the COVID-19 vaccine, but they take a flu vaccine. And again, it's their choice. I'm not, what am I going to do? I'm not a doctor. Do what you want. I'm not taking shit. Okay, you're not sticking anything in me. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Just know that if they switch it to the mRNA, you, you, pro you, you, you might want to, uh, you, you know, know that at least. At least know going into it. Because the mRNA, what do they call it? A platform? Don't they call it a platform? I think they call it a platform. Yeah, it's very dangerous to human beings. That's one of the problems. mRNA is very dangerous to human beings. Okay, so... Obviously, it's going to hurt a ton of people. I, you know, or maybe they'll figure it out by the time this happens. But you know, I, their, their track record is terrible. I don't think they're going to figure it out. I think this is all deliberate anyway. But yeah, so if you uh, if you know someone that's had no problem with the flu vaccine that gets it every year or whatever, just understand that at some point next year or the year after, they're going to switch it to mRNA. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't tell people. You got to be diligent, man. These people will fuck your shit up. And then this RSV, what's a, who was I? I was watching some, oh yeah, this is the other thing. I was watching some normie. This nor, this was not a political channel. 
it, it wasn't even about anything related to any of this. And all of a sudden, in the middle, of, he's like ranting about, you know, just bullshit. And all of a sudden, he goes, by the way, what the fuck is RSV? Why does everyone have RSV? When I was growing up, I didn't have RSV. Now, everyone I know has RSV. And it was just interesting watching like a normie who is not in any way political suddenly just start ranting about the... the I, now, I don't know what's going on with RSV. What I know is it's you're being bombarded with propaganda that, oh, you got to get an RSV shot. Oh, the kid's got to get an RSV. RSV, you can't get RSV. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone has RSV. Okay, all right. Well, you know, I, I guess I guess we'll see. But that was very interesting. And you look at the percentage of people, this is great news, 3.5% only took the COVID-19 booster. That is incredible. If you would have asked me, what do you think compliance on the COVID booster is going to be? I would have said 12 to 15%. Well, it wasn't even close. 3.5%, that's fantastic. I'd love it to be zero. But, uh, but yeah, so all this bullshit. And, then, and they're specifically telling pregnant women to get the COVID-19 vaccine. You can't tell me that's not deliberate. The publicly available evidence related to the COVID-19 vaccine and pregnant women is a disaster. And it's very bad for the fetus. Now, if you don't want the fetus and you want to, you know, maybe you don't want to like have an abortion, like, you know, maybe like I could see, I could see some like some, you know, some woman who's like with a guy who doesn't want her to get an abortion, but she wants an abortion and she's like, well, maybe I can just go get the COVID-19 shot and it'll knock out two birds with one stone. Yeah, possibly. It's not going to guarantee it. It's not 100%. What do they call what do they call it in the trial data? Spontaneous abortion, I think. I think that's what they call it a miscarriage. It's not a 100% rate of spontaneous abortion. I think what was it like 60? <laughs> it's not it's not funny. Cuz these women wanted their kids and they destroyed uh, these lives and they destroyed these women and probably their reproductive uh, uh, futures. Man, these are some evil fucking people. All right, let's move on here. I hope one day we will truly get answers to how much internet psyops have we actually undergone. Like how much of this shit is real? Because look at this story. HBO Max execs created a troll army to target critics of their entertainment content. This is one company. How many others have done the same thing? I bet you the answer is most of them. I bet you most of the lunatics that you see online are not organic. I bet you, I bet you. Have a desire to share an honest opinion about HBO movies and television shows? Well, you better watch out as new reports reveal that its executives created a troll army to go after critics of their entertainment content. According to Rolling Stone, HBO and Max executives Casey Bloys and Kathleen McCaffrey discussed creating a secret army through a series of text exchanges, which includes having employees create fake X accounts to go after movie and television critics in an effort to manipulate audiences into liking their content. That is never going to work. You're going to have to make good shows. You used to make good shows. Oz, that was a great show about prison. There's a lot of rape in that show. It's one thing I wasn't a fan of, but there's a lot of rape in prison. So what are you going to do? Remember Pancamo, the Italian guy? That guy was awesome. I love that guy. I don't think he was in any other show, the actor that played him. I think he was also a criminal. That guy's the man, Pancamo. That motherfucker was 
That motherfucker was all right. The executives trolled television critics with snarky responses from a fake Twitter account and also dropped pro-HBO comments on trade publication stories. Rolling Stone obtained documents of the text exchanges through an ongoing lawsuit filed by former HBO staffer Sully Tamori, who is suing the company over harassment and retaliation allegations. Tamori said that he created fake online accounts to respond to critics. According to the lawsuit, he alleges that McCaffrey approached him and said, Bloys always text me asking me to find friends to reply. Is there a way to create a dummy account that can't be traced to us to do his bidding? According to screenshots, Tamori weaponized the use of identity politics when responding to critics on dummy accounts. Acting under the alias Kelly Shepard, Tamori responded to criticism of Josh Whedon's The Nevers by writing... How shocking that two middle-aged men uh, are shitting on a show about women. By the way, you know what? I, I, I think what is obvious, all of the, uh, most of the weaponization of these lefty concepts about hate that were used to uh, censor the Internet, um, that, that was the government. <clears throat> that was the government. That was the government. And uh, Mike Benz does great uh, uh, breakdowns of like how this all works. But yeah, ultimately, the government, that's the government. The report is published as skepticism grows that major studios are attempting to manipulate audiences into preferring their programs on purpose. That's never going to work. You fucking suck. Everyone knows you suck. You got to make good shows. According to Bounding in the Comics, a Rotten Tomatoes critic admitted in 2019 that they give fake positive reviews in order to maintain access to the industry. To maintain his access to celebrities and studios, sci-fi uh, Danny Roth confessed in 2015 that he engaged in softball with film studios. On how to maintain access to film studios, Roth said on a podcast, here's the actual reality. Here's where we actually are in the industry. If you want to talk about, quote, access media, every single person who wants to have access to things early, who wants to get access to things so that traffic is drawn to their site, will on occasion, everybody at the podcast, everyone in our industry occasionally has to play softball and occasionally has to look the other way a little bit. Everybody has to do it to some degree. Everybody in our industry that's part of this, quote, unquote, access media has to decide which battles they want to pick which uh, of the ones where my voice is the one that has to get said. So this is, um, what were they doing? Fake positive reviews? Is this the Marvels? That, you know, you're just making total shit. Have you seen the com commercials? And uh, I don't watch any of these movies anyway. I, I don't remember the last superhero movie I watched. Um, they're not all bad, but a lot of them are bad. I did like the Dark Knight the Joker one and the one with Bane, those were good. I actually, I actually thought those were good movies. Uh, but like the Avengers stuff, I don't really give a shit about that. But anyway, these movies are eights. First of all, they showed a clip of like a fight scene and it looked horrible. I was like, this sucks. Who the fuck? And then the, this is the other problem. I have no problem if you have women in movies. There's a long history of women kicking ass in movies. Uma Thurman, the chick from Resident Evil, the chick from Underworld. I, I like all those movies. I think they're fine. What they do is they get these women that are, that are barely attractive or not attractive. So that's your first problem. Look, 
I'm not talking about my scale for smashing in real life. That's a totally different scale than the amount of attractiveness that, that needs to be done in a movie. Like those are two completely, they take girls that you would probably smash in real life and they put them in these roles as superheroes. But the first thing that I noticed, at least, and maybe I'm the one with the problem, is like, I'm like, wow, that girl's really not that attractive. Have you seen the Marvels? So you got the blonde chick and she's probably the most attractive out of all of them, but she's such a bitch that it's like, ugh, I don't really like her. And then you get the Muslim girl who's kind of like got a, like a bit of a pig nose. And like, you know, he probably, if she's over 18, this, this applies. If she's under 18, then, then I retract. But you would probably smash, you know, if you met her in real life. If she wasn't like an AIDS commie leftist, you'd be like, all right, whatever. Uh, and then the black girl. The black girl's not hot. And there's hot black girls. One, you, you put Holly Berry. Remember Holly Berry as Storm? It's fucking smoking hot. Holly Berry as Catwoman. The movie was one of the worst ever made. But, you know, that worked. But now you get these women. They're not attractive. So what, what are you giving people? What are you giving people? The action sucks. The CGI sucks. Okay, the acting sucks, and the women are unattractive. What the fuck are you giving people? Trash. It's total trash. Who wants to watch that? Not me. Anyway. Uh, furthermore, actor Gina Carano, who was terminated from Star Wars Mandalorian after, but she's pretty much a smash after post-critical of COVID responses and gender ideology, claimed that Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy collaborated with YouTube to remove critics of the company's films and television shows off the platform. Oh, yeah, which is, again, not surprising at all. Carano wrote on Twitter, This is the part where Kathleen Kennedy demands any YouTubers get censored off of YouTube for sharing and laughing at this hilarious episode. She'll have YouTube disable the thumb downs option because of the ratio she'll receive. Then she'll have her publicist ghouls make sure Variety and Hollywood Reporter run hit pieces about the South Park creators and their families smearing their names through every useful idiot she has under her thumb who would sell their souls to work for Lucasfilm. She'll activate her online mob to repeat that the South Park creators are racist, bigot, transphobes, and demand that South Park creators publicly apologize by only using words she approves of. And finally, she'll demand they subject themselves to a re-education course of 45 people in the LGBTQ community Zoom call to sit there and listen of how badly they got their feelings hurt over a little boop of a South episode, a South Park episode episode but maybe just maybe the jig is up that's a pretty good post that's a pretty good post yeah so there you go um she was in the uh the mandalorian first two seasons were okay i didn't watch the third it looked like aids but uh, it is what it is so now the usa today daily beast media matters and the splc run hit pieces suggesting that libs of tiktok is a terrorist for standing up against child sex changes man these guys, boy, the corporate media and Democrats, they defend child mutilators and child predators more than any. I mean, they just, man, all this woman does, Chaya Reichik, is like post a video that say, hey, look what this leftist is saying. That's it. Hey, look, this leftist says that they groom children. Why don't you listen to what they say? They put it on their own TikTok. The creator of Libs of TikTok released a fiery response on Thursday after multiple left-wing media outlets published hit pieces suggesting that she's a terrorist for standing up against child sex changes. Reichick's response even received praise from Elon Musk. In the video published to Twitter, Reichick said these left-wing journalists asserted that her work is both dangerous and violent. However, the popular creator suggested that she is nothing of the sort, but rather those who push radical gender ideology on the children are the dangerous ones. 
this week there was a massive coordinated campaign from the left-wing media against me, she said. They all basically started painting me as a terrorist who likes to inspire bomb threats. They are calling me dangerous and violent. Do you know what is actually dangerous and violent? I'll tell you. Introducing children to adult-themed sexualized performances where half-naked men dress up as women and shake around their massive prosthetic breasts and butts in front of kids. It's chopping off the healthy body parts of young, confused minors. It's giving children pornography in schools. It's confusing children about their identity and having them think that they could be another gender. That is what actually is dangerous and violent. But of course, none of these media people called any of that, called any of that out or spoke about that at all. Rychik said in a follow-up post, I'm going to stop calling all these things out just because the media, excuse me, I'm not going to stop calling all these things out just because the media is trying to paint me as a violent and harmful terrorist. They aren't really journalists, they're activists. Yeah, they're pro-pedophile activists. And they are infested, infested in the left wing. It is incredible. Articles published this week by Media Matters, USA Today, The Daily Beast. And the SBLC suggested that Reichick, who fights the culture war by sharing already uploaded photos of radical leftists on her Libs and TikTok account, used their own words, uh, using their own words as dangerous insights, hate and violence, and inspires bomb threats. Elon Musk, who's also been the target of hit pieces by these outlets, responded by saying, you're on the side of the right meaning you're on the right side. It's a weird way to put it. Uh, the, the seemingly coordinated hit pieces come after the far-left ADL removed Chaya Raichik, a young Jewish woman, from its glossary of extremism last month. The ADL added her to the list in September 2022 after she brought to light efforts by U.S. children's hospitals to perform sex changes on children. She has shared... She, the videos she shared include the promotional clips by the Boston Children's Hospital and other major medical organizations. She said, the ADL targeted me, a young conservative Jewish woman, for speaking out against wokeness, far-left indoctrination of children, and the medical mutilation of minors under the guise of gender ideology. Libs of TikTok had initially been an anonymous account, but Reichick was doxxed and her identity was revealed in April of 2022 by the eggless whore of the Washington Post, Taylor Lorenz, claiming that it was incredibly important to reveal the identity of the person behind the account, adding, I mean, for all we knew, this could have been a foreign actor, right? Relatives of Reichick were also harassed by the eggless whore Lorenz, who's pushing 60, uh, when the 60-year-old went up to the residence of Chai Reichick's family. Just a crazy thing. Crazy situation. So the Target CEO is a lying bitch. He said um, that the conservatives that were upset over the pro-pedophile merchandise was more dangerous to employees than the George Floyd overdose riots. Target CEO Brian Cornell deflected when he pressed Thursday about specific Target products that generated a boycott starting in May, while suggesting blowback over tranny merchandise came from violent customers who threatened his employees' safety more than the George Floyd riots. Target, as admitted by Cornell, is still suffering from abysmal sales. Good. Fuck you, bitch. Outraged shoppers took to social media back in May after discovering LGBT pride clothing for children and a transgender tuck-friendly bathing suit at a popular retail chain. It was also later pieced together that a designer tied to the merchandise featuring occult images and phrases such as Satan respects pronouns and trans witches for abortion designed some of the Target pride items. 
Cornell told CNBC's Squawk Box that the violence and looting witnessed during the fentanyl Floyd riots did not compare to the trans blowback. Again, totally made up. What a bitch this guy is. What a lying bitch. So this piece of shit fucker said, and I quote, We've seen natural disasters, the impact of COVID, some of the violence that took place after George Floyd's murder, but I would tell you, what I saw back in May is the first time since I've been in the job where I had store members saying, it's not safe to come to work, adding that angry customers were engaged in very aggressive behavior at store level, lots of threats and destroyed products, all made up. They were very aggressive with our team members, personally threatening them and yelling at them. You know, they threatened to light product on fire in the store. We've been celebrating heritage months like Pride for over a decade now. We've never seen this kind of response. Well, you're trying to fuck the kids. You finally made it clear to the public that a lot of this is about kid fucking and kid mutilation. And people were like, well, we don't agree with that. We've had enough. People have had enough. And that's it. So you're going to have to stop or else. Seemingly running in contrast with Cornell's assertion, stores in at least five states receive bomb threats via email. I'm telling you these are Democrats sending these. So it's it's the same thing they're doing with Chaya Reichick. They do it with Trump. Trump will criticize some fucking ridiculous Democrat, and then there will be a bomb threat. And they're like, look what Trump just did. We have to silence him. It's unsafe. It's a total racket. It's a total racket. Cornell suggested... He had to pull the controversial merch from stores, not because of the devastating financial repercussions from the massive boycott, but for employee safety. We had to prioritize the safety of the team. It's totally made up. The CEO further seemed to deny some of the tranny items in association with the controversial pride designer. The lunatic bitch said, people said, look, there are bathing suits that are transgender bathing suits that are being targeted and marketing, marketed to kids. Oh, that's the host said that. And then the asshole said, Oh, oh, no, excuse me. The quick. Actually, wow. Rebecca Quick asked reasonable questions. She said, there's a guy that you're working with, a designer who I don't know is a devil worshiper or something. What would you say back to some of those criticisms? The lying bitch said, I think you and I both know those weren't true. Again, they were true, you liar. But in the moment, we said the best thing for us is to address the issue. We can't combat each and every statement that's made and do the right thing for our team. Take the learning as we move forward. Fuck Target. Mother fuck Target. I haven't been the Target in a long time. Fuck that place. All right, so uh, the WHO is coming after misinformation. The United States, or excuse me, the United Nations World Health Organization has published a new draft of its troubled pandemic agreement, Accord Treaty, which the agency has complained is taking too long to finalize. The latest draft of the negotiating text released by the Bureau of Inter governmental negotiating body on Monday must be considered until the INB session scheduled for November when it should be formalized. Some of the commitments contained in the version of the documents have to do with combating false, misleading, misinformation, or disinformation, including through effective international collaboration and cooperation. So, meaning they don't want true things to be said on the internet. They want to control what's said on the internet, so they want to fill the internet with their bullshit, lying propaganda. That's what that means. And then there's surveillance. Something called One Health Approach for Pandemic Prevention, Preparedness, and Response, response which the draft wants to see promoted and implemented. One Health is a surveillance tool that is supposed to create new methods of disease control. 
Yet another point from the proposal is to develop and strengthen pandemic prevention and public health surveillance capacities. Critics have many concerns and misgivings about all this, including WHO setting up what's known as a conference of parties and international convention's top governing body around the pandemic accord. The fear is that it would be one more instrument taking agency and consent away from national governments and people and transferring the decision-making process to the World Health Organization. However, the draft's chapter on institutional arrangements envisages establishing just such a conference of the parties as part of the accord scope. A number of advocacy organizations from around the world have already expressed their dissatisfaction with the draft from different points of view, including how, if adopted, would impact less developed countries while the draft itself seems unbalanced. Ignoring proposals from all countries that are supposed to implement the treaty and allowing those with the most cloud in Brussels to set the tone is seen as a one-sided in this sense as well. Yeah, fuck this. I hope people do not go along with any of it. It is uh, it's total bullshit. All right, let me uh, put the speakers on. We'll start out with the videos here. The rapidly aging Nicole Wallace. What is she talking about? What else is she talking about other than Trump is dangerous and so are his supporters? everyone it's four o'clock in new york the trump davidians that is how trump ally steve bannon sums up a movement that has swallowed whole one of our nation's two major political parties a movement led by an ex-president currently facing 91 felony counts and on a third run for the white house on a platform of damaging democracy that quote is from jonathan carl's brand new book tired of winning donald trump and the end of the grand old party it reveals this dramatic collision of efforts to hold the ex-president accountable for his alleged crimes and misdeeds accountable and a candidate who has no hesitation stoking the fires of right-wing extremism and sees winning the presidency as the only way to get out of his legal troubles in an essay in the atlantic that is adapted from his brand new book john carl writes this about the decision by the trump campaign to hold its very first rally in Waco, Texas, the site of a standoff between far-right extremists and the FBI. That oh, they were far-right, were they? Oh, okay. Ended in dozens of deaths. Quote, shortly after the rally was announced, I asked Steve Bannon, who had served as the CEO of Trump's 2016 campaign and had once again emerged as one of Trump's most important advisors, why the former president would go to Waco for his big campaign reboot. He wasn't coy. Quote, we're the Trump Davidians, he told me with a laugh. As for Trump's comments at that speech, John Carl writes this, quote, this was not a campaign speech in any traditional sense. Trump echoed the themes of paranoia and foreboding that grew out of the Waco massacre. Quote, as far as the eye can see, the abuses of power that we're currently witnessing at all levels of government will go down as among the most shameful, corrupt, and depraved chapters in all of American history, Trump said. The central message of the Trump candidacy was now geared around fending off the criminal cases brought by Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, Special Counsel Jack Smith, and Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis. Once again, John Carl writing in The Atlantic, quote, but they weren't coming after Trump's law-abiding supporters. They were coming after Trump. Decades earlier, the presidential candidate, Bill Clinton, told voters that he felt their pain. Trump was now doing the reverse, trying to persuade his supporters to feel his pain as if it were their own. 
It is all part of a, quote, campaign of vengeance and martyrdom, Carl, John Carl writes. Quote, he will continue to talk about what is at stake. I will take a campaign of vengeance. That sounds great. Sign me up for a campaign of vengeance. Stake in the election in apocalyptic terms. Quote, the final battle, knowing how high the stakes are for him personally. He can win and retake the White House, or he can lose and go to prison. Donald Trump's run for the presidency built around an assault on the rule of law in these United States is where we begin today with some of our favorite reporters and friends. The author of that great excerpt we just read from that great new book, John Carl, is here with us. What a heck. He's chief Washington correspondent for ABC News and already a best-selling author. The upcoming book, Tired of Winning, Donald Trump and the End of the Grand Old Party, is out this month. We're also joined by the former lead investigator for the January 6th Select Committee, Tim Hafey. So I I can't get past the Trump Davidians, John Carl. Oh, um, yeah. How dare one. you joke? Uh, first of all, uh, it just blew me away to hear it. I, I immediately, when I what saw the that, that first rally, this wasn't any rally. This was the kickoff rally. This was the beginning of the 2024 uh, presidential campaign, the first rally of that campaign. And to go to Waco, I mean, he didn't go to a battleground state. He didn't go to Iowa. He didn't go to New Hampshire. He didn't go to South Carolina. Uh, he didn't go uh, to, a, to, to, to any place that made sense in terms of the political calendar or the political map. He went to Texas. And he didn't go anywhere in Texas. He went to Waco. And it was almost exactly 30 years after the Branch Davidian uh, disaster. Uh, I had actually written a book um, in uh, <laughs> a thousand years ago, it seems like, but long, not long after that, uh, called The Right to Bear Arms, The Rise of America's Militias. And the, the front page of the cover of that book had a photo of the inferno in Waco. And I wrote about how that disastrous federal raid had inspired that armed militia, right-wing militia movement. Um, so to hear it again and to see the campaign themes almost exactly as they were back in the 1990s when Timothy McVeigh used the Waco massacre, which was clearly a, a total screw-up for the Trump's federal government, um, to use that as a rallying cry to carry out the, the single deadliest domestic attack, terrorist attack in American history uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma City. Um, so to hear an advisor, a very important advisor, really, that was more deadly than 9/11. That's new. Candidate invoke the Waco massacre as a rallying cry now for a. He, di he didn't invoke the massacre. You're making that up. You're reading into this campaign. You're pretending that he's a terrorist so you can manufacture consent for the ar arrest or worse of Trump supporters. Uh, to me, uh, was just, I mean, I want to say frightening. I don't know what, I mean, it, you know, was, um, but but it, it so clearly summarized the message as you actually read what Trump was saying or listen to what Trump was saying at that speech. And I feel like in the moment, too many of us, not you, but too many of us, I'll say me, get stuck in the old frame of Trump so ignorant of our own country's history, maybe it's a coincidence. And the coverage wasn't as sharp and probing as what your book reveals. And obviously, writing a book is a different exercise. And, and there was a lot of analysis of the place. But to have Steve Bannon acknowledge that in his mind, the movement is- Steve Bannon made a sarcastic joke to him. Is the Trump Davidians feels 
new. Yeah, and and look, uh, the, the the truth is that Trump had that rally. The rally itself got coverage, but we we one of the key things about that rally, you don't even need Steve Bannon uh, to to make it crystal clear for you. The, the, the rally started with Trump on stage silently uh, listening as the national anthem was played, a recording done by the so-called J6 choir, uh, the, uh, some, of the some, of the, some of the prisoners uh, who were awaiting sentence in a D.C. jail for their role in the January 6th attack, who had, uh, you know, had, had sung over, over the... Uh, uh, over the phones at the at the uh, at that DC prison, the national anthem, and while they played that out, uh, literally on the screen surrounding the, the the stage, you saw scenes from the January 6th attack on the Capitol play out. This was the kickoff rally for a presidential campaign. But again, it's kind of covered. Here we have you know Trump's doing the first rally. Here's what he said. I, I don't think that there was. <clears throat> anywhere near enough attention as to the symbolism the pl of the place, the symbolism of the way he started that, uh, that rally off, and then what he actually said, which was all about retribution and revenge, and doesn't read all that different from what I was listening to as I was writing about those right-wing militia groups, you know, nearly 30 years earlier. Well, and, and let's press on this, because you write this, quote, when I spoke with Bannon a few days later, he wouldn't stop touting Trump's performance, referring to it as his come retribution speech. What I didn't realize was that come retribution, according to some Civil War historians, served as the code words for the Confederate Secret Service's plot to take hostage and eventually assassinate President Abraham Lincoln. Quote, the use of the key phrase, come retribution, suggests that the Confederate government had made a bitter decision to repay some of the misery that had been inflicted on the South. William A. Tidwell, James O. Hall, David Winfred Gady wrote in the 1988 book, Come Retribution, the Confederate Secret Service and the Assassination of Lincoln. Quote, bitterness may well have been directed toward persons held to be particularly responsible for that misery. And Abraham Lincoln certainly headed the list. Bannon actually recommended that I read that book, erasing any doubt that he was intentionally using the Confederate code words to describe Trump's speech. I mean, does this cross a line? I mean, I mean, it's just mind blowing. But uh, Steve Bannon now um, wanted me to be sure uh, that I gave the full, what he called the predicate uh, for that Confederate plot, which is. Uh, that the Confederate Secret Service was directly responding, again, in that, all written in that book, the 1988 book, uh, was, was, was a direct response to an order that Abraham Lincoln had, had given uh, for a mission to try to assassinate Jefferson Davis and the other Confederate leaders. So Bannon is saying he's not uh, uh, saying that it's about the, the, uh, the cause of the Confederacy or even the war itself, but it's direct retribution uh, for, for an attempted uh, assassination of the Confederate leaders. Anyway, it's just bizarre that we're talking about a speech by a presidential candidate in 2023 as reflective of a something that the Confederacy was doing to try to kidnap 
and assassinate Abraham Lincoln. Yes, I mean, this look, is all very plausible. Trump wasn't calling for uh -huh. political assassination, but he was calling for the annihilation of his enemies, which is what Bannon is talking about. The annihilation, not through violence, he'll say, but through other means. Uh, political means, but the full and total annihilation of his enemies. Which uh, he I will. Uh, I'll sign up for that. Uh, yes, I, I would like to sign up for the campaign of annihilation. That that sounds good. Defines not simply as as his political opponents, but you know the so-called deep state, the people that are uh, uh, you know going after him, the, the FBI, the Justice Department, uh, the intelligence agencies, uh, that this is, you know, a full-on effort to annihilate Trump's enemies. Oh, that would I be mean, great. I mean, the line, though, from Waco to McVeigh is a direct one, and the person who prosecuted yes. the Oklahoma City domestic terror attack is Merrick Garland. Um, you know, if these guys yes. have retribution invoking the Confederacy, clearly they have Waco invoking something very direct, don't you think? So now it makes them pro-McVeigh terrorist attack? <laughs> and yeah, Yes, and, and I, oh elsewhere in the book, and I know you and I will have a chance to, the, the, the book is out in about uh, 11 days or so, and, and, and there's a lot more in there. This excerpt in The Atlantic is from the first chapter, really setting up uh, the themes, but there is another uh, there is something else uh, that comes a little bit later, which is I, I ask, and again with Bannon, I ask him, aren't you concerned? I mean, as a human being, aren't you worried about the prospects of violence? Um, and his answer to me was no, because we are going to win. Um, Hope so. That would be great if they win. Maybe. Let me bring you in on this. Um, I, I know what comes after this chapter, and... Um, I have to say, um, betrayal intersects so intimately with your investigation. Um, th this, this is um, a warning. I mean, if people want to hear it, this is a warning for what's coming in the next 12 months. Um, in, in terms of how deliberate locating Trump's campaign launch in Waco was, what are your thoughts and concerns about that? Direct parallel to what happened as a response to his rhetoric before January 6th, right? Again, this is not just rhetoric. So many people who are- uh, Yes, it is, faggot. People are allowed to speak. He can go to Waco and give a speech. That doesn't mean it's terrorism. That's totally made up. At the Capitol, heard, uh, believed, and ultimately acted on the president's statements that the system was rigged, that the election yeah, was- it's clearly rigged. Stolen. It was clearly stolen. And it, just like what follows from that belief in Waco is Oklahoma City, what follows from those assertions by the president about the election is the attack on the Capitol. So again, we've seen now his, you know, historical parallels that, that these words coming from the leader of the free world with a tremendous following have real consequences and absolutely intentional, mindful. Right? It's not enough to every so often throw in peacefully and patriotically when you're talking oh, of about. Of course, yeah. The thing that undoes your entire argument, we got to put that aside. We got to put that part aside. A fight when you're talking about the system being rigged, when you're talking about. You, the again, fucker, you're allowed to say the system is rigged. They are trying to criminalize just any dissent. 
they are trying to pretend that you are committing a crime if you say the system is rigged. State being an enemy of the people. Uh, qualify. The media is absolutely an enemy of the people. They're worse than that. Tying it every so often with the word peaceful does not take away from the intentional ins you know, incitement of violence. So everything that John... Again, that makes no sense that if you tell people to protest peacefully that it's still incitement of violence. Nice try, fucker. ...is laying out in the book seems to me very similar as a historical parallel to what we saw play out very dramatically and tragically at the Capitol. And, and Nicole will continue to play out as long as irresponsible leaders continue to stoke the, the flames of anger uh, and, and inspire their people to take up arms violently, then we're going to continue to have those problems. Um, Tim, let me play some of the evidence that you developed. Um, most of it, I think, goes back to the one tweet on December 19th, be there, will be wild. Watch. Trump repeated his big lie and claimed it was, quote, statistically impossible to have lost the 2020 election before calling for a big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there, will be wild. Again, 100% legally protected speech. Supporters responded immediately. It's Saturday, December 19th. The year is 2020. And one of the most historic events in American history has just taken place. Protected speech. President Trump, in the early morning hours today, tweeted that he wants the American people to march on Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. And now Donald Trump is calling on his supporters to descend on Washington, D.C., January 6th. He is now. So I think we're now we're now entering the phase like I, I think I've said this before. I hope I'm wrong about this. But I do think they're going to arrest a commentator. If I had to guess, I would think it's going to be Alex Jones because they 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 tried all this bullshit with the civil trial. And apparently he hid all his money and they're not getting anything, which is hilarious. <laughs> they're probably going to go after him criminally. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to see any of this. But I think, you know, look look at the setup here. The set, And, and you've seen these shows, particularly Maddow. Uh, Wallace does not have the clout of Maddow in the world of lunatics. Um, but, like, you, you look at Rachel Maddow, she came up with the term fake electors, and then all of a sudden, that went into the ether, and people are now being indicted over it. So if Maddow were to do a segment like this, I would be more confident that, that like, it's, it's literally happening. But I do think the fact that Wallace... She just spent 15 minutes setting up that Trump and his supporters are terrorists. They're just like uh, um, Koresh and um, the Oklahoma City terrorists. And now they're getting to what they want you to believe is like terrorist propagandists telling the Trump supporters to go to January 6th. And so th this is the video clip that was played during the hearings and usually it just seems like that's not a good it's not a good thing to end up on that highlight reel uh i hope i'm wrong about this but uh it's not good i think they're gonna come after somebody calling on we the people to take action and to show our numbers 
we're going to only be saved by millions of Americans moving to Washington, occupying the entire area, if, if necessary, storming right into the Capitol. You know, there, we, we know the rules of engagement. If you have enough people, you can push down any kind of a fence or a wall. This could be Trump's last stand. And it's a time when he has specifically called on his supporters to arrive in D.C. That's something that may actually be the big push Trump supporters need to say, this is it. It's now or never. So, Tim, we could, that could, I could play that for two hours, right? The committee developed enough evidence of the call and response, call and response, call and response. But that started... Like, they, are, the they are setting up the people in that clip to be like the because the, they pretend Trump's the mob boss. They're like pretending that these guys in independent media who were talking about this are somehow like in the hierarchy. It's very scary what they're trying to do here. The earliest late summer before the election and the violence that ensued was in this contracted period of time. The campaign that John Carl writes about was launched in Waco and it goes on every single day day on social media on right-wing media and the message is the same it's getting darker what is the potential response to that call over a sustained four-year period it, it, it continues to to fester it, it is not going away you, you, you'd think that responsible elected officials have a common interest in telling the truth and in, in reducing the prospect of violence. Well, you don't tell the truth. That, that's exactly the opposite of what's happening. What also struck me about all of the people that we spoke to, Nicole, who were at the Capitol, was that for them, they're, they're sort of wrapping themselves in the flag of revolution going back to 1776. Right? A lot of the evidence that we presented talked um, people were talking openly about this is 1776 so sort of the fundamental principle of America's sort of pushing back against tyranny the tyranny of the British crown taxation without representation they invoked that history and that imagery um, as a, a motivating force to resist their definition of tyranny this stolen election that was about to be certified. So they're sort of wrapping in the patriotic flag of sort of our, the greatest tradition of America irresponsibly. There was real tyranny in 1776. There was not real tyranny in 2000 uh, and, uh, and 20 with respect to the election. Again, uh, no, yes, there was. no factual foundation. That's a blatant lie. Ever. So the self motivated use of those historical images is a, is a through line um, all the way to January 6th. And going forward, your question was about going forward. Now, I, again, I'd like to think that accountability, when this irresponsible rhetoric is uh, rightfully charged as criminal and in a contested... Wow. Wow. Get, see what he's saying? This And they're doing it. It's not just talk. They're doing it. They are charging people for politically protected speech. They are charging their political opponents for their fucking speech. Proceeding found to be such. My hope is that that has the tendency to change some minds. It's not going to change all minds. There will be some people that will actually use it to support that misguided belief in some kind of deep state mm -hmm. conspiracy 
to silence a change agent. But I, I hope enough... Well, that's literally what you're doing, you fucking piece of shit. People are convinced by the crucible of a, of a public um, reckoning of sorts, of accountability, that it does change uh, change enough minds to, to make a dispositive difference. Zero chance that happens. All it's going to do is piss people off and make you look like the like more of an evil pedophile tyrant than you already are. You know, John Carl, what does not emerge um, in the first chapter um, is any evidence that anyone close to Trump plans to present a counterfactual to the indictments. They simply <clears throat> plan to run against the justice system writ large. Uh, 100%. They're kangaroo courts. You have no other option. It doesn't matter what you argue. You're getting convicted. So yeah, just just use it for the political capital that it gives you. That's all. Is that accurate? Uh, I, I think it's absolutely... I mean, well, I guess there's one thing you could add also to delay the trial until after the election, but, but it, it, it's absolutely to use it as evidence in the campaign that the so-called deep state is out to get Trump. Which is exactly what it is. So you're giving him, you're helping him, which is fascinating. And by extension, Trump's supporters. What Trump argues over and over again is they are coming after me because their real target is you. Correct. And I am the one standing in the way. Of course, that's an absurd no, statement. No, it isn't. It's literally happening right now. There's Trump supporters being arrested and raided as we speak. I mean, because Trump is being tried for hush money payments uh, uh, to a porn star, pilfering uh, classified documents, um, and uh, using the power of the presidency to try to overturn a presidential election. None of those things any of those people wearing red hats have done. Now, it's not talking about charging his supporters with the same thing that they're charging him, retard. It doesn't even make sense. Be specifically on the on the January 6th case, people that were storming the Capitol. But in terms of the people he is speaking now to... Now the people who were outside the Capitol that committed no violence and did not go inside, now they're being arrested. ...out at his rallies. None of them spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to silence a porn star. None of them stole classified documents from the White House. Um, so it, it, it's an absurd, it's an absurd statement. But I think that the reason why Bannon particularly is kind of an intellectual force of this movement wants to hearken back to Waco and, 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 and to that movement is those grievances were actually much more real and much more significant than what Donald Trump is complaining about. I mean, the, the mm. militia movement, and they weren't all violent terrorists like Timothy McVeigh. Many of them were peaceful people who were paranoid that their government truly was coming after them, and they could point to uh, the, the, the raid of the Branch Davidian compound, uh, which, for whatever you, you, you think about how that started, it ended in a complete disaster and with more than 50 people killed. They think back to Randy Weaver, who was charged on it, you know, had gun charges uh, the, the previous year in, in Ruby Ridge, Idaho, and, uh, you know, dug in and ultimately saw uh, his child, uh, his, his dog, uh, his, his son uh, shot and killed. Um, and, uh, you know, those were real serious grievances um, about the overreach of federal law enforcement. Donald Trump is pointing to the FBI exercising a search warrant uh, at Mar-a-Lago because he failed to comply um, <clears throat> with, with a, a subpoena to turn over the documents. I mean, these are not, so that's why Bannon is trying to reach to something greater 
um, as he's trying to recreate this movement that is very much a radical movement aimed at overturning the, the, the structure of the United States uh, government, United States and, and U.S. law enforcement. Uh, and, and one other thing on, on Tim's point about um, the, the use of revolutionary rhetoric, uh, you know, it's, it's no, that, that was very much at the heart of the militia movement that I wrote about, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Timothy McVeigh bombed the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City on April 19th, and the date was for a reason. April 19th, of course, is the date of the first shot, Lexington and Concord, mm. of the Revolutionary War. They saw themselves as revolutionaries fighting against a corrupt government, just as the American revolutionaries were in, in 1775, at the beginning of, of, of that war. The significant date being the first shot fired, not 1776 and July 4th, uh, the Declaration of Independence. It was that resistance, violent resistance, Justified resistance uh, to a to, to a federal government that they're trying to echo it now, um, and 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 suggesting it's that you know at the extreme ends of this movement that that's what's needed now. Of course, the sick, twisted projection is that the allegations of corruption and campaign finance violation activity is against Donald Trump. The person who went to jail didn't have the alleged sex with the porn star. The alleged subversion of democracy is it's totally made up. I think Donald Trump did. I mean, it's not a real thing, dumb bitch. Bony Joni, you look like a first edition garbage pal kid. Against not anybody in the so-called deep state. The, the squirreling away of classified documents was something that he chose to do over and over again. Uh, again, as president, he can declassify. He did not take any documents post-presidency. So again, made up bullshit. And if he'd given them back, he wouldn't be charged with any Bullshit. crimes, I'm sure. Bullshit. And the, the fraud finding of his company was from decades of, Bullshit. you know, ruler slaps. And they, if Trump supporters were being summarily executed, she would be saying the same type of shit, giving they have bullshit explanations for everything that they do. All of the censorship, whatever they do, there's a, a drawn-out bullshit explanation for why oh it's totally okay we had to do it you know get your you know what in order i mean the the defiance and the subverting of his own supporters to cover his own rear end is 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 sick stuff and um the rest of the book is as riveting as this first chapter and i can't wait for it all to become public um john carl thank you so much for joining all right so there you go that's your daily nicole wallace saying the trump supporters and trump are terrorists that need to be dealt with. Now we have this uh, bald homosexual, Ali Velshi. Uh, I forget which one is this about. Hold on a second. Today, uh, Washington, D.C. appeals court issued a stay on the gag order. Oh, yeah. They, uh, yeah, so they stayed the gag order. Let's see if, the, if they freak out. Placed on Donald Trump in the 2020 election case brought be back by special counsel Jack Smith. A three-judge panel made up of two Obama appointees and a Biden appointee have scheduled oral arguments on the gag order for November 20th. But until then, Trump remains free to hurl verbal attacks against the special counsel and his staff. Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin found that the gag order is necessary because Trump's verbal attacks on witnesses and others could inspire violence from his supporters which is exactly what happened on January the 6th. 
We are so accustomed to following the day-to-day -day legal action and Trump's constant unhinged social media rants about being persecuted by the justice system and the Biden administration that we have become numb to just how abnormal this really is. Ranting by fringe characters is normal in politics. Donald Trump's not a fringe character. He's a former president of the United States and the current frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination. And he's trying to deep fake the country, or at least a majority of 2024 voters, into believing that an event we all watched on live TV, his effort to steal the 2020 election and stay in power, didn't happen. Today, there's new reporting about the location that Trump chose to kick off his 2024 campaign, Waco, Texas. Now, Waco was, of course, where a standoff between federal agents and a cult called the Branch Davidians came to a tragic end when cult members set fire to the building rather than surrender to the FBI. Reporter Jonathan Carl writes in The Atlantic, shortly after the rally was announced, I asked Steve Bannon, who had served as the CEO of Trump's 2016 campaign and had once again emerged as one of Trump's most important advisors, why the former president would go to Waco for his big campaign reboot. He wasn't coy. Quote, we are the Trump Davidians, he told me with a laugh. And here's how one Trump supporter in Texas understood Trump's choice, let's call it, of Waco. Trump's making a statement, I believe, by coming to these stomping grounds where the federal government the FBI laid siege on this community, just like they laid siege on Mar-a-Lago and went in and took his stuff. Charles Pace, a Branch Davidian pastor who left the compound several years before the deadly fire, told the Texas Tribune. Now, shortly before the Waco kickoff rally, Trump tried out his alarming, even for him, 2024 campaign theme. I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Now, that phrase, I am your retribution, it's not a coincidence. Jonathan Carl reports, when I spoke with Bannon a few days later, he wouldn't stop touting Trump's performance, referring to it as his, quote, come retribution, end quote, speech. What I didn't realize was that come retribution, according to some Civil War historians, sir. So, yeah, this is the coordinated media narrative. This is like this is on every show. And it's like, I mean, the process of calling Trump supporters terrorists, that's been going on for quite a while now. But now I think it, this is the escalation. This is the official escal escalation, because one of the ways that they do this is sometimes it's just a Rachel Maddow segment. Sometimes a motherfucker writes a book and they're like, oh, look at this book. And then they pretend that what's in the book is, is gospel and that is true. And now it becomes truth. And now people can be prosecuted based off of it. Served as the code words for the Confederate Secret Service's oh, yeah. plot. Now we have code words. Oh, you got to watch out for those terrorist code words that Trump supporters have take hostage and eventually assassinate President Abraham Lincoln. Today, the former Trump appointee, Federico Klein, was sentenced to more, uh, more than five years. Look at this Chiron. Trump makes grievances of extremist supporters, centerpiece of his campaign. In federal prison for- So if you're, if you're complaining about your grocery bill, well, you're, you're an extremist. Assaulting Capitol Police officers on January 6th.
The Trump-appointed judge who sentenced him said he was disturbed that Klein, who worked in the State Department, considered it his duty to go to Trump's rally and to join the protesters at the Capitol. The Trump supporter who ripped the gas mask off Capitol Police Officer Daniel Hodges in one of the most harrowing January 6th videos was sentenced to more than seven years in federal prison. Meanwhile, two states are currently weighing whether Donald Trump is disqualified from appearing on the 2024 ballot under the Insurrection Clause, the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, Section 3. And last night, Donald Trump once again took to the stage at a rally to songs that were sung by criminals who attacked the Capitol, where he said... So now, if you uh, were at the Capitol, you're now a criminal. And now anything you do, you're not allowed to do anything. And so now, now you have criminals, a criminal song, a song of terrorists. I call them the J6 hostages, not prisoners. Joining us now is Ryan Riley, justice reporter for NBC News. He's the author of the new book, Sedition Hunters. Uh, another uh, January book. 6th broke the justice system, as well as Ruth Ben-Ghiat, a history professor at oh, NYU yeah. and author That's of Strongman, Mussolini to the President. To the present. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Ryan, my good friend, I've been looking for a long time to talk to you uh, about your important book and all the work that you've so done. So the book is about how leftists doxed and hunted down American citizens for prosecution? But big developments today, uh, this week, in terms of the sentencing of, uh, of January 6th. Part That's okay. When the tables turn, hopefully our side does the same to you. And I'm going to laugh and laugh and laugh. Participants, where are we on this? You know, so right now we're at the point where there are a thousand, a hundred people who have been arrested, but the total scope of people who could be arrested is more than 3,000. And frankly, we're just not going to get to that number uh, based on the statute of limitations, which expires in just over two years now, uh, because we're already almost three years into the statute of limitations. So really, these uh, these cases need to sort of, I think, take a little bit of a, a kick in the pants. I think that's something that the online sleuths have really been. Uh, right. So they, they need to arrest more people, especially the people who did not go into the Capitol. They are the ones being arrested next on sort of pressuring the FBI to bring uh, forward more of these cases because there are a thousand people who have been identified uh, who have still not yet uh, been arrested, including really violent offenders. And we saw some yeah, additional sure. arrests this week, but the pace, they say, really has to pick up in order to get to all of these um, individuals who committed really violent, awful well, acts. It sounds like you have to start rounding people up in mass. Acts um, on, on, on January 6th and still have not yet uh, been arrested. So they're still sort of kicking away at this today. Ruth, give me some historical context on this, because when we look at people in the past who have defied democracy, um, what... People what, who have defied democracy. What's the relevance of these people that, that Ryan has been uh, judiciously reporting on for the last couple of years, being arrested, charged, and convicted uh, while, while Donald Trump still hasn't been convicted? Yeah, I mean... Any any accountability is is very very important. But as you know, Ali, uh, I do see Trump as not just an authoritarian, but a kind of a cult leader. And January 6 was a cult leader rescue operation. Uh, yeah. He called out to them in distress to save him, and they came. <laughs> and so um, until yep, they were there to save him. Oh yeah, that's you know look, it, these people are abject retards. 
They are uh, political zealots. They're completely insane. The problem is the shit that they say is now ultimately ending up in indictments and people are being arrested over it. That's the scary part. That's what's insane and completely over the top about it. The cult leader uh, is kind of, uh, his power is deflated or he's banned for politics, which is what they did to Bolsonaro after his uh, insurrection. The danger remains. Uh, Ryan, uh, let's talk about Federico Klein. He was a, uh, a State Department a, a, a appointee. Um, and this is part of the problem that Ruth is talking about. There are people who were even within the government. There are a lot of these, these people who've been arrested, who you've reported on, who are sort of outsiders, right? They were, they were fodder for Donald Trump, and, and they've said so much in court. But then you've got people all the way from sort of John Eastman uh, down to this guy who worked for the government. They were inside the government, and they thought, it, in some sense, their responsibility to try and fix whatever was broken in the 2020 election. Yeah, and I think sort of the giveaway in this case is that Federico Klein did not speak uh, during uh, during his sentencing. And what that tells me, um, and based on trying to question him afterwards about whether, you know, how what he thought of the sentencing, whether he still thought that the January 6th, or rather, whether he still thought that uh, the 2020 presidential election was stolen, and if he had any regrets about January 6th, and him declining to answer every one of those questions, uh, seems to me that he probably still believes that the election is stolen, and that was why his, uh, his lawyer decided it was not a great idea for him to speak um, in court. And the judge found that there was no evidence of remorse in his case. Um, so I think that that is really illustrative because it's really interesting when you have these cases, when they ultimately get to the sentencing point, to hear from the defendants about what they right. actually believe. And a lot of them are now realizing, oh, I got fooled, I got tricked, I sort of fell for this sort of online garbage and what Donald Trump was telling me about the 2020 election. But there are plenty of defendants who still in their heart believe that and reason and logic really won't get through to them. And I think that's where the sleuths sort of see their role is, okay, reason and logic aren't going to break through. We're not going to convince people that the election wasn't stolen and, you know, convince them that they were sort of conned in this situation. So we have to make sure that there are going to be consequences for individuals. Oh, so did you hear that? He, he spells it. Okay, I'm rewinding this. This guy is telling you exactly what they are doing. Listen, we're not going to listen to this. He's talking about people who simply believe that the election was stolen. I think that's where the sleuths sort of see their role is, okay, reason and logic aren't going to break through. We're not going to convince people that the election wasn't stolen and, you know, convince them that they were sort of conned in this situation. So we have to make sure that there are going to be consequences for individuals uh, who choose to right. violate. So there we go. There has to be consequences. If you will not obey them, there, there has to be consequences. And uh, there you go. It, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Okay, well, look, turnabout's fair play. Whatever you do in this moment, I hope is done to you. So, for example, if you're like a nice person and you, and you don't do fucked up shit, then I hope you have a very successful time. If you are a piece of shit like this guy, uh, then hopefully bad things happen to you in the most humane and legal way possible. But uh, you're making your bed and hopefully you get fucked in it one day. That will be very enjoyable the law uh, to you know, bring forward and try to, you know, bring about this, uh, this, this uh, overturn the election based upon, you know, sort of inf misinformation that they've read on the internet. Yeah. So, Ruth, again, historical context there. Some of these people uh, come out and they're remorseful and they're crying. And we've, we've heard from their families about how they were misguided and they, they sort of went down these rabbit holes. 
but there are some who are not. Um, how does this, you know, how does this play out? Because there are a whole bunch of people who believe that they too are martyrs for this cause. They, you know, Donald Trump likes to speak of himself as a martyr in some ways. But there are people who still think that there is a cause to be martyred for. That's right, and uh, it's very disturbing this whole conversion of the narrative of January 6th with these thugs who attacked the Capitol uh, being now political prisoners. And by the way, when he kicked off his presidential campaign at Waco, he already started talking about them as political prisoners, and he introduced this idea of the January 6th choir. And that has kind of church-like, you know, associations, so it makes these people into um, positive figures, into kind of, the, it's like the Trump liturgy. And all of this is very fascist. Um, oh, yeah, very it fascist. It reminds me, you know, after the March on Rome in 1922 in Italy, uh, those who were... The people that don't want to be executed and imprisoned for their belief that the election was stolen, they're the fascists. Amazing. ...harmed or who were imprisoned, they were called martyrs, and there was a whole liturgy that came up around these people. So the message is that um, the insurrection is continuing, and these people are... Uh, the heroes and that's of course very dangerous for our democracy very that's one of the Ryan, uh, you and i were together very dangerous for our democracy is one of the key buzzwords i, I you know time has has got no sense anymore but a couple of months ago and you you gave me a copy of of your book and i've been dying to ask you since then uh, as you followed this so closely and you've seen every one of these uh, these trials or at least most of them what what's your takeaway right now where are we in in this process of um, you know of, of these people who as you say some of them fell into the rabbit hole and some of them uh, are still believers. Where, where are we in the in the pursuit of justice? Because we're coming up on the next election soon. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, if Donald Trump is elected, sort of this is all out the window, right? A lot of these cases are going to be dismissed, and a lot of people will go free because there are, you know, a thousand people who have been identified right now who have not yet been arrested. You could bring cases against them tomorrow. The system really couldn't handle that. But he's got to spread it out over the next uh, two years is really the approach that they, that they need to take. And, you know, there are just really people who really violently assaulted officers who have already been identified who have not yet been charged. Bullshit. And, you know, they have Bullshit. that two-year timeline to get this done. But I think, you know, big picture-wise, it really has really brought up some deeper issues, I think, within the FBI, especially when it comes to open-source intelligence and how they're looking at all of these things. It was a really massive failure before January 6th, um, and they're not necessarily doing all that they can, I think, at this point to bring more of these cases forward. They've had some big successes. Sure, the seditious conspiracy trials, of course, were really historic. Um, but there are a number of people who just, you know, thugs who really assaulted officers that day who have not yet been held Bullshit. accountable for their actions. Ryan, it's an important book. It, uh, it's going to be the canon of, uh, of this, this dark time in our uh, history, but thank you for the work that you put into it, Ryan Riley. We need tribunals for all of these people. This whole panel here, tribunal. We'll see. Probably won't happen. All right, let's get to some breaking news. internet from text 360 he asked me to give my analysis on these 15 stories here are virginity horror stories that will make you feel better about your awkward first time interesting interesting number one 
Long story short, I threw up on his dick and then kneed him in the balls trying to run to the bathroom. We broke up a week later. It was a great time. Yeah, that's uh, that's a hell of a thing right there. Um, you, you threw up on his dick. What, you just, you're not a fan of sucking cock? You know, if you're not a fan of sucking it, then, you know, no big deal. Whatever. I mean, you know, it's not... It's what I mean. It's good. It's like it, you know. But it's like if it makes you throw up, well, you know, there's other options. I mean, you know. Now, if some of the girls, you know, if they have uh, problems with their gag reflex, uh, some of them, you know, they they'd like to work on that, and that's that's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, oh man, that's a hell of a thing. Kneeing him in the balls. That's a hell of a thing. Number two, mama's boy. He got a call from his mom twice and answered both times. They argued while he was inside of me. Fuck my life. That's insane. That dude is out of his mind. Okay, granted if this is true. Yeah, taking phone calls during sex is totally unacceptable. Barring if you're like, maybe, you know, if you're like an EMT on call, there's nothing you can do, right? Um, you know, if you're on call, but like talking to your mom, that's ridiculous. Uh, number three, a hefty mistake. D didn't have a condom and I did not want to get pregnant. So my boyfriend made one out of grocery bags and taped it on his dick at never what are you doing hand to god worst time ever yeah that's not how any of this works don't do that that's not what are you talking about number four tldr little brothers are the worst my boyfriend and i had been together around nine months i was 18 he was 20. i went to his house where he lived with his mom and younger brother we distracted his younger brother with video games for some privacy and headed into the guest room he wanted to try doggy style so i flipped over as he was getting into a position, his younger brother came into the room and asked what we were doing. We still had shirts and socks on and then proceeded to have a 10-minute conversation with us while my boyfriend was trying to extricate himself from me. Uh, that's a hell of a thing right there. Number five. We were both freshmen in college. We had been together for three years at that point. We lost our virginity while my roommate was still asleep across the room. And we both cried out of guilt. We both wait. We both we both cried out of guilt after it was over. Thank thankfully we're still together five years later. What what you what do you feel? Why are you crying? Were you both crying? All right. Well, I mean, whatever. You know, some people take it very seriously. Do what you want. I don't know. I'm crying over it. What do you? He didn't even wake up. What is the problem? Anyway, six. I lost it to my long-distance boyfriend during a second visit to my freshman dorm. There were adjustable shelves on the wall above my bed, and the lowest had my pet fish on it. Right after we finished, he stood up to get tissues and knocked into the shelf on the wall, spilling fishwater pebbles and my fish onto me and my bed. Oh, my God. This was at 2 a.m., and the commotion caused my very conservative roommates to come running in to see what was going on while we scrambled to put clothes on and clean everything up. It was horrific. That's, that's a nightmare. Number seven, I tried to do the sexy pull your bra off through your dress and ended up scratching my arm and drawing blood, which slowed things down a bit. To this day, I have a faint scar on my arm to remind me not to repeat seduction techniques from TV. Interesting. Number eight, my ex-husband and I were very involved in church and were both virgins on our wedding night. Immediately after doing the deed, he began to have a panic attack, being 18 and inexperienced with life. We both assumed he was dying. I frantically called 911 and an ambulance was set right away. I fielded the onslaught of firefighters and paramedics in my t-shirt and underwear. 
I'm sure they all had a good laugh that night. Yeah, why? Because of blood? They thought they you thought you were dying? No one told you? All right. It's a hell of a thing. Number nine. We're, we were both virgins. We tried to have sex, but it was so painful I had to stop before he came. I cried so hard that I threw up. That's brutal. And while this was happening, he was holding me saying, we're still virgins until I spill my seed. Oh boy, yeah, that's a that's a hell of a thing. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, that's uh, what are you gonna do? <clears throat> Number ten, we'd gone back to his apartment to have a good time. Everything was perfect. For my first time, a little wine, romantic lighting, sexy music. As we got into the heat of the moment, and I started being a little more vocal than anticipated, his phone started vibrating. Turned out his roommate could hear us very clearly and was text, texting him our quotes. Oh, that's kind of funny. Number 11. I lost my virginity in a hot tub. Probably not the best decision because Wooder is a terrible lubricant and he was hung like a horse. Needless to say, it wouldn't all go in. Uh, so when we got out and finished the deed somewhere else, gravity took over. I ended up bleeding like crazy all over the place. He was pretty cool about it, though, thankfully. Brutal. Number 12. He watched the Jetsons the whole time and lasted less than 20 seconds. That's insane. He then locked himself in the bathroom, upset that he didn't last longer. I had to comfort him, and it was just a terrible experience. Can't you just fuck again after five minutes? Just start fucking again. What? Ah, whatever. 13. My mom walked in, low-key screamed a bit, then ran and told my dad. Brutal. That's brutal. I don't even know. Why are you fucking in the house with your parents, huh? Come on. Number 14. Halfway through, his roommate walked in and didn't leave. He just sat there and watched. We didn't realize he was there until it was over. That roommate was weird. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Number 15. The theme song from Dawson's Creek was playing while I lost my virginity. It was over before the first scene. That's not good. That's it. 15. All right, that's it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a hell of a thing. What are you going to do? You just got to, you know, just keep going. I, I, whatever. Anyway, that was breaking news from the internet. Now we have some more breaking news. Okay. This is breaking news from the internet from... One moment... It's about a woman named Ginger Gooch. <laughs> That's your name, Ginger Gooch. This is, uh, let's see, who is this from? This is breaking news from the internet from Dewey C. Okay. Ginger Gooch appointed to the Missouri Supreme Court maintaining female majority. Yeah, you you're gonna be you're gonna be a wine mom judge, aren't you? So this is probably not good for the people of Michigan. Okay. Gooch was a judge on the Southern District Court of Appeals before being selected to the Supreme Court. This was Missouri Governor Mike Parson's third appointment. Oh, M Missouri, not Michigan. I apologize. So she based, you know, as based as she can be. She's not gonna be fully based. That would be great. But come on, it's, you know. I'll take, like, do you understand about COVID at least? Great. Missouri Governor Parson Monday said appellate judge Ginger Gooch of Springfield to fill a vacancy in the state Supreme Court. Gooch's appointment means the Missouri Supreme Court will have a female majority for the first time. That's not good. There's not a circumstance which that is good. 
the likelihood look i can buy are there based women out there absolutely do i buy that the majority on this supreme court are no maybe one maybe you'll get one maybe two if you're lucky but that's about it um Gooch's appointment means the Missouri Supreme Court will have a female majority for the first time. In this new role, I, I will work hard and I will endeavor to be a credit to the state's judicial branch, she said at a press conference. Gooch said it was noteworthy that she became the person to establish the female majority. That's not noteworthy at all. It's irrelevant. Okay, who cares? She added it was especially notable since she was a law clerk for the Supreme Court Judge Ann Covington, the first woman to serve on the state high Supreme Court. Who cares? Who cares? Quote, I can't say that I've never envisioned myself being in this place, but it's a wonderful opportunity. It just makes me filled with gratitude for all the outstanding lawyers and judges that I've worked with in my career, both men and women. I know that I'm only here uh, because of all the time they've spent teaching me and trying to make me a better lawyer and judge when they had nothing to gain from doing so. Gooch will succeed Patrick Breckenridge, who stepped down earlier this year after she reached the mandated age of 70. Gooch was one of three finalists uh, submitted to Parson last week. Parson appointed her last year to the Southern District Court of Appeals. After a number of years in private practice, she worked at the law firm Hush Blackwell before making the transition to the judicial branch. Uh, one thing that has become clear to me is Judge's Gooch's passion for service. Gooch. Her name is Gooch. That's incredible. Uh, they continued, she graduated at the top of her class and had a very impressive career in the private sector, emerging as something of a civil and business litigation expert. <clears throat> she wants to do more to give back to the community uh, state and fellow citizens. One thing that's become, uh, uh, this is Parsons third appointment to the Supreme Court. Earlier this year, Parsons selected Kelly Bronick to fill a vacancy. And in 2021, he appointed Robin Ransom, the first black woman ever to the Supreme Court. Again, who cares? Oh my God. So I, I'm not too familiar with Missouri. I think, isn't Missouri Republican run for the most part? Um, so is this, is this fucking a conservative governor? Hold on. Let me look up Parsons. This is Mike Parsons. Mike Parsons. Gov. Is he a Republican? I almost hope he's a Democrat. Of course, I don't want that. Uh, yeah, this is, he's a Republican. Why are you doing the identity politics, Mike? We just we just need a complete overhaul of the Republican Party. You, you should not be playing the goddamn identity politics. Who cares if she's a woman? Is she a good judge? Is she based? That's all I care about. And she probably isn't. So what are we talking about here? Like, is the, the female black that you put on there, is she like the black Clarence Thomas? I'll take the black female, oh, excuse me, the female Clarence Thomas, because they're both black. She wouldn't be the black Clarence Thomas. She'd be the female Clarence Thomas. Is she a, like a female Clarence Thomas? I'll take a female Clarence Thomas. Is she like that chick in Virginia with the gun? What was her name? She's like, not the attorney general. I forget what she is. I don't mind her. She seemed pretty good, you know? But what are we talking about? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. 
hey, maybe I'm wrong, and this is a this is going to be a bunch of broads that do a great job. By the way, that would be great. I'd say, hey, look at this, look at this example, look at this outlier. You know, it's not an argument for the whole thing, but at least it's an example. You know, they're not all bad. That's what I would do. Hey, look, you know, you can get more than a couple. And you feel like, what are you talking about? All you got to do, look at the world of right-wing commentary, okay? And by this, this is just my opinion. Maybe people disagree. Maybe I'm the one with a problem. Now, the thing about conservative women is they're usually way more attractive than leftist women, okay? Now, the amount of attractive conservative commentator women, large amount, okay? They're all over the place. But how many are based, truly based and tolerable? Less than five. Less than five. You know, you can pick whoever you want in that group. It's about less than five, okay? Out of all of them, okay? So, you know, like I said, maybe I'm being strict and jaded. Maybe I'm the one with the problem. But that's my point. Based women exist, but <laughs> there doesn't seem to be enough of them. But maybe I'm just missing them. Maybe they're, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they're just not, you know, they're just quiet. And that's fine. You can be quiet. There's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, let's uh, get to some more breaking news. Oh, this is, uh, I think this is, is this breaking uh, white supremacy news? Meaning breaking black news? I don't know. Let's see. Breaking news about white supremacists. Come here, don't disrespect my child. This is my child. I don't sell prick. I'm a prostitute. Uh, breaking news from the internet from, uh, I believe, Queen Nefertiti. Let's have a look. One moment. Um, Queen Nefertiti says, uh, the chat needs to see this, HB. We was queens. All right, we was queens. Let's have a look here. Queen Nefertiti. So this is uh, this is a uh, this is a cartoon here. We got some Disney characters on a boat singing a song, and they say, and I quote: "Bitches and hoes are like new clothes. Once you bought them, you wish you never got them." So it's a Big Bird here. You got a Cookie Monster, and then this motherfucker who I don't know who that. Oh, Telly, is that Telly? Yeah, I remember Telly. Anyway, so again. They, they're singing. Big Bird, Cookie Monster, and Telly. They're on a rowboat singing, Bitches and hoes are like new clothes. Once you bought them, you wish you never got them. And then Cookie Monster says, Oh, snap, it's fucking Hitler. Act cool. So Hitler rolls up. And Hitler says the most obvious Hitler thing possible. Niggers. <clears throat> and then Hitler gets in the boat with them. And they don't look too happy. I, I don't... Uh, I mean, you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to put you in a camp. You're definitely not Aryan. You're, you're creatures, so you're probably going to the camp. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's see. I don't really... He gets in the boat. Is this the right link? Maybe I missed... Did I put the wrong link in? Hold on a second. Let me make sure the link is correct. HXR? No, the link is correct. Okay, I thought this was going to be about black women, but apparently this is uh, it's about Hitler and Sesame Street characters. So what exactly is going on here? So they're, they're singing about bitches and hoes, and then they're like, oh, it's Hitler, act cool. And they're like, oh, okay, they're just like whistling like nothing happened. And then Hitler says, niggers. And then he gets in the boat. Now, is he saying niggers like a greeting, like niggers, you know? 
But then why would he be saying that to the Sesame Street characters? Of course, you can call anyone a nigger. That's, that's what makes it hilarious. You can call me a pizza nigger. That's fucking spaghetti niggers. That's Italians. So, or is he making the exclamation, niggers? Which is weird, because there's no niggers around, at least in, in my estimation. But again, it really depends on your definition of what a nigger is. So, you know, it just depends. Anyway, there's Hitler. And he gets in the boat. And uh, they don't look happy, though. Actually, it looks like, from the looks of Cookie Monster, he's making a, 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 he's making a face that he's, he feels an erect penis. That's the unmistakable face of a person feeling an unexpected erect penis. So, uh, Cookie Monster's having a rough time there. Anyway, there you go. I don't know. Is this an obvious joke that uh, I'm, I'm missing? But uh, I don't know. Is this like a... This is probably like an old internet joke that everyone knows about. But anyway, very good. Thank you, Queen Nefertiti. Sincerely appreciate it. All right, let's read... Uh, why don't we read some of these super chats? We're taking them through Streamlabs, link in the description. We're also taking them through Entropy, link in the description. And we're also taking Rumble Rants on Rumble. Also, we're trying to get to 300 subscribers combined between Subscribestar, the Rumble subscription option, and the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse. If we hit that goal like we hit it the last time, we will be. I will be releasing a book this time. Uh, I will be, um, at the request of some in the audience, I will... Uh, write about the current political situation, which is which seems to be completely fucked. Uh, and I will also tie in how the corporate media uses the exact same propaganda techniques as the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'll throw in stuff also related to, like, at least in my opinion, different things that you could maybe try if you have family members that are lunatic leftists. Um, and then also very vicious insults of all the people that I cover. Uh, now, you might... If you're maybe not too familiar with what's been going on around here, you, you might be questioning a second book. What are you talking about? Well, the first book has already been released, and that was written by my homosexual leftist brother uh, who wrote a guide on how to be a virtuous leftist called What a Bigot Would Say. That you can download for free. If you go to the description, and you, you can download the PDF for free. And again, it's a guide on how to be a very virtuous liberal. It's a very serious book, just like the internet, serious business. So you can download that. So if you're interested in any of that, you can go to Subscribestar, link in the description, or you can click the red button on Rumble, or you can go to the Soft Gentleman's Bathhouse, which is on his YouTube channel, and click Join, and then you will be a member of the Bathhouse. Okay, let's see here. What is today's date? The 4th. Today's the 4th. Cobra says... What's up, HB? You missed my stream lab from Tuesday. It came through at the very last minute towards the end. P.S. Dick Biting Cobra is a faggot, and I wouldn't trust him if I was you. I am your one and only trustworthy Cobra who would absolutely never give you the poison. Oh, man, this is a... So we have two snake... Snake... Uh, amphibians? I think they're amphibians. We have two amphibian homosexuals here that like to bite dicks and fighting with each other about who is the original dick biter. That's a hell of a thing right there. All right, I will go back and check. Thank you, sir. Um, let's see. Bazinski says, I used to take the flu shot every year due to it would help me avoid getting violently sick from sinusitis. That being said, I stopped due to the pandemic, which was all to make a bottom line for Pfizer. Now I'm not taking it if it switches to mRNA. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think just looking at the safety data compared, 
Like it's just it's just no comparison. There are some people that have had negative effects, but it's not nearly at the level that people are having negative side effects with the mRNA. But yeah, if people, um, I, from what I understand, it works sometimes. It's like it's got like a fifty percent. I think what they do. This is uh, I could be very wrong about this, but they take the strains. At least this is what they say they do. They take the strains that they think are going to be in season they put them in the, they put a dead version of it in in the vaccine and then if you get it you'll be you'll you'll not get the flu if it's those strains if it's a different strain you're going to get the flu regardless but if it's one of those strains then you won't get it that's it that's at least the thinking you know whether it, is it true that it's 50 percent effective is it less i have no idea but yeah if you're in a situation i mean look each person you know what people do for their personal medical decisions it's completely up to them. I don't really have an issue with the, like, I don't take the flu vaccine, but I've not seen any evidence that it is uh, at the level of the COVID-19 vaccine. I personally, like, I, I, I'm anti all this shit now. Uh, and so I think this is ultimately what your point is, is that like after the pandemic and all this shit, uh, people are much more skeptical of vaccines and, and, and really a lot of this, a lot of medical professionals, which, yeah, I share that same uh, opinion. I do think there are some good ones. I've known people who have found doctors that don't lie about the vaccine, that'll tell the truth, that'll that which is great. But, you know, you got to it's probably difficult, especially depending on where you are. I would think if you're in like a blue area, it's going to be difficult to find a doctor. Uh and it also depends what your threshold for bullshit is. It, and it also is going to depend on like what are we talking about? You need to like schedule a check up or you have something really serious because if you have something serious you gotta go somewhere you know what i mean that's the problem like if you're in a serious situation you gotta you gotta go to a hospital somewhere you can't just like not go so it's not a good situation to be in but um but yeah it's uh, it's unfortunate Pazinski also says amazon owns imdb and they recruit a troll army to upvote the aids loud of the rings yeah the loud of the rangs on the platform, if I were a betting man, I would look into Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic to see who owns these platforms, to see who's in control. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was if they do the cutout tactic, right? So, like, maybe the owner technically isn't someone related to Netflix, but that there's some way that Netflix has influence or there's an incentive. Yeah, I mean, you can see already with Rotten Tomatoes, with any of these movies... Um, Usually a a guarantee of a decent movie is if the critics give it a low rating and the audience score is high. Usually that means it's a decent movie. Or even if you don't like the movie, uh, the the people, the fandom of the movie were pleased with it, right? For example, there's this um, it's the video game with the uh, animatronics. Um, I, I'm not interested personally, but... It, it struck me that it's probably halfway decent for people that like this this game because critics didn't like it. Um, people were pointing out uh, on Twitter that the creator was a Trump supporter and it was anti-abortion and the audience score was high. So probably my guess would be people who like the game would probably like the movie. Uh, whereas you get these situations where like you'll get a Marvel movie that shits on everything critics give it a super high score and the audience hates it and then they pretend 
that the negative scores are somehow fake. It's pretty funny how they do that. Um, Dave says, the fake online stuff is everywhere. I was offered money to give up control of my LinkedIn account so they could subcontract through my identity. The deal was a percentage of the income. I declined as it was sketchy. Yeah, I bet I bet it's just way more than most people even realize. Um, in in all things, in all things, it's really uh, it's really crazy. All right, let me uh, refresh here one moment. Okay. All right, we have Itakami says. Uh, I'm sick of Jim Jordan and the rest of these repug pussies, including Speaker Mike Johnson, with their strongly worded letters and we play by the rules faggotry. They can defund this witch hunt. They can release the J6 video and the J6 J6 prisoners now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I've had enough with Republicans in Congress, all of them. Um, I, I will gladly retract my position if they do something, but this is an example of things that they could do if they wanted to if they wanted to, but they're not. They're not doing anything as they round up Trump supporters and uh, have insane indictments of uh, of what's supposed to be their guy, which, of course, it's not their guy. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, it, the whole thing is very unfortunate. Um, okay, let's see here. Mannequin Wizard says, uh, HB, what do you make of these courts? They look to me like communist inquisition courts slash phony courts and should not be complied with. The Inquisition has returned after hundreds of years now censoring and instilling fear in the masses to be silent. Yeah, I, th yeah, th 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 I, I think like w any of these cases related to Trump, whether it's trying to get him off the ballot or if it are the Alex Jones hearings or um, what's going on in New York with Angeron. Yeah, these are, these are kangaroo courts. I don't view them as legitimate. Now, what's interesting is Trump is a person that has enough wealth and power where he can possibly get away with defying the whole thing. He's it, it's, it's such a weird, unique position that he's in. Where, like, you look at what they're doing with these gag orders, which are totally illegitimate. He's not complying. And they're, the judges, this is so unusual that the judges are in a position where it's like they can't really jail him because of the Secret Service and the optics would be horrendous for them and great for Trump, right? So they, 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 they I don't think these people are reasonable, so I wouldn't be surprised. And they're also stupid strategically. So like, would I be surprised if Engeron jailed Trump? No, but I do think that they understand the concept of the optics and also that they, they really couldn't do that. But it, it wouldn't necessarily stop them. But like there's very few people on this earth that a couple judges like that Trump actually has the upper hand. And it's crazy. And, and we're, this is a big test of like power. What we're seeing, this whole election is a big test of power. Who, who actually has the power? A... A person that used to be president who has a large portion of the country on his side that's going to vote for him or the illegitimate regime. We're going to see. And it's going to, yeah, I don't know what the answer is going to be. I hope Trump pulls it off. But yeah, these are illegitimate. Now, for a normie or a regular person to defy the court. Now, this is the thing, right? Each person 
if you get jammed up with some bullshit legally, how I view it is it's totally your call because they can crush you. They and they will crush you. So like you can argue like my view is I would personally try to stay out of trouble because these people would love nothing more than you in a cell uh, so they could torture the shit out of you. They would love nothing more than that or do what they're doing. Well, they are. They're torturing Owen Shoyer right now. So like now there's other people that they are very defiant and they're saying fuck that and they will go to war and they will defy and t they'll take the beating. And and that's their call. I don't really have I think it's up to each person. I would try to stay away from these people as much as possible. Um but yeah, a lot of this a lot of this totally illegitimate is to it's to try to bankrupt people. Um, and it's not stopping. And now we have a whole new slate of people that they're going to be arresting who were not in the Capitol, who did not do anything violent. And, and then I would, I would think that after that, it's going to be people who posted support on social media f on January 6th for what happened. If Enrique Tario can get two decades for typing out, don't leave, then I imagine a person laughing about January 6th or saying, oh, wow, this is cool or something like that, whatever. I imagine they could also include that because the, they're, they're setting this thing up where any sort of dissent is criminalized, you know, or it doesn't even have to be related to January 6th. It could be related to the election. Oh, how dare you? You, uh, you, you went along with the effort to overturn democracy or whatever bullshit phrase they use. Yeah, it's, it's very scary. It is very scary what's happening. Space Kang says, I'd be interested in what you think about a somewhat new channel, Modern Politics. Check it out on Odyssey when you have an hour. I'd be curious what you think. All right, I will, I will, uh, let me, I'll, I'll leave this up here and I will check, check it out later. Modern Politics. Is there a, oh no, not modern, sorry, Modron. Or, or maybe it's autocorrect. Is that autocorrect? Modern Politics or Modron? I think, I don't know. I will check it out on Odyssey. Appreciate that, Space Kang. All right. Let's see here. So weird, this is, this is fascinating what's going on with Conservative Inc. and Israel-Palestine and how they've become just rabid leftists, rabid, censorious leftists. Um, strangely, Candace Owens, who I don't really like, I think Candace Owens did not apologize for her leftist doxing site early in her career, I think she should apologize for it. Um, you know, it's, I'm one person. Maybe other people are satisfied with what she said about it. I, I haven't really been. Um, and, you know, it's I just, I, what it is what it is. I will say, though, she is, she works for the Daily Wire. And, you know, the Daily Wire, you've got to support Israel. And if you don't, there's probably going to be consequences. Well, it looks like she's testing the waters. And she is calling what Israel is doing a genocide. And that is Ben Shapiro's Because, you know, Ben Shapiro, the, the, the pro-Israeli side of this is if you do not obey them and go along with their arguments that, you know, taking out a thousand civilians to get one terrorist is completely acceptable, which, and, and this is my thing, because it's the internet and I don't think moral fagging works on the internet. I'm just looking for consistency. So, for example, if you are a person who said the Obama, the Obama drone striking thing was fine because collateral damage is acceptable, 
and then you argue what Israel's doing is fine. You're at least being consistent. But if you were against the drone strikes because of the collateral damage, then how do you support this? It's like retarded. Anyway, whatever. Or just be like, I support it because they're my people, or I support it because I don't like Palestinians. And then it's like, all right, well, you're being honest, and I'm, you know, it is what it is. I'm, you know. But the 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 absolute just virtue signaling and like, oh, you're a bad person if you don't do. Shut the fuck up. Let. Why did you think? Let this hasn't worked for years when leftists do it. You think suddenly you doing the same tactics is going to work? What are you kidding me? Come up with some new shit. Anyway, here is uh, one of the dumbest commentators in the TYT universe, Chang Chang Spaghetti, Francesca Florentini, who made the art. This is how dumb she is. This is incredible. I'm not just labeling her dumb. I'm going to explain to you why. Okay. Because I have no. Name calling is great as long as you attach an argument to it. If it's your only argument, then it's no good, in my opinion. Anyway. Now you remember when Chank Uger went on the Tim Pool show. Chank Uger did not even uh, did not even go this low as far as IQ level for an argument. Chank acknowledged that it was preposterous. He wasn't talking about her, but little did he know that on one of the toilet bowl channels, like uh, Damage Report or, or or Rebel HQ, I forget which one, she argued absolutely straight up that the the insurrection was so dangerous and one of the factors that made the insurrection dangerous was because there was a chance that the insurrectionists could have held the building for a long enough time to take over the government that's impossible and insane okay chank uger when he was talking to tim pool again not referencing her pointed out as something that was like preposterous, the idea that that could happen. And Chank is really not a bright guy. So there you go. Just a little bit of a, 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 of a contrast. There. All right. So here is her covering Candace Owens being a little rebellious uh, related to the narrative on Israel. There seems to be a little bit of a disagreement within the Daily Wire sphere, the Daily Wire cinematic universe of... you know, racist xenophobia, um, but Candace Owens. So that's made up, the racism's not real. Actually seems surprisingly to take a stand against Israel's ongoing war crimes in Palestine, which I know I'm surprised too. She tweeted, um, no government anywhere has the right to commit a genocide ever. There's no justification for a genocide. I can't believe this even, even needs to be said or is even considered the least bit controversial to state. Now. She doesn't name Israel, she doesn't name Palestine. I think we can assume though, three weeks on, 9,000 people dead, that she is referring to Israel and specifically some of the, you know, the bombing of the refugee camp, the bombing of hospitals, etc. Dave Rubin took umbrage and responded. Yeah, uh, Dave with, is just absolutely rabid. A pretty, um, like some weird, weird graph that, let's talk about what the hell he meant. He tweets, well, as I'm sure you know, Candace, the Palestinian population has uh, five-timed, has quintupled in the past few decades. But thank you for taking a strong stand against Hamas's stated genocide of the Jews, which is in their charter. So he's basically low-key saying you didn't condemn Hamas. Well, wait, no, no, no. She said, see, first, now the chart, 
it, this is the thing. It, it, I, look, I'm not a genocide expert. Um, but there's different ways you could look at it. On the one hand, the fact that there's more of them would indicate that it's not really, if there's a genocide effort, it's not really working. Um, on the other hand, some of them would like to attempt a genocide against the Palestinians. And so if they're killing a lot of them, and some of the people in the government want that, it's not that unreasonable to be like, yeah, maybe they're trying to genocide. Now, um, with that said, Candace Owens said any government. So Hamas would be any government. So she would obviously be against Hamas's genocide or attempted genocide of Jews. So Dave Rubin, that's that's uh, I think a part where he is he is wrong. But you know they do this thing where if you don't explicitly name the Jews, they're not happy. For example, remember when Trump was president and it was like Holocaust Day or whatever, and the the White House put out a statement that said like you know shout I'm, again I'm paraphrasing, but basically shout out to all the people that died in the Holocaust. Sorry, all of you died. So, whatever it was, and people were outraged because. They didn't say the Jews, even though all includes the Jews. So Dave Rubin's kind of doing that right now. Hamas, and also, look at how many more Palestinians there are. There are Palestinians. I don't even know where he got this from, but like, okay. Okay. Does that mean... It, oh, God. Oh, God. Do I have to explain how, like, genocide can work? Um, Candace Owens responded, in short, if the blanket statement that genocide is wrong upsets you in any way, then you need to check yourself. I said exactly what I meant, and I won't be backing down or apologizing further, clarifying this statement. Good. And Good. then Dave Rubin's- I like that. Man, they are, they are taking a beating on social media. It is just not working. It's not working. Uh, you got these guys, um, Shields is one of them, Jake Shields, I think, is his name. And there's this other guy, what was the other guy's name? Anyway, it, they're doing the, um, there's these two, and there's probably more than this, but these are the ones I saw today. These two guys, the activists are getting all of their shit canceled. They're doing, they're, they're, they're Kanye-ing this guy, Jake Shields, and this other guy. Uh, this other guy is like a vet, I forget his name. Uh, Gage? Gage? Luke Gage? I, I, I forget. Anyway, so they're giving opinions that the pro-Israel side doesn't like on the internet. These are legally protected things. They're not, you know, doing anything illegal. They're just giving opinions that the pro-Israel people don't like. And now all of a sudden they're like, holy shit, PayPal suspended. This is suspended. That's suspension. Suspended. One guy got a visit from the cops. Um... And so, yeah, they're the, the, these are supposed to be conservatives, but they're acting like leftists and they're using leftist tactics. They're also trying to get Jackson Hinkle banned because Jackson Hinkle is destroying people. Look, I don't know how, but Jackson Hinkle is like, I think on Twitter, he has the number one reach of anyone, at least politically. And there are these lunatics calling for him to be banned because he doesn't have the right opinions about Israel. How about, here's a novel thought, how about try to beat him? How about try to surpass his reach? How about not going the total bitch route? How about that? You don't like him? No problem. You don't have to like him. Okay, some of the shit he says is retarded. This whole, like, he's a he's a communist. Like, what are you talking about? You're a communist. Okay, whatever. Um, but, you know, if you want to be a MAGA communist, you want to do that fucking thing, do it. I don't care. It's it's not, I, I fuck all commies is my position, but you can want to like commies and be a MAGA commie, whatever. I don't care. It is what it is. 
But um, but yeah, how about trying to beat him? Don't censor him and don't demonetize these people. Try to fu be a goddamn man. Stop being a bitch and try to defeat the person in the arena. Uh, anyway, this is what they're doing. They become leftists. So, yeah, people are getting visited by the cops like they were doing with when people were criticizing the vaccine. Man, and people, this is, people see this and it doesn't help the Israeli side. It makes you look like bullies. And, uh, but they didn't learn that with the Kanye West thing. So now, you know, but they are really not doing well uh, in the information war. They are having a rough time. And it's crazy because they're going up against zealots, lunatic zealots who view civilians as colonizers and have argued, yeah, we can kill these people, and, and, their, and their babies too. And you're losing the information war to that? That's crazy. Um, that's a hell of a feat right there. You're going to have to figure out how to do better propaganda. Same with the DeSantis camp. You guys are just not doing a good job said yes and i thank you for your strong stance against hamas i salute you which we know is ironic candace owens couldn't let it go had to get in there one more time said me genocide is always bad dave rubin why won't you condemn hamas absolutely demented and yet <laughs> candace owens broken clock who's right well you're never going to get on dave rubin's show again he does not like when people disagree with him you will be off the show once every how you know 12 years i don't know when maybe this is the first time you've ever been right girl but you're right. That's what people are saying. When you condemn genocide, they say that you uh, that you that it is demented. And they're like, "Why won't you condemn Hamas?" Guys, I feel part of my soul dying. By the way, I'm not I condemning or condoning anyone. I don't do that. That's a hoop. I'm not condemn. Fuck all of it. I don't. I, I. I don't like the whole process of condemnation is so silly. Like, what is that going to do? Like, it, it. What if I condemn Hamas is going to make a difference? Like, I say what I say. I don't like Hamas, okay, and uh, they shouldn't kill civilians. That's my position, and uh, and that's all. That's it. Take do with that what you will. But this is like you better condemn Hamas right now. Suck my dick. I'm not doing that. That's weird. Hold on. Left click. There we go. Agree with Candace Owens on something, but also. I am of the belief that Candace Owens is actually one giant liar, and she knows exactly what well, she's peddling, and that this is just her getting out of her lane a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I tend to be of that belief as well, especially considering you know how she got to where she is today and where she grew up and how she grew. She actually grew up not far from where I grew up, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But oh. what was interesting about this whole interaction is that it's so perfectly exemplifies what's wrong with all of these conversations and discussions and debates that have been happening on social media for the past three weeks or however long it's been. You see people who try to make a statement, then somebody says, well, what about this? And well, what about this? And this isn't unusual for political discourse in general, but it's like it's all happening just in such a vacuum so mm -hmm. quickly. And we're just seeing it from all different angles. You know, we're having people conflating like Palestinians with Hamas, and you're seeing people conflating uh, criticism of the Israeli government with criticism of the Israeli people, and that is extrapolated to criticism of Jewish people, which is extrapolated to anti-Semitism. You know, so all these things. Yeah, but you do that with black people. You do that with black people and LGBT. This just happens to be the one time you don't like the tactic, but you deploy the tactic all the time. All they do 
is stifle any actual kind of discussion or understanding from happening, even in cases when people want to understand. I think for the most part, people, whenever they're consuming this type of content, they really want to understand what's happening. And we're getting so many different conflicting reports from everywhere. We don't know who to believe. We don't know what to believe. We're having people who are bringing in all kinds of other things that we haven't thought about. So it all gets very difficult to just hold it all in our heads and make sense of it and kind of like, you know, visualize it in a way that makes sense. So I, this is what that this exchange looks like to me is a lot of things that don't even need to be said. I mean, what Candace said in the first place, again, I agree with her as far as like, why does that need to be said? Why does genocide is bad need to be said? And then why is that such a controversial topic? But then you have people who are like, well, it's not technically genocide. So uh, is that what the point was? That was my first question. Is that what his point was? Because I'm still searching for it. Well, he's his basically point- saying there's yeah, there's you know, there's Palestinians. Either is he saying there's Palestinians to spare so you can kill them? Yeah, I don't he's know. There's, still there's trying so to many Palestinians. Out. If there was genocide, there would be less of them. <laughs> so the genocide, as people are calling it right now, that's happening, it has to completely it has to be done in a couple of weeks. You know, there has to be zero folks left because over the past several decades, he said it's been five times the number of folks that, and by the way, again, as you point out, uh, Yasmin, I believe you did. Um, so Palestinians, but then he goes talking about Hamas. They know the difference. The same way that we know that Candace Owens, I think I agree with both of you guys, this is a role, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's an acting role to make money off of gullible people, I guess have at it. Um, but then on the back end, Dave Rubin knows too. So, it's not like he doesn't know that Hamas and Palestinians are two different entities here, groups of people versus this organization. So again, the point is to make that be the reality when we see what actual reality is. Why is that such a hell-bent objective for so many people? You can still be appalled by what happened on October 7th. Of course. I am. And you can still say, but let's not do this. Why is that so hard? You can be an American on 9-11, still mourn and never forget every year on 9-11 and still go, but why the hell did we do that in our name? Let's not do eight October 7ths in response to October 7th. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it has something to do with the fact that, you know, look, the line from the boss, Ben Shapiro, uh, is very much support Israel at all costs and all all of the war crimes. Um, He responded to Lindsey Graham basically, basically saying there is no number of dead civilians that would cause him to restrict or call for a ceasefire between Israel and Gaza. And Ben Shapiro quotes me and said, he's right. Israel is trying to minimize civilian casualties. Hamas is trying to maximize them. So people like Abby Phillip will put a ceasefire. If Graham says 10,000 civilians, this is just incentive for Hamas to hit that number to achieve a ceasefire. What? What? I don't, we don't have time for me to <laughs> properly dissect oh, and freak out. Chris, they're trying to minimize. Come on, give me a break. The idea on, that guys. Hamas would want to hit a number of dead civilians to then achieve a ceasefire or what? that. Lin- well, no, no, no. I do think, see, this is the thing. I do think it's true that Hamas does use the civilians. I think that's true. What, what I reject is the idea. When they're like, yeah, Hamas uses the civilian. Yeah, and because that's, again, that's like the bank robbery scenario where the bank robber puts the gun to the teller's head. There's not a circumstance in which people would go along or accept it is if the cops came in and just blew everyone away. And they're like, all right, we got the bank robbers. We had to kill the hostages. That doesn't make any sense. But anyway, she is more, uh, Ching Chang Spaghetti here is much more, 
I think, pro-Hamas. I think she's actually... Uh, I mean, I don't think she was one of the people saying that what they did was good. But I, 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 think, I think she's... I, I, she strikes me as in that direction. Lindsey Graham would have any say over what that number would be. But this is Ben Shapiro repeating and, and regurgitating a lot of Israeli propaganda. The guy is rabidly anti-Palestinian. The guy is rabidly, I would say, Islamophobic. In 2007, he wrote, Palestinian Arab population is rotten to the core. Palestinian Arabs have demonstrated their preference for suicide bombing over working toilets. In 2010, he tweeted, Israelis like to build, Arabs like to bomb crap and live in open sewage. This is not a difficult issue. Hashtag settlements rock. That is a hat tip <laughs> to illegal settlements in the West Bank. Um, guys, any final thoughts? Oh, man. The shit you are allowed to get away with if you are in certain groups is astonishing. How do you wrap something like that That's up? Incredible. I mean, I, I Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it is interesting to me how Islamophobia is so perfectly well real. accepted. In Again, that's not real. In American society, at least, and anti-Semitism is not. Again, I don't, it's not, neither are real. I think we need to Both be are cudgels for the record demonizing entire groups of people at all we know who is who is to blame for a lot of this there's hamas on one side there's Donald the Trump. israeli <laughs> government on the other side and i think the people being split and divided and confused with all of this is not helping anything um it, it's it's the same thing you've seen it's it's the uh, you know the abhorrent behavior that we like to take part in and it's excuse after excuse after excuse and i don't know where the shame comes in we used to kind of have it uh after we didn't have it it's just we're reverting back to old ways just openly being okay with this type of stuff and to yeah. be proud enough to say it and post it and know that it's going to stay up there it's tough you can be sad about it. you can hate what's going on but then to want the same thing to happen just seems like do you want things to end mm -hmm. there's there's got to be preventative versus like punitive and uh, is that coherent? Was that coherent? When your punitive response goes to killing folks who had nothing to do with it, what what what's the end game? Is it it? Yeah. See see our other comments yeah. on the Sinai Peninsula, but yeah. okay. Anyway, next one here, Ron DeSantis. I will wear a boot on my head if Trump debates. You're down like forty. Why would he debate? I mean, look, it would be entertaining, but uh, you think you're gonna. Bro, you couldn't even handle Patrick Bet David. You think you're going to handle Trump? What are you, crazy? Oh, my God. <clears throat> Here we go. This is no time for foot fetishes. We've got serious problems as a country. I know people want to try to divert onto other issues. I know uh, Donald Trump and a lot of his people have been focusing um, on things like footwear. I'll tell you this. Um, you know, if Donald Trump can summon the balls to show up to the debate. I'll wear a boot on my head. This is a time for substance. This would Florida be a perfectly reasonable challenge if DeSantis was in, was within eight points, twelve points, fifteen points, something like that. But you, you have no sh the, the primary is over. I mean, look, I'm not saying he, he drop out when you want. I don't care. It's your call. This is entertaining. The more you stay in, the more entertained uh, I am. Although I don't like the long term damage this is doing to a popular Republican's political capital. But, you know, what are you going to do? Governor and GOP presidential candidate Ron DeSantis is still struggling with his socially awkward demeanor, even as he attempts to take jabs at Donald Trump following Team MAGA mocking him over allegations that Ron DeSantis is wearing 
boot risers to make his appearance a little taller than he actually is. It's been dubbed Bootgate. It has been the comedic relief that we've all been looking for during this awful news cycle. But here is what sparked the entire controversy. Can you bring this one clip? I know you were on, uh, uh, what do you call it? On, uh, uh, what was it? Bill Maher, and Bill Maher talked about the boots. I've seen you walk with these boots. Go ahead and play this clip. This on TikTok went viral. It doesn't have a million views. It doesn't have, you know, 10 million views. This thing's got 1.2 million likes. And, and some people are wondering. How, what are they? I don't even, so I haven't what, seen that. What there's, they've not shown this to you. Okay, no. what they're trying to say with this is that in your boots, you have heels. No, no, no. That's yeah, what those, those are just standard off the rack um, Lucchese, um, how, Lucchese. How tall are you, how tall are you Governor? 5'11". 5'11", okay. Why don't you wear tennis shoes and dress shoes? Uh, I do wear tennis shoes when I work out. Yeah, 100%. you do. Yep. Okay, I got a gift for you. I'd love for you to wear. Okay, I shop at Ferragamo. Okay, and I got. I don't accept gifts. I can't accept I, it. I totally get. I'm it, sorry. I have to say, look, Patrick Bet David is Armenian. And saying I shop at Ferragamo is the most Armenian thing I've ever heard in my life. I've been dying to say that as a fellow Armenian. <laughs> it's just Armenians love the fancy clothes. I Gee, just, it's who they the, are. He's the best at that. He's like, listen, bro, like not a lot of people, like I like you. I think you're very cool. But these people are saying horrible stuff. And then he just quotes the horrible stuff straight to the guy's face. Bro, that can't make you happy. Can't make you happy, can so it? Good. It's so, so bad, good. Right? It's so it's just the meanest. Good. It's meaner than if someone showed up and was like, I think you wear lifts in your shoes. It's like, bro, <laughs> a lot of people. I'm looking out for you. I'm your friend here. It's like psychological warfare. It's and so I am good. so here for it. Same. Now, after that appearance, <laughs> of course, the Trump see, camp. See, this is, I'm telling you, three years ago, she would be calling Patrick Bet David an evil Nazi. Uh, white supremacist, Trump's whatever. She would be smearing them. But now, she, since she's pivoting and had a successful, I would say, and, and I wish this wasn't true, had a mostly successful podcast appearance on his show, at least going by the, the comments, most of the people liked her except for her bullshit about the election. But everything else she was talking about, she was in agreement with a lot of the audience and the the panelists you know she was criticizing newsom and the democrat leadership in los angeles and a lot of that stuff um but see now that she can use patrick matt david sitchin adam um any other show that she goes on to she knows that she can use that to advance her career and take what was bottom of the barrel credibility and try to raise it not in my eyes i think she has no credibility but i'm only one person um and this is a small channel i have very i have no influence right? and that's how it goes it is what it is but she's she is gaining a a she's gaining quote unquote credibility through these shows by going on and sounding halfway reasonable which is i think part of her pivot to eventually go out on her own and do a podcast now, I've talked before, Chank's pivot is a disaster. Chank people are absolutely, they are just uh, laughing at him. 
uh, comment section on the video where he went on the Tim Pool show is like 99%, 99.9% negative. But, uh, and it maybe I haven't checked the Patrick Bet David comments and uh, it was like a week ago. So maybe there was a change. Maybe there's a bunch of people ripping on her. But <clears throat> I think, unfortunately, it went decently. Campaign is going to jump on it. Hours after the political the article's publication on Tuesday, the campaign sweatily declared victory, calling Bootgate the kiss of death for the man once seen as Trump's top rival in the Republican primary pool. Instead of telling the truth and just being comfortable in his own skin, he resorts to borderline psychotic behavior <laughs> by lying to the American people, the campaign crowed. Is that what this country wants in a president? And they also said, Ron is going to wish for more Putin in and in-flight biohazard stories instead of having to deal with his shoes that are more appropriate for America's next top model than the campaign trail. Yeah, look, our political, you know, arena should not be an episode of Mean Girls. But honestly, I'll take this. I'll take it. I'm into it. Nikki Sorry. Haley said, uh, she's like, I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. I, I can tell you, I've always talked about my high heels. I've never hid that from anybody. She said, I've always said, don't wear them if you can't run in them. So we'll see if he can run in them. Like she's making fun of him. Like what a disaster. What an another, another totally unforced error. Who cares about your height? Why do you put lifts in your boots? That's obvious. If you're going to do it, do it in a way that it's not obvious. What the fuck? Who is advising this guy? I've seen more people talking about this. I think they might be on the something on Twitter that this just seems like a sabotage. That it's just they, they this is almost like you're you're killing two birds with one stone, right? Um, you are you are sabotaging the political career of one of the you know, DeSantis before the election was a huge threat, um, you know, long term. Uh, and he definitely had a great shot at 2028 and had a good reputation as a as a governor. You know, some mistakes. I always have to bring up the pamphlet bill. That was a disaster. Um, but for the most part, a pretty good governor. And now they have just turned him into like he's becoming Mike Pence. He's becoming Mike. Pence. It's really it's uh, it's unfortunate. Nikki Haley's making fun of you. And I love when he's like, "There, this is not the time for foot fetish. Beg to differ. Anytime's a great time for foot fetish, especially a presidential race. Yeah. And Donald Trump has tried so hard to stay out of these debates. I think his, he's not a very good negotiator. But in this situation, did you see what Trump, by not participating and holding out for the debates, has negotiated himself into? A head-to-head -head debate. With Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis has offered to wear a boot on his head the He's whole gotta time. He's got to take it. He won't if do Trump it. doesn't say, deal, I bet, done, 100% get me in there, what I would, I would love that. Because if, and if, and if Ron takes the boot off his head, Trump so, should. Uh, yeah, entertainment wise, I would love uh, Trump v. DeSantis. But strategically, I, I think you just, these debates. First of all, I want to see the RNC have less power and influence. And these first two debates were laughingstock debates. What I'm hoping is that Vivek, what I'm hoping, Vivek just doesn't even do it. 
it, I hope I, I would what I would like to see is for Vivek to bow out and be like, it's time to support Trump. These are unprecedented prosecutions. And this is ridiculous. This debate is ridiculous. The primary is over. I'm out. I'd like to see that because th- these debates are such a clown show that you can argue you hurt yourself going to these debates like Vivek hurts himself going to these to the next debate now it doesn't matter he has no ch- shot what what is it going to hurt what is he at three percent it's going to bring him down to one percent i mean it's like who cares but it i think it hurts him because this is not legitimate this is stupid and th- these are also rands these are people that have no no chance and it looks like they have no chance at vp either so um you know i don't know we'll see but yeah i think that uh strategically you could i i think strategically it would be a mistake for trump to go to the debate i i it i think if you want to do let's say trump says you know what i'm tired of this fucking desantis guy running his mouth and i don't care if i'm up 50. i want to fucking talk shit to this guy okay no problem have a debate set up by tucker carlson away from fox away from corporate media, away from the RNC, then that's fantastic. Now, I bet you DeSantis wouldn't be allowed to do that. They would they would forbid DeSantis from doing that debate, I bet you. But um, that's if Trump wanted to do that, that would be optimal. That would be great. So now we finally get a debate performance from Trump, which debate Trump is arguably the best Trump, and it'll be against uh, DeSantis, if you want to throw Vivek in there, that would be fun. I would have no problem with that. Um, and then and have Tucker Carlson be the moderator, or maybe Tucker runs it, but you have someone good as a moderator. I don't know who would that be. Larry Elder. I don't know. Pick somebody that's like halfway decent, and uh, and you do that. But fuck the goddamn RNC. Walk off stage and just leave, and everybody's like, "Come on, Ron, put the boot on your head." He wouldn't do it. He's not going to be. You know what? You're right. I mean, Ron DeSantis is really taking a huge risk here because there is some chance that Trump will take you up on that offer. But he's not going to do. I mean, but DeSantis wouldn't wear the boot on his head. Then what you just proposed. I mean, I would. And look, Trump really hasn't needed to attend these debates. He keeps rising in the polls. And Ron DeSantis is dipping in the polls. Now, if you look at an average of the polling, yeah, Ron DeSantis is still in second place, but I do want to show you who's actually seeing a little bit of a rise in the polls. Um, so let's go to the real clear politics average of polling. So uh, this is an average of all the polls that have been done on the GOP primary. And as you can see, Donald Trump still has I mean, eight. This is not what are you kidding me with this? The DeSantis shows. What are you kidding me? Holy shit. Massive lead of 59.3. DeSantis is still second place if you look at the averages, and that's 13.4. Nikki Haley rising in the polls to the point where if you look at the average of polls, she's at 8.3. Now, I want to take a look at the bigger picture because this next graph will show you, honestly, depressingly, how Trump has been rising even as these indictments um, are being carried out and worked through. I really didn't think the indictments were going to have a negative impact on his race. I think Democrats who are hoping for that are delusional. But if you take a look at this chart, you'll notice that DeSantis, who's represented by the green line, has been steadily dropping in the polls, while Nikki Haley, represented by the red line, has a very slight uptick in the polling. It's hilarious because 
never Trump Republicans are super giddy about that. But it doesn't matter who's second place. What matters is who's first place. And Donald Trump is still first place by a lot. The saddest thing about that graph is that after Pence dropped out of the race, his percentage was not affected. (laughs) It just kind of stays at 3.4. Poor baby. Yeah, well, DeSantis is heading in that direction. It it reminds me of uh, Peter Griffin from um, Family Guy when he like stubs his toe and he just like sits there. (laughs) It can pay. All right, now we have a Trump supporter. I'd still vote for Trump even if he's convicted. Oh, yeah, 100%. I look forward to it. I can't wait. I want as many convictions as possible. The thing that ever- they are absolute badges of honor. Came down the pike, and I'd walk across hot coals for that man. So, Is there anything Donald Trump could do that would cause you not to support no. him? No, nothing. Nothing. Murder, kill, <laughs> rape. No, none of that stuff. He's, he, he's not capable of any of that stuff. He is. Well, a judge said that he raped a woman. Know what the judge said. That judge is not even a fruitcake. Is there any- That's my favorite, the E. Jean Carroll, one of my favorites. So, the, how this narrative have has changed. So, so, you had the jury who specifically fucking said. He didn't rape her. Now, they, they, it is true they found him liable. This is like a propaganda technique that they do all the time with the word liable. And uh, what's the other one? It's, um, I forget what the other one is. It will come, I guarantee will come across. I bet you in the Pac-Man segment he says it because this is like the every day. I forget what it is. Um, culpable? Is it culpable? Anyway. So... It, They'll, so, okay, so the jury does this weird thing where they're like, he didn't rape her, but we think he he uh, sexually assaulted her or whatever. Okay, no problem. I mean, it's I'm calling bullshit on the whole thing. I don't think this is a credible jury. The whole process is Ill- illegitimate, but that was the thing. So then the media, that wasn't good enough for the media because they want him, they want him, they want to be able to call him a rapist, even though they already do. Um, they want to call him a rapist. They weren't happy with that. So apparently someone gets to the judge and the judge then is like, well, he, well, you know, he, he essentially raped her or something like that. So now they're like, fuck the jury. Remember they made a big deal about, well, it was a jury of his peers that found him liable. Um, now they're like, Hey, the judge said that he raped her. Oh, okay. There you go. That's amazing. Anything Donald Trump could do that would turn you off of him? No. <laughs> Flat out, no. I, I mean, look, he, he's not perfect. He's not perfect. He, he, he's a sinner, like, like all the rest of us. But then look, look to the Bible. With the exception of Jesus Christ, every great hero in the Bible is also a sinner and also imperfect. But I believe he's the perfect man for the job now. He's the, I, be, I, believe, I believe our country is in danger of dying and disappearing. And I think, the, I think Donald Trump is the only man with the... Well, he, he was the only one with the, the courage to defy the tyranny of political correctness and the strength to stanch the flow of progressive liberalism, which is the great cancer that threatens the future of America. Uh, is there anything Donald Trump could do that would cause you to say, I mean, if he was convicted in any of these cases, <laughs> would you still vote for him? I think I would, yeah. I really do. If he's convicted of perjury, if he's convicted of mishandling of classified documents by a jury of our peers. Oh, would... a jury of our peers. Still vote for him. I would. 
I just have faith in him. I really do. Do you have faith in the justice? Does she have... Who would have faith in the justice system? Does she have green hair? What the hell's going on here? She's got green... There are exceptions. I, I can personally attest to. There are exceptions. But uh, that's a weird thing. The system. I guess leftists have ruined colored hair for everyone. That's where it gets tricky. Like, he just went into the courtroom and the judge is sitting there smiling for the cameras. Like, that just turns people off. How like, dare you talk about what you're seeing? Are you smiling at cameras? You're supposed to be a judge to judge someone righteously. So you think these judges are corrupt? Of course. Some of them, yeah. 100%. Is there anything Donald Trump could do that would cause you not to vote for him? Well, obviously, I mean, I'm not going to vote for someone that... If you put a gun to someone's head and... You know, but right now we got a rapist in the White House, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> How do you know that? How do I know it? Because he's been accused by more than one woman of it. That's 100% true. That one woman had to flee to Russia, I think. Donald Trump was accused by 20 women of sexual assault, and in one case, a judge said that he raped a woman. Yeah. So you had a rapist in the White House with Donald Trump. Have a total crook in the White House, so. Is there anything Donald Trump could do? that would cause you not to support him? I'm a very recent supporter of Donald Trump. I'm a registered Democrat and have been for- Wow, wow, wow. 30 plus years. Wow. Not vote Democrat. I'm kind of middle of the road. Um, so I, I do support some of the Democratic beliefs. However, I'm an accountant, so therefore I understand dollar signs. And um, the last couple of years have been pretty rough and anyone who understands dollar signs probably can't vote for Biden. What about these allegations, though? Trump's in the middle of a trial that he overinflated asset values in order to <laughs> get money from banks and insurance companies. And Who fucking cares? The economy sucks. That's more important. What he did was fraudulent. It's called being in America. All right, next one. Uh, Tucker Carlson's faux populist chops are a huge fail. Really? This week, Tucker Carlson went on comedian Theo Vaughn's podcast for over two and a half hours, and they talked about cocaine just a lot. And <laughs> and and I want to analyze it with uh, with you guys, but something that came up over and over again was Carlson's particular distinctive brand of what I would call fake populism which he dabbled in at Fox, which he kind of cut his teeth on and is now running wild, sinking those teeth into as many people as possible. The podcast called out corporations, billionaires and private equity and even the loss of meaning in American life. And of course, Carlton's fake fake populist and he completely exposes real intentions at the end of the interview. And we're gonna save that moment for last. Um, but for now, let's start with the most timely topic, the wars in Ukraine and the Middle East. Uh, Carlson had a long history of criticizing our involvement in Ukraine, which you might have seen on his show. And he pushed that same line uh, with the conflict in Palestine as well. Let's watch. Let's go have a war with Iran. It's like, what? Yeah. And I just feel like it's, you know, maybe because of my age and my job, I, sh I have a moral obligation to say, I, I think that's really unwise. You don't want to. You don't want to go to war with Iran. <laughs> no, because I'm not insane. Yeah. I don't think that we should be involved in a lot of this. You think? How's it helping? So. Is it helping you a lot? No, it's a, it just causes all these moral victories you're winning. We're all Americans. 
And if you wind up in a place where our allegiance to other countries or regions or things that are not American take precedence over our common Americanness, I mean, we're screwed. Why? We're screwed. Why should I support a war with Iran? Shut up! You know, calling me, what? You know, I have four children of draft age. Like, right. why is that not a fair question for me? Shut up! The new Speaker of the House comes in, and the first thing he does is issue a statement on behalf of a foreign country. That's the most important thing. I'm, and I'm not even against the statement, but right. I'm just saying, like, what bigger statement does that make? All right, so Waz, you saw a little bit of it. What have you learned from Tucker Carlson's approach to this? What is your take on his take and how he's talking to Theo Vaughn about uh, essentially American interventionist foreign policy? I think Tucker Carlson realizes that all of these wars are deeply unpopular with everybody, even Republicans. So the idea that he would take that stance, it seems pretty obvious to me. And then I don't I think people don't understand that Tucker Carlson is like a waspy prick and that informs in, in a lot of his politics. And so a lot of it is like, yo, like uh, we shouldn't be getting involved with the state of Israel's affairs. Why should I care about it, right? Um, we shouldn't be getting involved with what's happening in the Ukraine with those people. Like, I don't care about that. All I care about is this. And so, you know, it's it's very American exceptionalist. We should only care about ourselves. We should be isolationist. That's a very old school American disposition. That used to be the dominant strain of belief here, of course, before World War One. And so I don't think he's doing anything revolutionary. And I don't even think it's disingenuous. I think he genuinely understands that it's popular and probably does feel like we waste a lot of time resource resources and energy on this kind of thing. Yeah, that's Tucker and Trump have this like very specific power. And maybe they just put like a secret microphone near water coolers in like blue <laughs> color office spaces. They just repeat that line. They just say stuff like I don't want to pay any more damn taxes. And what mm. the hell are we doing in Iraq? <laughs> and they just show up and he and he is so pathological. That he can be there in his Oxford shirt and his like Izod, you know, <laughs> sweater, V neck. He, he's just a giant pleated pant hit with an experimental gamma ray that turned into a person. Like that is Tucker Carlson. And he sits there with Theo Vaughn, who's like, I don't know, man. And, and as though this is all just coming to Tucker Carlson off the top of his head. And he hasn't been made in a lab going to speech and debate since his consumer reports ambassador to the Seychelles, you know, father <laughs> who ran the broadcast industry. Those are all facts about his dad. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just thinking this. And. Here's the feeling of watching Tucker Carlson talk to Theo Vaughn. It's like when you, when I was in college, there were like guys who were horrible boyfriends. They were the worst boyfriend in the galaxy. And there's a girl at a party and you don't know her, but you're watching this guy go up to her and you're like, he's hitting on her and it's working. And you're like, he's going to treat her like such crap. He's just lying to her. And even if I go up to her and say like, this guy's bad news, she's gonna be like, oh, he's just dangerous and fall for it harder. 
that's what listening to this two hour and I listened to at least two hours of this of Tucker Carlson talking about it. That's what it was like. That's what it was like. Um, another recurring theme in the interview was Tucker lightly criticizing corporations and the ultra wealthy in America. Let's listen to that. Do you think America is still a Christian nation? No, no. What is it? Um, it's an LLC, as you said. No one's for the free market. Everyone's for using power to hobble their competitors. You know, everyone's into, and the only reason we have regulations is to create monopolies. If your ruling class of all the richest people have gotten rich by over the people beneath them, running these fascist companies that spy on their employees' phone calls and like track them as they come in and out of the building and require them to work on Sundays with no overtime and just really inhumane sweatshop type practices, creepy Stasi stuff. Those people end up having great contempt for their own employees. If you've amassed a hundred million dollars from sucking the last remaining lifeblood out of some manufacturing company in the Midwest, yeah. calling it private equity, like you should hate yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? And there's none of that. The news media want to talk about race. That's like their main thing. The United States of America is being looted by a small number of people who are getting away with it. And they don't want to talk about that. Right. They never want to talk about economics. They never want to talk about the tax code, CNBC and CNN and the New York Times. All these people are like looking out for you are actually just the Praetorian guards standing in front of the people with the most power and money. But worshiping money is disgusting and we should not compliment people who do it we should instead criticize them and say, that's gross. Hey, hedge fund manager, that's gross. It is my contention that the same person that listens to Tucker Carlson go like, there shouldn't be super duper rich people. There's a lot of those that are Trump fans. And Trump will say, hey, if I'm I'm dodging taxes just like you should, I'm not gonna pay back into the system. I made my money through hard work, screw everybody else. And these two conflicting messages um, can either be interpreted as Tucker Carlson's wedge issue against Trump or uh, just the knowledge that if you say enough of these like, man, the system sucks platitudes, um, for long enough, people will just agree with you. And then unfortunately, uh, they will be so used to thinking you're a dope guy that when your final solution is to like ban immigrants from having homes and jobs, uh, that you just go along with it. I don't know, Waz, what do you think? What are you, of, what are you talking about? About his statements about corporate America and how the rich have too much money. I mean, to me, it just sounds like a guy who spent the last four or five years with the most popular show on Fox News. Uh, meaning he has an understanding that the status quo has ripped off white Americans, period. Like there's no other read on this, this idea of, you know, essentially the reverse of the, the people who invented representation politics, right? Like how Joe Biden could be like, look, we're gonna put a black guy in charge of the Joint Chiefs, even though he's from Raytheons. <laughs> like, the, like the people who invented that are our white betters before. It was literally representation politics. It's like, don't worry, there's no blacks or Latinos running any of this stuff. It's all white people. You're being represented. And the result was what? 
you know, neoliberalism nonsense, you know, deindustrialization, shipping out every single thing abroad. In return, we got cheap ass products and terrible jobs, terrible outcomes. The the Rust Belt has never recovered from it. And Tucker Carlson is acutely aware of this fact. The people who did that <laughs> were corporations, was private equity, was this idea that um yeah, corporations should have the opportunity to, to squeeze out every single profit at the expense of literally anything else. Doesn't matter. So long as they were making more profits, it was justified. Even if it hollowed out whole cities and towns that used to be these thriving places. And so, yeah, I think he understands that nobody got more screwed by the status quo than white people. And at Fox, he, you know, he understood who his audience were. He understood who the people were that were pissed off about America. Now, you know, I feel like a lot of that pissed off got directed to a bunch of black and brown people and Muslims and, you know, even some Jews like Brett Ehrlich. But thank you. You know, like I think that's what that's that's what he diverted the hate to mostly on Fox, but I think that's what he's tapping into. And in let's let's focus a little on the private equity aspect of it because that's what Tucker really did focus on. So let's take a look at a little bit of that. And so whenever anyone asks about like, well, wait a second, you know, why do we tax people at half the rate for investing that we do for working? Literally, they pay half the tax rate. So if you're a day trader or just trading stocks or something, you don't have to or pay Or if you're a taxes. private equity guy and you can claim that your income is actually investment, is interest on your investments, you pay half the taxes. So we have a, we have a tax code that discourages work. Hmm. Uh, thoughts on that, was? I mean, Bernie Sanders couldn't have said that any better. Karl Marx himself couldn't have said that any better. Just the idea that labor is taxed at a higher rate than capital. Like, meaning money working gets taxed at a lower rate than your actual work. That's insane. <laughs> This is like Tucker Carlson is, I mean, he's right. He's saying the truth of all of it. But it's just, I don't know. I, like, I don't know how we could take this serious from a guy like Tucker Carlson knowing his history, but it's facts. But the, yeah, that's the what truth. I was talking to. So producer Taylor and I were just kibitzing before the uh, the, the broadcast <laughs> here. Um, and, and that question he had was like, is where's the real Tucker, where is the Tucker? And my answer is that's Tucker. He doesn't, in my opinion, Tucker is the guy whose sole purpose in life is to be paid for being a guy who who gets you to like him. Mm. And that's it. And he hangs out in the, I mean, this guy on his show, for as populist as he is, whenever he was complaining about something on his show on Fox, he was talking about whether or not he was invited to dinner parties anymore. <laughs> oh my dear friends, what are you gonna talk about at dinner parties? Like I made a compilation for one of my videos. It was like a minute and a half long. It was like dinner party, dinner party, dinner party. Um, it's ridiculous. And and so he is, he takes that 
And his next step is to leverage it into showing sympathy because he's such a nice guy. So here's here's a little bit of Tucker showing sympathy for the millions of Americans who are struggling to get by. It's getting very expensive for people to live here, like too expensive actually. Oh yeah, I saw some Scary. gas the other day. I was like, Jesus, man. But how do people afford that? Yeah, you know? well, how do you even do a bonfire anymore? There's some chick on the internet a 22 year old experiencing life in the corporate world for the first time. And she does this video like, this is terrible. I don't make any money. And they treat me like, treat me like, you know, I'm not worth anything. I'm not human. And everyone's like, shut up and work, honey. Yeah. And I watch this and I'm like, no, no. I hope you win. I hope you win. I hope you, I, I, oh, like I, I, the seeds of revolution are sprouting in my heart. If you tell them to shut up enough, like we don't care that you care about gas prices and your stupid pickup truck. Well, some people like their pickup trucks and they use them for work. And if it's not affordable to fill it up, that's a big deal for them. I've heard as I'm speeding by them in the back. So I guess this is ultimately they're trying, and I, look, I don't know. We'll see what Tucker Carlson turns out to be. I have no idea. I hope he turns out to be great. I, I don't know. You know, he says good stuff. Um, but they pretend that they are the true populists, even though they're constantly advocating for policies that screw workers, they advocated for the mass mandates and the vaccine mandates. And you have a guy that's making them look bad. So they, of course, have to pretend that Tucker, oh, he's a fake populist. Back of the car I'm being driven in, like it's oh my heart. He's such a terrible, <laughs> terrible guy. I want you to win. That was so disingenuous. It's, it's a contest, but quite there's a ridiculous. Well, you can argue that, but what you're doing right now is also disingenuous. How about him? We're like, oh, you contemptible cur, and you're just <laughs> and you're just like, oh, stop it, and let's hang out because okay. or the rest of the the podcast, he's talking about like how much. He did coke and, dr and he, he didn't, but people drink and he wants to talk about girls and stuff. It's just like, it's just so creepy. And but he <laughs> did let, as we promised. Now, obviously uh, you would find talking about girls creepy because you are a obvious homosexual. As you <laughs> promised, he did let a little honesty slip. So let's, let's take a look at this. But anyone who tells you, well, you if we pass this legislation, we're gonna fix everything. We're gonna fix healthcare forever," said Barack Obama in 2010. As soon as he said that, I was like, "I don't even know much about healthcare. I'm hardly an expert." But I was like, "The second you tell me you're gonna fix something as complicated as, you know, one fifth of the entire U.S. economy in one piece of legislation, you, yeah, because you're lying, actually, because mm -hmm. that's impossible." And it turned out they made it worse. Of, of course. So that's the thing. Is he, my problem with his all like logical framework is he basically says that government only exists to screw things up. Essentially, 100%. every regulation is only a regulation meant to protect the rich at the expense of the poor. But like anytime I ever looked at any legislation trying to get passed and, and regulatory reform by the Trump administration, most of it, you know, the Republican administration, which he was a fan of until it was no longer convenient for him. Um, it all was like, yeah, let's just let us pollute stuff like more. And let's get away with making those things that he criticized for being crappier and, and worse over time since the proud days of the 50, the 50s and the GI Bill. Like it, he, 
he's against he's against that stuff. Like he's for it in the beginning, and then he's against it later. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I Last think more thoughts. importantly, he's just annoyed by Barack Obama. Just like you know. Yes, at the end of the day, of course, he's just a racist. Just Ivy League elite, just better at what Tucker Carlson fashions himself as than Tucker Carlson is. To me, that sounded like actual personal animus. Like, screw you, you're not gonna do that. You know, uh, that that's what that felt like to me. That felt personal more so than his ideas about federal legislation. It's come on, man, give me a break. Like, just think about something like the FDA, which I think doesn't do enough. Um, is actually too lenient. Just to think about the shit we used to eat and get freaking sick and stuff like that from. Come on now, stop it. Thanks for watching the video, guys. Come on we now. also stop it. Okay, moving on here. So they tried to expel George Santos, and he survived expulsion. Um, George Santos, in a weird way, I like. Uh, uh, what will put it over the top for me is if it turns out he's not actually gay, and I and 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 I do suspect that he is lying about being gay as well. Um, it, it seems like Santos um, is just kind of like blatantly lying about everything, um, and it seems like almost like a middle finger to uh, politicians. It's like a very blatant. It, he's like a mirror. It's a weird thing. Now, I don't know, you know, long term how this is going to turn out. But, um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy. And uh, he lied about, he's, he said he was, his parents died in the Holocaust and all this shit. He lied about all that. That made me laugh. And I think he's lying about being gay. So we'll see what happens. But they're going to talk about him. Oh, and also, they're indicting him. He's been indicted. He's been indicted. If, if you're being indicted Mr. Chair, in 2023... Uh, there's a good chance that uh, you're halfway decent on the Republican side. Not, uh, I don't give a fuck about the guy they indicted. The guy, I mean, first of all, the guy they indicted on the Democrat side, he was fucking underage prostitutes years ago. So, like, you know, I, I don't really give it, you hiding gold bars under your bed. Like, why don't you uh, put him in jail over the uh, kid fucking? I don't care. He's putting gold under his bed. Who cares? I don't care about that. Anyway. Five minutes to my colleague from New York, Mr. Goldman. Thank you very much, Mr. Santos. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today in support of this resolution to expel George Santos from Congress, as I did in May when I co-sponsored a similar expulsion resolution that the sponsors of today's resolution, my colleagues from, uh, my Republican colleagues from New York, did not support. Yesterday, the House of Representatives held a vote to expel Representative George Santos, a freshman Republican in the House who is currently facing criminal federal charges having to do with a multitude of issues, allegations that he stole the credit card information of his donors and then charged things on their credit cards. Uh, let's go to graphic two here. The 35 year old New York lawmaker has pleaded not guilty to charges accusing him of crimes, including laundering funds to pay for his personal expenses, illegally receiving unemployment benefits, and yes, charging donors credit cards without their consent. Now, here's Representative Dan Goldman, who made the effort to ex expel Santos in May. Here's what he had to say about the effort to basically boot Santos from the House. I agree with everything 
that my Republican colleagues have said here today. But everything they have said here today was also true in May when they voted to protect George Santos. Has there been anything that has changed? Nothing about the numerous lies that Mr. Santos admitted himself to making in order to deceive his voters into electing him. Nothing about his status as an indicted criminal defendant. Yes, there has been a superseding indictment with more allegations of criminal conduct, but he is still presumed innocent until proven guilty, as my New York friends relied upon in May when they voted to protect George Santos from expulsion. Well, New York Representative Anthony Despacito, who's a Republican from New York, responded to Goldman expressing why things have changed. Let's watch. A colleague from New York, Mr. Goldman, when he asked what has changed? Well, what has changed is that there's an additional 13 indictments or 13 charges in an indictment uh, with a campaign treasurer pleading guilty. What has changed is that when we had discussed this back in May, when he co-sponsored that legislation, I made it very clear that I was in support of it. But I also know how to count and realized that we did not have two thirds of the house. And perhaps we won't this evening. But what I do know is that the ethics committee has been working hard as they issued a memo, as I referred to a few minutes ago, reviewing over 170,000 pages of documents, interviewing 40 witnesses, issuing subpoenas. So things have changed. Well, the vote failed. Oh, <laughs> big time. Yeah. So let's take a look at the screenshot of the vote, which will show you that 24 Republicans and 155 Democrats voted yes to expel George Santos from the House. 182 Republicans and 31 Democrats voted no. Now, listen, at first, I was a proponent of expelling him. It was, I think, a knee-jerk reaction to the fact that this guy is a liar. <laughs> He's also, I mean, he hasn't been found guilty, hasn't been convicted yet, but very likely will be convicted of financial crimes, like stealing money from his own donors, stealing their credit card information and charging things on their credit cards. And look, the reason why I say he's likely to be convicted is because he played the same games and ran the same scams in Brazil. Okay, so <laughs> this guy is a mess. However, he's running a re-election campaign as we speak. I think he's likely gonna get voted out and I think it's really up to the people in his district to decide. Well, why can't you then use that same argument about Trump? And Jamie Raskin happens to be one of the Democrats who voted against expelling George Santos from the House. I'm gonna give you his statements in just a moment, but first I wanna go to you, Waz. What do you think? I don't know what to think, honestly, and because obviously this guy is a joke. He's made a mockery of the entire system. He's not he the only lied one. At, 
He's exactly, and, but he's lied at every single turn about, you know, schools that he went to, jobs that he's held. He even lied about being of Jewish faith. Like this guy, <laughs> look, there's no bounds to this guy's lying. At the same time, I think it's just quite hilarious that 31 Democrats was like, nah, let him stay. Come on, he's good. This will be fun. <laughs> he's good at he's good at the office birthday parties. <laughs> I think that, look, I actually think it's smart for those Democrats to vote no on this. And the reason why, and I think we're kind of seeing it right now with the investigations into like Hunter Biden and stuff where, anyway, it's that once you open that floodgate, the flood will come. And so if they vote to expel a Republican, well, then Republicans are gonna turn around and try to expel Democrats. And it's gonna be this endless cycle of trying to get members of each party expelled. And I just think it should be left to the voters to decide. Now, if this were the Senate and we're talking about someone who just got elected and will be in office for another five years, maybe I'm gonna change my mind a little bit. But we're talking about the House of Representatives where Congress Congress people have to be reelected every two years. So I want the people in his district to make that decision. I think that's a smarter strategy here. I hope they don't let us down, we'll see. But here's what Jamie Raskin had to say about his no vote. I'm a constitution guy. The house has expelled five people in our history, three for joining the Confederacy as traitors to the union and two after they were convicted of criminal offenses. Santos has not been criminally convicted yet of the offenses cited in the resolution, nor has he been found guilty of ethics offenses in the house internal process which I will say is an indictment of the House ethics internal process. He continues though, this would be a terrible precedent to set, expelling people who have not been convicted of a crime and without internal due process. If and when Santos is convicted of these serious criminal offenses or ethics charges, I will certainly vote to expel. Until then, it's a very risky road to go down and we have to stick by due process and the rule of law as obvious as the eventual result seems. I can think of four or five Democratic members the Republicans would like to expel without a conviction or adverse ethics findings. We can't abandon due process and the rule of law in the House of Representatives. I think that's a principled stand and I not only accept it, I agree with it. I think that Raskin, along with the other Democrats who voted no, made the right decision. Yeah, I tend to agree with that as well. Of course, you know, again, when <laughs> when the Democrats decided to go with Russiagate and contesting, essentially contesting the election, Donald Trump took it further when he legitimately lost and has just not let it go. So we know how these things go, right? Um, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with, not even kind of, I definitely agree with um, Congressman Raskin because, like, this is just not worth a road being taken for a clown like George Santos. Thanks for watching. If you become a member, you get to watch all this ad-free. They have uh, new outros apparently. Oh, why haven't they found the Capitol pipe bomber? David Pagman asks. Well, because the whole thing was a FBI gay up. That's why. Let's go to Rick from Ocean Island. Rick from Rick from Ocean Island. Ocean Isle Beach. Welcome to the David Pakman Show. 
Hi, David. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Thank you. Uh, great to be on your show. I'd like to say I, I'm thanking my lucky stars on that David Pakman today. Right. Oh, that could be... Huh. Interesting. Is that a viewer or is that... Huh. But that's, but that's only because I like being Rick from Ocean Isle Beach. So Thank you. Feel free, feel free to be happy you're not... Uh, I mean, Rick Combs from Ocean Isle Beach. I feel yeah. less guilty about it. All right. Um, my question is, uh, I, I want to not be a conspiracy theorist. Please. Okay. But there is something that's sticking in my mind that I can't resolve. Okay. And that is, why, why haven't they found the uh, people that placed the pipe bombs by the RNC and DNC uh, locations on yep. January 6th? I have absolutely no idea. Now, we know that there is a contingent that believes the pipe bomber is Marjorie Taylor Greene. They will look at videos of the pipe bomber. So that's completely made up. There is zero evidence that it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is just a total smear. Frame by frame, like the Zapruder film and say the way this person is walking, it's just everything about it is like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, I have no actual evidence that it's reasonable to think it's Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, I just I don't know. I haven't seen anything re reasonable. Feds have boosted the reward to half a million dollars for information leading to the to the arrest of the Capitol pipe bomber. And seemingly there is very little going on with it. I don't know the answer. Now, when you say you want to avoid being a conspiracy theorist, I take that to mean that the fact that no one has been arrested suggests to you what about it? Well, it, it, Occam's razor is find the simplest solution. The simplest solution is they truly don't know. Right. But with today's technology, I, you know, I, I just I find it hard to believe they don't mm. know. Add that to the fact that during the January 6th committee hearings, they really didn't focus on it very much. I didn't hear much on it. And I would think that that would have been an area of concern. Who planted the bombs is a, a, a you know, a huge question. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you that it is a huge question. We need to know. We need to figure that out. There is some testimony related to this from those hearings, although it's not much. And weirdly, it's not even really clear right now whether authorities believe that the placing of the pipe bombs was a deliberate diversionary tactic or whether it was actually a real sort of like potential attack or I don't even know what the right words are. I like you hesitate to fall into conspiracy theories, particularly when I don't have good evidence. I also don't really have any good explanation as to given all of the feeds that now exist, public feeds and the effectiveness of motivated law enforcement at tracking down perpetrators. I don't have a good answer as to why we haven't figured out who it is yet, other than, as you say, they just don't know. They just haven't been able to find it. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know what? I appreciate your candor, your truthfulness. Uh, this is an easy thing to go on conspiracy theories for. Yeah. And the fact that uh, you avoid stuff like that is a reason that I really appreciate this show. So thank, thank you. you very much. All yeah, right. Rick from real call, Ocean Isle Beach. Thank you very much for the call. Have you seen these people? All right. Marjorie Taylor Greene. What a joke. Here is. Uh, We've been talking movie. a lot about if and when and under what circumstances would failed former President Donald Trump end up in jail for a night or for a weekend 
as so many legal experts, including Ty Cobb, not the baseball pitcher, but Trump's own former lawyer. He was a pitcher. Said he true. ultimately believes Donald Trump will end up in jail for a night or a weekend. Well, uh, Trump's current lawyer, Alina Habba, was asked about this on Newsmax. She claims that they aren't even thinking about the possibility of Trump being jailed. Let's take a listen. With the gag orders real quick, because these things are just absolutely whack to me. Yeah, um, he's campaigning for president of the United States again, and they're putting gag orders on him to what he can and can't say about a trial that is actually fueling his campaign, raising millions of dollars on it. How is this? Could they even possibly throw him in jail? What would that look like? <laughs> he's protected by Secret Service, sure. period. So I always tell people when they're panicked, listen, he's protected by Secret Service, number one. Number two, he did nothing wrong. So when people go to jails because they've done something wrong, do we have crooked situations in and out of court? Absolutely. Could they try? Probably, but it won't work because there is still trial process. There is still facts. And unfortunately, they're not. Now, this ignores completely that the people who are saying Trump really risks ending up in jail are talking about jail, not prison. Alina Habba saying he gets due process, he gets his day in court, so on and so forth. Absolutely. The question is, is he going to end up in jail with bond revoked for violating the gag orders? And obviously there's the implication that they're just trying to silence him with the gag orders. He's able to say whatever he wants about who won the election. He's going to be able to test yeah, guys. It's not a violation of his free speech at all. He is just being told you can't attack people involved in the trial. So she's kind of obfuscating which may not come as a shock to you going to win on the facts. Secret Service will always protect President Trump. That's the truth. They have to wherever he is. But it's not an, it's not even something we think about, to be honest, because right. this is all political. It's really not. He's there's no criminal acts that he's done. There's no civil wrongs that he's done unless making money for banks is a civil wrong. All of a sudden <laughs> or again, she's talking about the content of the cases. What we're talking about here is the possibility of being jailed for violating the gag orders. Now, there's a reason why they may not be talking to Trump about it, even though it's not because there's no chance that Trump ends up having to spend the night in jail. And that would be because Trump would absolutely lose his mind and maybe even fire his lawyers if his lawyers went and said, you know, you may end up having to serve a night in jail if you keep this up. So I wouldn't necessarily go by Alina Habba's explanation of why that is her belief. Man, bad. I mean, that's it's that's terrible. The it's Trump derangement syndrome yeah. at its best. I'm not worried about him. He's not worried, and and the American public shouldn't be worried. Yeah. He's succeeding for a reason. Yeah, I will. I will dare this judge to try to throw him in jail. Yeah. Campaign. First It'll Amendment. Yeah. First Amendment is a thing. It is. A <laughs> and remember, this has nothing to do with the yeah, First Amendment. We have extensively it. talked about do not political at all. Nothing to do with the First Amendment. Limited gag orders violate the First Amendment. Uh, you could. I think the argument they are trying to make is a judge is part of the government. And thus, if a judge says you can't say certain things, it is the government violating your First Amendment right. Of course, there is extraordinarily extensive legal precedent that limited gag orders which say, hey, you know what? One of the things that we have to do, one of the things a court has to do, it must do, it is a duty to discharge, is uh, prevent the tainting of a jury influence of a jury, influence or coercion of witnesses, etc. And that is the point of these gag orders, because Trump is publicly attacking individuals involved in these trials. And uh, that is not a violation of the First Amendment. No. It's been studied extensively. There is why putting him in jail will not be taking his freedom away. Executing Trump supporters is not killing them. Of course, that's not murder, bigot. President, here's my question to you. 
what this Trump in jail question is actually about is Trump ending up in pretrial detention for violating a gag order. Alina Habba, when asked about it, seemed to be talking about Trump doing prison time based on whether he committed the crimes he is accused of. Do you think Alina Habba doesn't know the difference or didn't understand what the question was about? Or do you think she's just deliberately obfuscating because it's more convenient to say that the criminal charges are a political attack rather than actually dealing with Trump's obvious violations of the gag order? I can't really tell which it is. I'm not really able to discern her level of competence at this point. So I'll leave it to you. Which of the two is it? Let's take a very quick. All right. Let's see. Republicans say Biden will be impeached in 2024. That sounds great. That sounds great. After a brief period during which it seemed maybe Republicans were moving on from the impeachment inquiry and potential impeachment of President Why would Joe they Biden, do that? they are back full force. And I really mean full force, where now Republicans are saying, we will almost certainly be impeaching Joe Biden in 2024. When we ask them why, the answers don't make any sense. Oh, yeah, we'll get to of course. That. There's nothing at all, David. That in a moment, but let's take no a look at a couple evidence. of clips. Here is Republican Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna telling Jesse Waters on Fox News she indeed expects that that impeachment is something that will happen in 2024. I do believe that in my time in Congress for the 118th Congress, I will be taking a vote on impeachment, and that's going to be against Joe Biden. When do you think the time frame for that's going to be? Well, I think Speaker Johnson is exactly equipped to lay that out, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be at the beginning of next year. All right. Now, uh, she says likely impeachment of Biden at the beginning of 2024. Remember that if through some insane situation they impeached Biden in the House and then convicted him in the Senate and removed him, then you get President Kamala Harris. I don't know how many of these people believe that if they were to do that, Trump becomes president or, or, or maybe I, I don't know what they think would happen. Uh, but then you just have President Kamala Harris. And of course, um, can, in 2024, there's still going to be a Republican Senate, a Democratic Senate, rather, which I can't imagine is going to vote to convict Joe Biden on impeachment, particularly when there's really no evidence against no him. Evidence. this continued last night. Sean Hannity hosted a room full of Republican members of the House of Representatives. Really weird, really weird. And he asked for a show of hands. Do you believe we are heading towards impeaching Joe Biden? And basically the entire room raised its hands. Let's take a look. Let me continue. Let me scan the room. How many of you think that that's where this is headed? Please raise your hand. <laughs> wow. The whole room. Just about everybody in the room raises their hand and says, I believe we are heading towards the impeachment of Joe Biden. Now, to Hannity's credit, I guess. He did sort of get into the question of like, why would you impeach Joe Biden? What has Joe Biden done that is impeachable? And it was a pretty funny moment where James Comer held up those two checks from when Joe Biden wasn't even president that involved the repayment of a family loan. Like it's, it's, it's not evidence of any wrongdoing. And also they're dated from when Biden was not president. After holding those up, James Comer seems to suggest that Biden was involved in bribery, a claim, you know, Bribing someone with their own money by returning their money to them is really weird. It certainly doesn't sound like a crime. That's for sure. Guys, to yeah, it's I mean, just a loan. It's not a problem. This family, the crimes that they've is committed, it, is, is, it it is it just money laundering? Or what do you call it when you get paid for something well, if, if like you get, that? Well, you, 
it looked Shout like. Shout it out if you know right. the answer. Right, bribery. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know. Bribery. Bribery. Folks, they have no evidence. Of yeah, guys, no evidence at all. Every single time. 40 years in public office and they just can't find the evidence yeah. against Joe. Just Biden. like there's no evidence of the election being stolen. There's zero COVID deaths. David pretends there's zero COVID-19 vaccine deaths. No one has died from the vaccine. It's really a stunning situation. Yeah, totally. stunning. I am starting to think. Call me crazy. I'm starting to think Joe Biden may not have done anything worthy of impeachment. I know that that sounds nuts. I know it sounds nuts, but it's possible that the simplest explanation is the correct one, which is they can't find the evidence, not because it's been covered up, not because it's been destroyed, not because Biden is involved in some genius criminal conspiracy, despite being demented and not knowing what day it is, according to these very same Republicans. That's not why there's no evidence. There's no evidence because the evidence doesn't exist. Yeah, guys, because the evidence doesn't exist at all. There's nothing on Hunter Biden's laptop. There's no eyewitnesses. There's definitely no eyewitness named Tony Bobolinsky. No, it's not, none of it's happening. He didn't actually do anything wrong. Didn't actually Will they do impeach him wrong. in 2024? I don't know. Let me know what you think. All right. This uh, shock poll RFK at 22% in three-way race. stunning new poll has Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in a three-way race against Donald Trump and Joe Biden polling 22%. It's a good poll, but it's only one poll, and it's also a year before the election. So with those caveats in mind, this is an extraordinary situation. Let's take a look uh, at the poll. Quinnipiac University did something interesting. They did a three-way poll, Biden, Trump, RFK Jr., and they did a four way poll, Biden, Trump, RFK Jr., Cornell West. Let's take a look at the numbers when it's just Biden versus Trump. That's the, that's actually the bottom one here. And hopefully this this will be clear when it's Biden versus Trump. Quinnipiac poll, sixteen hundred registered voters. It's Biden plus one Biden, 47 Trump, 46. But of course, that leaves seven percent of the electorate out of that doesn't yet know what they're going to do. When you add Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Joe Biden's lead grows from one to three, 39, 36, with Kennedy coming in at 22 percent, taking a little more support from Trump than he takes from Joe Biden. And then when you make it a four way race with Cornell West, what you see is Biden and Trump back to a one point difference, Biden plus one. Kennedy drops from 22 to 19 and Cornell West gets 6%. Now, if I were a betting man and you know that I'm not, if I were a betting man, I would bet if West and Kennedy stay on the ballot until November of 2024, I bet Kennedy doesn't get 22 nor 19% and I bet Cornell West doesn't get 6% either. That's just how I would bet if I were a betting man, which I'm not. But the most important takeaway here, the most important takeaway is that what initially was an RFK Jr. primary challenge to Joe Biden that was welcomed by Republicans because they expected that it would hurt Joe Biden more than Donald Trump has done a 180. Notice that since Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said, I'm no longer running as a Democrat, I'm now running as an independent. He was on Fox News with Sean Hannity, where Sean Hannity did a hit job. 
And then Fox News barely ever talks about RFK. I don't think he's been on for another interview. Why? Because Republicans, Fox News, the machine of the Republican Party now recognize he's going to take more votes from Trump than he is from Biden. And if Robert F. Kennedy stays in this race from now until November, I believe that if he takes more votes from anybody, it will be from the Republican nominee. The ceiling is there with the Democratic voters. If anybody was interested in what was being offered by RFK Jr. when he ran as a Democrat, they would have already said, I'm voting for RFK instead of Biden. Now he's not even running as a Democrat. On the other hand, Republican voters seeing a beleaguered Trump, maybe they wanted Pence and Pence drops out, for example, <laughs> which is what happened. A lot of that Pence support. Yeah, man, they gotta gotta get that Pence support. Oh, that's gonna matter might say, yeah. I don't really want to go to Trump by default, right. but hey, look, RFK. So the Pence people are going to go to RFK. Oh, that makes sense, especially when he talks about reparations. They like that. He's anti-vax and he yeah. says other crazy things I like. Maybe I'll go to RFK Jr. Yeah, so I believe that, that RFK has hit his ceiling when it comes to Democratic voters. I don't believe he has hit it when it comes to Republican voters. This is very bad for Republicans. Yeah. Now, one other interesting uh, thing here. There's a Politico article that I recommend to you. It's from uh, yesterday and it's called RFK Jr.'s donor data reveals his 2024 threat. The whole article is worth reading, but there's one particular paragraph which is as follows. Though both parties insist Kennedy will be a non-factor, there is clear anxiety about his potential impact, especially among Republicans. An analysis of Kennedy's campaign donations shows why his large dollar donor base has a clear Republican lean that fits within limited polling, suggesting Kennedy might draw more support from Republican leaning voters. They are now running scared. Yeah. What was all fun and games? Yeah, yeah. RFK, they should let him debate. And yeah, the they're totally running scared. He's not running a primary. Mm -hmm. It was all fun and games until RFK said, hey, you know what, instead of running as a Democrat, I'm going to run as an independent. And certainly part of that decision was informed by seeing these numbers and knowing these numbers and realizing, you know, I may be limiting myself by running as a Democrat because there are Republicans who might like my message but would not consider voting for a Democrat. So this is potentially significantly problematic for Republicans. We're going to continue following the polling. What Whatever you say, Bagels Fagman. All right, now they're claiming that Trump is being a socialist. Um, oh, let's do this. This is fun. Oh, 12? Yeah. Be okay. back in a minute. <laughs> exactly. Charlie Kirk tweeted this out, which leads me to believe that this is one of the Charlie Kirk projects. You know, Charlie Kirk, he's now, how old is this guy? It's got to be like 33 at least. He's the world's oldest college uh, student. But 30 he's, going on 19. He's, he's actually the world's uh, oldest pre-college freshman because he, I don't think he, I think he dropped out of college. He, uh, he forgo, he, for, he, he decided not to go to college in this because I think, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, some funder basically said, hey, do propaganda for me. Yeah. Foster, Foster Freeze. Foster Freeze. Yep. Was it Foster it Freeze? Was Foster Are you sure? Yeah, I'm not sure, sure about that. When it, 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 it was a different, I think it was a different billionaire that he, oh, uh, but you're right. Bill Montgomery. It was Bill Montgomery and, uh, Bill Montgomery, of course, passed and then, uh, coronavirus yes and uh and uh charlie kirk of course was uh key in um in getting um uh carrie lake 
uh, elected uh-huh. in Arizona. Senator Carrie Lake? Yeah. Oh, wait. Well, uh, no, no. Now she's a senator. Governor, governor right. Yeah. Now she's getting, she's on for round when two. When she wins the Senate, she's going to have to renounce her governorship unless she wants Charlie to Charlie Kirk it's hard to be was and at the instrumental <laughs> in making sure that Carrie Lake won the youth vote <laughs> in Arizona. Yeah, got a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> And, to lose. Yeah. And I say that, uh, yes, you know, I, you don't need to correct me. I know that uh, that uh, actually Arizona, the youth vote went uh, against uh, Trump and Carrie Lake more than in any other place. And that was his central country. focus, Arizona. And that was his central focus. So he messed that up. Also, Foster Freeze was in there early with donations as well. There you go. But uh, there's a new idea that's floating around. And this is so close, ladies and gentlemen. But I like the idea of taxation to provide free education. Now, in this instance, it's really more taxation to provide a fake education. Uh, but uh, Donald Trump is here sort of like offering a Trump University meets Prager University, but for free. In recent weeks, Americans have been horrified to see students and faculty at Harvard and other once respected universities <laughs> expressing support for the savages and jihadists who attacked Israel. We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists <laughs> and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's time to offer something Dramatically I'll tell you something. Uh, my kid has been in college now for uh, two months, uh, starting in September, actually late August. And she came back uh, for a weekend and it was like she was so supportive of so many different mm. dimensions. Sympathizing mm-hmm. with eight different dimensions. At she the was like, time. I'm in favor of the fourth dimension and the third dimension. Also, the dimensions that uh, group that uh, was uh, came out of the Motor City, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, Motown, mm-hmm. uh, the dimensions. Her eyes rolled in the back of her head. She's yeah. like, I'm, uh, oh, another dimension I'm in touch with. <laughs> it's so many dimensions. Uh, and you caught her just writing death to America over and over again in her she, notes. That's true. <sighs> yeah. The indoctrination works so quickly. The indoctrination works so quickly. Um, but I love how the idea of like a whole idea of like a free education is not a function of providing education, but to uh, make sure that people aren't becoming uh, communists. But and terrorists. ...and jihadists who attacked Israel. We spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions. We can't let this happen. It's time to <laughs> offer something dimensions. dramatically different. Under the plan I'm announcing today, we will take the billions and billions of dollars that we will collect by taxing, fining, and suing excessively large private university endowments. And we will then use that money to endow a new institution called the American Academy. Its mission will be to make a truly world-class education available to every American free of charge and do it without adding a single dime to the federal debt. This institution will gather an entire universe of the highest quality educational content covering the full spectrum of human knowledge and skills and make that material available to every American citizen online for free. 
whether you want lectures or ancient histories or an introduction to financial accounting or training in a skilled trade. Pause it for one second. Will- now, there is reason to be skeptical <laughs> of Donald Trump offering a course in financial accounting. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> should just, there should be a little bit of an asterisk there. May not be applicable to New York State. That's the one thing that you may not want to uh, your 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 financial accounting degree may not be applicable to New York State based yeah. upon what's going on in a or you uh, just take courtroom. the course and remember opposite 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 exactly. every time you hear yes. the clap yeah. don't do this yeah. all my favorite Learn colleges, from my mistakes I love how all my favorite colleges they talk about the educational content they uh, provide oh online. so much content so much all right go back just a little bit for free. Whether you want lectures or ancient histories or an introduction to financial accounting. I pause it for one second. I'm sorry. Just so that you know, lectures is the way that this information is uh, is is communicated in some instances. It's not a course in and of itself. (laughs) Whether you want lectures and then the other subjects. Lectures or ancient history or or financial accounting. I'm not. Yeah, I'm really. I got my homework for intro to lectures. (laughs) We're learning there are, and I didn't know this, but you can do a 15-minute lecture, <laughs> or you can do a 30-minute yeah, lecture. Cicero, a lot of you people say do, he did the first lecture. You can do any <laughs> length of lecture. And uh, tomorrow, next week, we're, uh, we're studying how many people need to be listening. For- who, who was that uh, r- ridiculous tranny? She said this is the smartest show. This is the most intelligent show. I mean, it is true. This is... Uh, the most intelligent show uh, when it comes to AIDS commie propaganda um, in a sea of retards they are the the king of the retards for it to be a lecture you can tell Trump uh, really paid attention at Penn let's go <laughs> every American citizen online for free whether you want lectures or ancient histories or an introduction to financial accounting or training in a skilled trade, the goal will be to deliver it and get it done properly using study groups, mentors, industry partnerships, and the latest breakthrough in computing. This will be a truly top-tier education option for the people. It will be strictly non-political, and there will be no wokeness. The the latest breakthrough in computing. We'll be using computers. Uh, This is, and we'll we'll actually, uh, the World Wide Web will also be using for this. Quantum computing, how to do real estate fraud. <laughs> Go back a little bit, and God, they're doing this like um, off camera. Sam's shot favorite thing. shot. This is it. It's as long as they're not doing filmmaking. Uh, this uh, this won't bother me. Latest breakthrough in computing. This will be a truly top tier education option for the people. It will be strictly non political, and there will be no wokeness or jihadism allowed. None of that's going to be allowed. Most importantly, the American Academy will compete directly with. Go back because they had to cut away. You know that it's just going like no wokeism, no jihadism, none of that's going to be allowed. No, no jihad 101. Oh woke, God, wokeism 101. No wokeism lectures. Gosh, my, none of that. My they, jihadism degree from Lafayette is totally useless they, now. Honestly, <laughs> they, they cut away from this because you know he was just like freestyling here. Go ahead. 
political and there will be no wokeness or jihadism allowed. None of that's going to be allowed. Most importantly, the American <laughs> Academy will compete directly with the existing and very costly four-year university system by granting students degree credentials that the U.S. government and all federal contractors yeah, gonna love that. will henceforth recognize. For the sure. Academy will award the full and complete equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Sure. In addition to help the 40 million Americans... I got my bachelor's degree in lecturism. Yeah, <laughs> I learned about lectures. Have you seen the worthless retard degrees that, that your side uh, gives out? What are you kidding me? So can I get a uh, work for you federal contractor? Because if you have a lecture project, I would be your expert <laughs> because that's what I got my bachelor's degree in lectures. A uh, little uh, bar quiz for you. How many people do you need? to be watching for it to be a lecture. Take a guess. Yeah. I don't have a degree in lecture. That is a trick question. Because <laughs> you don't need anyone to see it. Uh, if you're giving a lecture, you can record a lecture just into a video camera or a computer. Wow. I love this idea that these, that whatever degree they let you print out after you watch a certain number of hours of, of real estate uh, flipping videos, uh, that bosses and that you apply for jobs are going to be like, oh yeah, this is just as good as Stanford to me. I mean, wh wh I, you love the idea. This was Trump's idea for Trump University. That he's just I like, mean, to I mean, be honest with you, this is sort of what the private university system is. Right. And, um, the only uh, difference is, of course, this is free, so that's good. Um, the uh, private university systems, if you go onto their website and uh, look at the data in terms of like how many jobs it gets you two years out, five years out, I mean, because that's presumably really what it's about. Yeah. You will see that the answer is not there. For some strange reason, these are very data-driven uh, institutions, and they don't give you the one key piece of data that uh, would uh, justify their existence. Because they're not there, like, their mission is not to create, uh, you know, better citizens. <laughs> it, their mission is almost explicitly for, and largely for, um, uh, for African-American women who are in the workforce feel like they've hit a uh, threshold in terms of what they can't get past without a degree. Uh, but it's unclear whether or not these actually end up helping. Anyways, uh, back to Professor Trump. The Academy will award the full and complete equivalent of a bachelor's degree. In addition to help the 40 million Americans who have some college education, but no degree, the American Academy will grant credit <laughs> for past coursework at legacy institutions and give you the chance to complete your education at the American Academy for free and much more quickly than is now possible or available. This will be a revolution in higher education and will provide life-changing opportunities for tens of millions of our citizens. Enjoy it, learn from it, and thank you. And thank you. And thank you. Um, I mean, the thing I like about this is that there is an awareness that we need a free education option for every American yeah. in the country. Mm -hmm. And now, 
Preferably not one you can speed through by watching online videos and then get a printout degree. Well, but, yes. I'm, I think that we should have a, a conversation about what the most effective way of, not the most cost-effective way necessarily, right. but the most effective way to educate people and give them a real um, uh, a, a competitive education. Not just in terms of jobs, but like competing with like, uh, you know, uh, the other functions of the reason why we have higher education. And I love the idea that Charlie Kirk and Donald Trump uh, and conservatives are coming around to the idea that we should be taxing. Mm. Uh, first of all, I like the idea of a tax, a, a, a taxing endowments. Um, and uh, I would also even like... Uh, question like maybe there's also ways of like saying like you know if you get your endowment and you own uh, this amount of property over a certain amount uh then we start to actually you 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 your tax-free status um has a threshold let's put it that way i think that's a great idea right and i also think that we could also get a lot of money from uh, some billionaires uh because it's not that expensive to provide free or near free college in every state in the country yep it was yeah. like the equivalent to one of the military budget increases under the trump administration you could pay for that on an annual basis like in terms of programs implemented look medicare for all that's a much a much move on to the next one so they have constantly uh called conservatives racist and every name under the book anti-semites or every name in the book um so now they are complaining that the ADL is conflating people who are anti-Zionist with anti-Semitism. Oh, this I've... you don't like it when it's done to you, do you? Oh, that's a shame. Sounds very anti-Semitic. This I find personally offensive, and it's also subjectively false. This is part of the problem, at least, and I, again... I don't think this is uh, fundamentally driving U.S. policy. There may be other things, uh, or there certainly are other things. Christian Zionism in this uh, country has become a uh, very uh, strong political force. Um, the geopolitics associated with it are uh, a force, although to me, frankly, it's unclear what the geopolitical value of this type of relationship with Israel is, um, who knows? Maybe it's just waiting for that uh, Ben-Gurion um, uh, canal going through the Negev and winding its way around uh, Gaza. There, there's a whole host of reasons why um, the Biden administration is doing what they're doing, and maybe just they're stuck in some type of like um uh, you know alternate universe in terms of geopolitics never mind the sort of complete absence of, uh, of moral authority but one of the things that provides cover for these decisions is a guy like jonathan greenblatt uh ceo of the anti-defamation league and um there is real anti-semitism in the world there is um certainly growing anti-semitism that did not uh, just appear in the past uh, month it grew during uh the trump years yep um 
the synagogue massacre in oh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Without a doubt. I mean, we have footage from just October from uh, the 23rd of, of Nazis out in front of um, a uh, uh, a synagogue in what was it? Was it in Montana that theoretically should be all over the news? But instead, it's some college kids who are protesting against Israel's attacking of Palestinians. Boo hoo. Boo hoo. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. That are. If this guy wants to um, pay attention to something, they, we'll, we'll play that clip after this. But here is uh, Jonathan Greenblatt arguing something that is, you know, incredibly offensive. <laughs> Not only have we had anti-Zionist Jews on this program, um, uh, certainly I could be uh, considered anti-Zionist Jew uh, by some. I think that's not, I uh, wouldn't have too much of a problem with that description. But um, certainly there are plenty, not to mention extremely religious Jews oh, yeah. who believe that Zionism and Judaism are diametrically opposed because you're not supposed to have Israel until the Messiah comes. I don't subscribe to that. Um, but there are many young, I would say, Jews as well, who are a part of these Jewish Voice for Peace protests. Younger folks are trending in the direction of being much more skeptical of and critical of Israel. Or having less just uh, affinity for. Yeah. We hosted an anti-Zionist Israeli Jew on oh, yes. this program uh, yeah. a week or two ago. But here is uh, Jonathan Greenblatt to tell us that we're wrong. About what's going to happen to us right here in this country. Jonathan, you and I spoke for a special that we did last year on growing anti-Semitism in America, and you described the, uh, ant the extremism on the right as like uh, like a hurricane or, or a tornado and some kind of uh, event that happens very quickly and you can see it. And the anti-Semitism on the left more like climate change, which is slow and growing. How would you describe it now? And do you think that this is a left-right well, issue at this point? Look, it's clear that the hardened anti-Zionists from the far left are the photo inverse of the white supremacists from the far right. And I mean, there is no argument anymore that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. I, mean, I mean, that is as plain as day. And to think that extremism only comes from one side of the spectrum is a joke. So when I used to say that the heart, the, the anti-Semitism from the left, Dana, was like climate change, getting worse and worse, and it could create the conditions in which storms could happen, this is that Category 5 hurricane. When Jewish people are being told to avoid kosher dining halls because other students want to, quote, slit their throat, look, Dana, this is a moment of accountability, not just for universities, which, by the way, are failing the test. This is a moment of accountability for America. No one should think that it is permissible because you don't like policies in the Middle East to threaten violence and incite hate against your Jewish neighbors, your Jewish friends, your Jewish classmates. I have got to say, this is a moment. This is not a moment just for Jews. This is a moment for everyone in America to say time out. All right. I, I mean, the, the problem is that and obviously I'm not in favor of anti-semitism uh it not only endangers me and my children but uh, death threats should be uh, followed up on by campus administrators without a doubt yes but to argue that being anti-zionist and anti-semitic is inarguably the same thing is just simply 
a lie and disingenuous and completely um completely delegitimizes this guy and um i hope doesn't but i can't see how it wouldn't delegitimizes his other concerns the idea that as a jew i cannot disagree with the notion that a uh, a state can exist as a religious state and uphold democratic values um the idea that somehow that's an anti-semitic perspective is just simply wrong and it's it is uh it delegitimizes in my mind anybody who says it i'm not saying that you you necessarily like i people can be zionist but uh the idea that uh i as a jew or that anyone as a non-jew can't say i i don't think that a state that is trying to uphold the religious purity of that state the religious domination of that state isn't fundamentally undemocratic and also you know creates violence we see that in the context of the theocracy in iran um it is not a natural you see it in terms of the oppression in places like saudi arabia frankly their human rights violations we see it in the context of the taliban in afghanistan um and it's almost definitionally has to be oppressive in one form or another and sometimes it becomes you know sort of like well we just have a second tier of citizens uh who don't get to vote and don't have rights and then there's moments where it's also and then also we have to kill a bunch of people yeah i mean it's uh theocracy works hand in hand with ethno-nationalism right um and i guess in the instance of israel like it's difficult to discern where one begins and the other one ends at this point because netanyahu is i would say just a straight-up fascist uh but he's also upheld by religious fundamentalists who um are a part of his coalition i'm curious sam if you feel that because i i'm not jewish so i can't really say but i've heard other people point this out that the consistent kind of push by zionists like that guy from the adl there to uh, assign a fealty to a foreign government that you may or may not have a connection with um and saying that that is inherently a part of one's identity and the actions taken need to be a part of one's identity i could argue or some could that that is anti-semitic in and of itself would you think that do you think that there's i'm not sure i follow that just the fact that there are voices like that essentially saying that Jew, jews in america need to be we're in lockstep with a government that they may Jews. not have any connection with in Israel. It's painting people with very broad brushes that isn't taking into account different identities and different perspectives in the Jewish community. I mean, I don't know that that's anti-Semitic. I, I, I don't think like what, what he's saying, Greenblatt is saying is anti-Semitic in and of itself. Uh, but I just think that it's it's just simply wrong. 
uh, Rotten the Pig says, if you're not anti, you're not anti-Zionist if you believe that Israel has a right to exist. Do you believe Israel has a right to exist? I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, how? I, I mean, well, no, no. Like, I, I, I believe Israel has a right to exist. I just don't think it can exist as a Jewish state as opposed to a democratic one. Like, I mean, am I, I think, you know, you're, and, and, and I think we're going to, we'll, we'll probably have a guest on in this in terms of like, you know, um, the definition of Zionism is sometimes can be a little bit like sort of evasive. Mm. Um, I don't know that I've ever really considered myself anti-Zionist per se. Um, but if being a Zionist is to support Israel as it is currently configured, fundamentally so, that we have a tier of second-class citizens and then also maintaining, uh, an, uh, you know, a, a what is now appears to be a permanent occupation, if not annexation, then yes, I am an anti-Zionist. Mm -hmm. um, oh, but I don't think, like, I don't think that Israel should disappear. I don't think that they're like, but... Um, or even like, yeah, we don't advocate for people being removed. What we want is, I, I think, what like Pappy and a lot of people, uh, Jeff Halper of the Israeli Committee Against Housing Demolition, they say one state, democratic. And like, I personally am like, yeah, if we can help that and, you know, fund peace in this, which is what the original project should have been, except the world was too nationalistic at that time to really exactly. do that. Yes. Um, and we were too obsessed with borders. I mean, India was being partitioned at the same time. Like th That's the world that this was formed in. If we could go back in time and say, yes, we're going to make, but we're not going to be expelling anybody because of demographics right. um, and things like that, then I, I, all, all the money we've spent to Israel to like actually create a state that's safe for both Jewish people and Palestinians would be great. Yeah, I mean, when people ask the question, does Israel have the right to exist? Of course, of course it does. Of course, people in Israel have the right to safety, of course, like because it does exist and because people live there. That's why they have the right, because saying that it w doesn't exist would mean expelling what nine million israelis that live there no no no. the point though is that does it have the right to exist in a in a way that is a permanent apartheid state and an occupation where there's 2.4 million people plus that have no rights like don't right have rights of movement don't have rights to drive on certain roads only israelis have those that right don't have rights over their water supply over their electricity over their futures and, and i mean no it, the, israel does have a right to exist and should exist because it does but it, it needs to also include the rights of palestinians that is the central question here and so when people ask that question oftentimes they're asking does it have the right to exist in an exclusive in an exclusion or exclusionary way and I would say that that is a violation of international law in the way that it has been uh, conducting its business. All right. So it's OK when when they call people anti-Semitic, but they do not like it when they are called anti-Semitic. All right. Let's get to some breaking news here. Some uh, one second. 
refresh this. All right, breaking news from the internet. Let me, I think this was, all right, one second. Yeah, there we go. We have um, Implosive Critter says Gavin's breakdown of Katie Hopkins versus that Adam dipshit is a must is a must watch. Yeah, Adam was a real bitch. It's on YouTube. Let me put this on uh, Brave. Um, yeah, Adam was really just being a bitch on this one. It's just uh, it's just no good, and she destroys him. She absolutely destroys this guy. The reason I wanted to green screen this is because so much of it is metaphorical, is, is a microcosm of the troubles we have here uh, in debates and in, in thought in general, in modern Western philosophy, which is what we're all doing these days, right? Uh, they, they don't understand who they're talking to. Anyway, take it away. You know what you're saying? You're shocked. Go back to the beginning. Like uh, but I, I hear you on that. Yep. Quick thought for you. Um, we're living in an attention economy. Scott, Eyeballs are it's not a quick thought. He goes on and on and on with this question. And I resent this hypothesis. Oh, you're just doing it for clicks. Like every time people find out that I know Ann Coulter, they go, how much of what she says is just for shock value? And how much does she actually believe? And I always say the same thing back. What sentence from what book or what speech or what interview are you talking about? And I'll tell you. And the answer truly is none of it is for shock. What does that mean? Shock value. If the only people doing that kind of shit are these lame TikTok YouTuber, you know, Zoomers who go to Japan and slap someone on the side of the head or like that guy in Britain. What's his name? Who? Who, who runs into people's houses with his friends. Like, that's clearly just for clicks. The guy who gave out a PlayStation in Union Square and had it all shut down, that whole generation, and that's really obvious. But people like Katie Hopkins, she just says stuff for clicks? No, she's legit. And when you're doing this for as long as we have, like I started in media in 1994, you think I'm going to be doing a guy for decades and decades and decades of just pretending to have these values like when Stephen Colbert was doing that uh, Hannity parody who's got the time and the energy to be lying for decades so stupid low IQ hypothesis right out of the gate everything these days and kudos to you because you're a brilliant talker you know what you're saying you're a shock jock like you're a howard stern-esque type person what? and what? some of the things you say are hyperbolic some of the things you say are true not everything is everything for you um, not I'm everything is you. everything for you what he's trying to kiss her ass which is this really lame debate tactic where you get someone's defenses low and then you jab them what percentage are you saying just to, as a comedian, to be hyperbolic and just to kind of throw percent? stuff out there? And what stuff is actually factual and true? So, for instance, I have a phone in my hand. This is a phone. And you can Thank Google you. things with a phone. So, um, Volodymyr Zelensky, a couple quick points. He's the same height as your boy Putin. They're both 5'7". He's not 5'4". Putin isn't exactly a giant, okay? That's one. Number two. Stop. I don't give two shits about... So... So he's got this hit list of things that she said. And she said she was insulting Zelensky. And during the insults, she talked about his height. I guess she got it wrong. Or because Putin is short too, then her list of insults are irrelevant now because other people in the world are short. 
with the Muslims in the UK. But a quick Google search will show you that Muslims' population will double by 2030, apparently, and go from 6.3% to 17% by 2050. Okay, stop. Google, Katie. This is Google, Katie. We're going to double. The rapes are going to double. I've Googled it. The number one problem with journalism and research here is people just Google shit and they think that's some sort of magical thing. You have to actually intimately know. Reading a book is a great way to know, especially, uh, what's it called, Londonistan? That's a good book. Yes, overall, when you're including rural Scotland and Northern Ireland, yes, it is only that, what is it, six five five or six percent however there are dense populate like why do i have to even explain this there are dense populations as in tommy robinson's home that is gone i don't care thirdly i just googled pictures of uk police officers with guns apparently they got a lot of guns Stop. so my question to apparently, you is apparently i they've got a lot of guns the british police have a lot of guns so let's just recap here. Zelensky's short, but so are other people. There's barely any Muslims in Britain, and the police have guns. Dude, like, write about what you know, dude. What percentage of what you're saying is hyperbolic, getting eyeballs, respect, we live in that kind of world now, versus actually factual and true? Okay, uh, let's go from the start there you showing me what a phone is and saying this is a phone no. that isn't really the way to start an argument because that's to assert that i'm stupid and don't know what Correct. a phone is well you're assuming we're stupid because we can't google things that you say as a fact would you like me to answer what you just sure said, go or ahead you're going to talk over me we could do either one i could go either way so so he assumes that katie's wrong about those three things and that's insulting you like the arrogance of this guy. I hope I never meet him. It really deeply irritates me. Is it? Yeah, go ahead. So starting off on that kind of tone, I don't think is necessary. You then go to your phone and say, I can Google this like you've got the biggest penis on the planet. Where you might you have the biggest penis on the planet. Will you shut the Darling, I've got bigger balls than Caitlyn Jenner. I, I <laughs> so, actually uh, believe you, Katie. I actually believe you. But go ahead. Quite, you're so bad at listening. And then when you stop talking, you say, go ahead for just a moment in time. You can Google anything. Why don't you Google my name and see what it says on Wikipedia? Because you'll find out that I'm both a monster, uh, that I'm bankrupted, that I have no uh, background or backbone. You'll find out that I've ba- bedded everybody in the UK. Many of those things won't actually be true. So just because you Googled something, mm-hmm. that doesn't really make you You know what's great about this, darling. too? Not only is she about to tear him a new ass and go through all those points, but she's also training him to do a better job. She's explaining why he sucks at his job. In the future, don't come out of the gate patronizing people because you might be wrong. And then you look stupid being sarcastic about something that you were not correct about. So just because you Googled something, Mm -hmm. that doesn't really make you Elon Musk, Mm -hmm. darling, does it? It just means maybe you can use one or two of your hands, probably at one side of your hand more than the other. It's had more (laughs) practice. You then talk about... Right, as if that's a fact because you read it and that's a misinterpretation of itself isn't it because just because you read it on google doesn't make it true my flower pot does it and then you also talk about the fact this old statistic muslim six percent walk with me my flower walk with me through london through leicester through birmingham through bradford and walk with me through minneapolis because you can call it six percent if you make that disparate in a population but in the cities where they cluster together you will find they have the majority it's why they have the power it's why we have 
have a Muslim mayor. It's why we have a Muslim housing association. It's why we have a Muslim police association. And it's why we have Sharia law. So they've taken over the top brass of the entire country. When I was last there, I met Tommy Robinson's pals. They're all moving to Northern Ireland. Now, Northern Ireland hates Brits. So they'd rather feel the threat of the IRA or whatever the new one's called, they feel safer in Belfast than they do in their hometowns. That's how bad it is. Our cities. And finally, you managed to find a picture of a police officer with a weapon. Well done, darling. Have a gold star and do some more Googling. Maybe you could watch some Cartoon Network while we adults talk. Of course, there are armed response officers. I said that as part of my answer. But most police officers on the streets of the UK are not armed. Is that okay for you? Yes, my little flower pot. So here's the deal. Yeah, so, Hold on. And, You've and, managed. Yeah, you, you got three things. You only get one thing. She's been forced to answer your three things now. And how many videos, like, has this guy never heard of Britain before? How many videos have you seen of useless British Keystone cops wrestling with a dude who eventually gets away? How many terrorist attacks have they had where we couldn't do shit about it because our police aren't armed and we have to wait for the three guys with a gun to finally show up the the massacres that have gone on in britain because no one is armed how do you not know that the bobby with the truncheon well i don't even get his point is his point because there are some swat and some advanced things then that doesn't mean that cops have guns it's that's one of the dumbest things i've ever seen to be honest Wait, wait, this is totally breaking. Wait, you need to stop the business, stop valuetainment, because seriously, what he's done, he's Googled police officers and they're holding weapons, which which must make him right and me wrong. I literally came here to talk out my ass, but look what he's done, everybody. I think that deserves it. Come on, are they, join uh, Number one, thank okay. you, Tyler, for Googling well, it on your end. Well done. Katie, Katie. Yeah, so, well done. He's still I, pushing that. He still thinks it's a good point. It seems as though... I mean, I could be wrong about this, but you just look at the reaction of Patrick, Bet, David, Vinny, and then the producer. It seems like they they don't seem to respect him. I don't think they should. He's a bitch. But it seems like they are laughing at this, and they're laughing at him, and uh, it's weird. It's like, I guess he's the Ian of the show. If you've ever seen the Tim Pool show, Ian is like this, like hippie who's completely like just gone and once in a while says something reasonable most of the time says shit that you're like what the fuck are you talking about probably would be a great person to get high with and trip with but you know when you're like in the middle of like a good conversation he generally derails i guess but the thing is is ian seems kind of like a nice guy a little sanctimonious i mean during the um during the um eliza blue thing he was a little unbearable that video he made when he was like, well, guys, I'm taking this time right now to, you know, I'm doing the work and I'm going to take a break now to talk to you. That was total cringe. Um, but um, but it doesn't strike me as a bitch. I wouldn't say Ian's a bitch. But Adam, Adam is an absolute bitch. Point. This is liberal thinking. This is what they do. You notice a pattern and they go, oh, really? And then they show you the exception that makes the rule. And they think it refutes your argument. When you get eyeballs, congratulations. You're good at that. Part of the problem why you probably piss people off is you have major masculine energy. So respect to you. So it's I know not you true. 
She's incredibly feminine. Calling someone a teapot is a very classy and British and feminine way of insulting them. Face. I'll rip your face off. That's masculine energy. She never threatens violence. She never th tells anyone she's going to kick the shit out of them. <laughs> Saying you're married, I don't know about that. I know you're saying that you've got your well, you family woman. It. Is he a tabloid? Like, what is he trying to do? Just he's, like personal attacks? He's, he's saying, I don't believe you that you're married? Doesn't even make sense. Like, <laughs> I don't even, who cares? Of all the allegations <laughs> to make, <laughs> no well, one would marry you. You're too ugly. I mean, he's not the one in the, whatever, the frontest thing we'll talk about later. You could do you I'm tired. But, but, but I'm Katie, tired. how can we trust Google, Katie? Why do you I'm using your word again. Touche. And by the way, Google is a tool. Answer you, beautiful. I was, I was Listen, trying to pull your little winky. I will. And you can Google my husband. I, you probably have a bigger than me, Katie. That, I don't know. That I'm will packing. Become, that will so it's okay. Now, <laughs> now he's saying you're too ugly to be married and you're a dude. That's that masculine energy because it's got nothing to do with what she's saying. So he's saying... That she's And by the way, she has a great sense of humor about her looks, and I've seen her do some talks, and she goes, Hello, first of all, I'm not Milo. Uh, if anyone was curious about that, that's back when she had short hair. And she goes, And I'm not Milo's mum. I guess so. It, yeah, but I don't know if we can trust Google, darling. I don't know. So you However, say, I, I know, what was your, what was the uh, point? The None point is, I'm giving you a compliment. Points. You're hyperbolic. You get eyeballs. Respect. I'm also saying Stop not saying that with now. You're hyperbolic. You get, you get views. Respect. Like, I respect that you're a good hustler. You're a good liar. You're good at clicks. You spew out there is accurate. Spew. What was the Wait, compliment? go back. Spew is a big one. He's a liberal. This guy has liberal DNA. Yep. Talking about giving off masculine energy, you're giving off liberal energy. Also saying not everything you spew out there is accurate. What was the compliment? That you get eyeballs and that you're okay. a good talker. No, I think if good you're around talker. for 15 nice or so years in the media, it would be, if you were spewing nonsense, you'd be caught out quite No, a lot. you'd probably be cancelled everywhere. And then where were you cancelled again? See, what? this is when is he... he so this was the moment where I was like, wow, he is a real fucking bitch. This is no different than like when DeSantis shills treat the um, indictments as like legitimate. So you're you're now acting as if because she was canceled, there was somehow validity to the cancellation. That makes you a total fucking bitch. What a bitch! Broke it. Did he just make an argument for cancel? I, I think he's trying to say she's lying about being canceled. Or that that's no, why she's saying she deserves to be canceled because he is again an absolute bitch. She got canceled because she is a liar, which is that. Would yeah, because be canceling is a really effective tool that that's always just. I'm literally canceled from countries. My okay. Darling. Well, is that a good thing? Are you proud of that? I am actually. Yes, okay. I am. Well, then kudos to you, Katie. I'm proud. You're of doing what deported. you want to do in life. I'm proud of being deported from Australia for going over there and calling out the tyranny of lockdowns. Respect. I'm proud of standing up for those Shut up people with your fake who had respect. that to them. What and the, you? the Australians needed you? Like they needed Katie? No, and that's something I always make Wait, very stop. You even Yes, they did need Katie. They needed a lot of people. They needed Rebel News. They needed, uh, what's his name? Avi Yamini. Yeah. They needed him. They, they desperately needed leadership back then and free speech and someone pushing against the tyranny. I think Australia and New Zealand should be pretty ashamed of their behavior during COVID. They were one of the worst. They were up there with Hong Kong. Been Australian? So which are you even American? Which question do you want me to answer? Both the first, of those. the second, there was yeah. three actually. Wait, go back. 
Are you even Australian? Are you even American? Are you even married? So what? I guess he thinks you you have to be Australian to go to Australia to give a speech about lockdowns being fucked up. This is just again bitch behavior. What is this guy's tactic? He's here? a retard. So, which he's, you- he's dumb. He's not like very good at argumentation, and he just strikes me as a person that's been given an errand. This isn't normal. This is not organic. It, it, it seems like he's been given talking points, and he was given an errand to tear her up. And uh, it didn't work, and he's not good at it. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it's like, it's just, uh, it just came off like a bitch. You even American? Which question do you want to ask? Are you even on the, the Australians needed you? Like they needed Katie? No, and yeah. that's something I always make very. Are you even Australian? So which are you even American? Which question do you want me to ask? Is he answer? broken? Are his batteries, did his battery pack get wet? What is he doing? The second there was yeah. three, actually. Are you quite- so I am not uh, American. I okay. am not Australian. Okay. I come over here because I'm a respectful foreigner and an outsider that cares about your country. So you're a globalist? No, I'm not a globalist. So you're a what? A globalist. Dude, he's an idiot. <laughs> oh he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Oh my God. This is Im- like He can't go to work. F- fuck this guy. They need to get him off the show. He doesn't bring anything to the show. He's annoying. Like, you got to move. Our buddy... My, my my pal Jeff, this is a long ass story, but my pal Jeff convinced this dude, Ted Shoemaker, I think his name was, that he's magic and he can do, he, he's been practicing voodoo. I think it started with a Ouija board and Ted was freaked out by it. You know, it makes sense now because I'm newer to the Patrick Bet David show and um, there have been a couple times in the past where Patrick was like real short with Adam and was like, he was like, don't derail the conversation. He's like, we're, we're staying on. And I just was like, man, he really uh, jumped down his throat. Now I totally get it. I totally understand it. And then he kept ramping it up going, dude, man, I, I'm getting I'm too powerful. Uh, it's like a curse. Like, I don't know. I opened this Pandora's box. It's a really long involved story. Maybe I'll call Jeff and get him to tell it uh, on the show. But anyway, Ted was screaming and crying at the end. They had this like ceremony thing with like a sat- satanic pentagram on the ground with candles and everything. Ted got so scared of what he believed to be Jeff practicing voodoo, which was all a prank, fake blood and everything, that uh, he started crying and pissed himself and ran home. And my buddy Curtis was like, uh, you got to move. Like, how can you possibly show your face? You started to cry and pissed your pants. I feel like this is the same. Like, how are you going to show your face again on this show? Globally. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, well, I'm just like, if you go and I, like I come to the United States and, and basically get involved in politics, or you go to Australia and get involved in politics. A, I'm not sure what you're doing. I'm not sure what you're doing. I'm asking you genuine questions. And C. You're a globalist? Damn. He doesn't know what a globalist is. Patrick is like, what? Look at his face. Bro, he realizes you have a problem on your hands. You have a guy that you're going to have to get rid of. You know it. You know it. Look, I could be wrong about this, but I think he has probably tried and tried and tried to get... And maybe maybe I'm completely wrong about this. Like I said, I'm newer to the show. I think he's tried, and it's just, you know, it's just not working out. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll stay on the show. Uh, I'm going to interrupt because I don't know what's happening Is this here. guy... A, he's wearing the t-shirt with the logo. Is he the, a regular? Yeah, it's him and uh, two other guys and a chick, I think. Is he on every show? He's, he's on... I think so. On the PBD podcast, I believe he's on like every show. Wow. He's one of the main guys. But like, 
she's talking to a select group of people who uh, appreciate that she wants to save the Western world from itself. And that makes you a, a globalist is the opposite. A globalist doesn't want Western values like free speech and grit and mobility and, and uh, meritocracy. They are against that. They want two classes, the elites, which is them, and then the hordes that eat bugs and rent and are debt slaves, which is the opposite of what so How could you not know what a globalist is if you're on this show? <laughs> I can't help but feel you're kind of angry, but I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the well, bed today. you just gutted him in front of everyone, and it's the second time this week that a woman gutted him because Anna Kasparian spilled his guts out in front of everybody. And I wish that didn't happen because I don't like her at all. I don't like her a little bit. She is a horrible person. Fuck Anna Kasparian. She completely destroyed him. Hey, maybe I, was, I had a, a British girlfriend that uh, you remind me of. I don't know. However, that's actually a true story. Yeah. I, I By the way, can we get him some Snickers yeah. bars? I'm okay. I know that's, I know get that's a Snickers true story. This morning. Yeah. I know that's a true story. Katie, I can feel that. Katie, here's what I genuinely believe. Her. Here's what I genuinely believe. I'm not your old I don't believe. You believe me. I date a lot hotter chicks than you. But here's what I do. Oh, again. So Damn. now we're getting back did to it. Did she say anything about that? <laughs> what a rude guy. Look thing. Like, You've got, you have a bigger than me you aren't married i don't believe that you're married i date we hotter chicks than you that's not how you argue that's that's how you argue with like an 18 year old boy in a bar this is not how you discuss things with an intellectual and especially on this show like i said i haven't seen every episode but like i've never seen a person on the patrick bet david show talk to a guest like this Maybe I would not classify it this way, but I, I would at least I guess you could argue Vinny going off on Steve Schmidt. But I think Steve Schmidt deserved every bit of that. I think that was 100 percent righteous. So I would not I would not categorize. It. I mean, I, I yeah, I've never seen anyone treat a guest like this on the Patrick Bet David show before. Um, like I said, maybe if I'm trying to be objective, you could argue Vinny yelling at Steve Schmidt. But I think he deserved that. But let's say, but, you know, uh, in general, it just doesn't happen, even when they have adversarial people over there. I mean, this is like, you know, I guess when Patrick Bet David was, but he wasn't, Patrick Bet David wasn't directly insulting David Pakman. He was just destroying him because David Pakman was doing his underhanded gaslighting, passive aggressive stuff. And he thought that Patrick wouldn't catch on to it. And he caught on to it immediately and then embarrassed him in front of everyone. But so, I mean, maybe, maybe it's happened a few times, but this is just, it's just so unnecessary. It's just, uh, he's just, he's so clearly on the losing end of this. He's lost his way. And now he's like, I date chicks that are hotter than you. Like, what's wrong with you, dude? What, what is your problem? Like, it's just, just <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? Email. I date way hotter chicks than you. Talk about an elevated discourse. What the hell does... <laughs> That's not how you speak to a woman. That's not how you speak to an elder. He's a it's brat. It's like stupid. Yeah. I believe. You actually are a, a person that knows what they're doing. You're not an idiot. You've been confronted before. You confront a lot of people. You've been you anti-liberalist, anti-multicultural, anti-fat, anti-immigrant. Anti-tattoos, sorry uh, to inform you, Vinny. She doesn't like you. You have tattoos. Okay. She doesn't so like you. You have tattoos. <laughs> and Coulter said to me once, she goes, 
The thing I don't get about you is the tattoos. Haven't you always had a, a high IQ? <laughs> or was it low for a while? <laughs> but a like, what a dumb thing to say that because she hates uh, tattoos, she's not going to talk to anyone with tattoos. And I hate when these people, what, they've, what he's done is he's Wikipedia'd her and he's read a bunch of shit. And then he has to go down and look at that to read it. But my so question is why? Why? And you could say, oh, you know, I'm conspiratorial because I'm always trying to like when I see shit that I don't think is organic, I I question, especially after that gray zone article. I'm like, is, is he is he an errand boy? Is he on an errand? Like, what's going on here? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Not only is he not familiar with globalists and Britain, he's not even familiar with his guest. Do some prep work. Listen, Katie, you're cry me a river. There's a tattoo on her. OK, there it is. <laughs> Katie. She has a tattoo on her bum. Katie, I've taken a lot of heat before. I can take it. Are you saying that you can't take heat, Katie? You take heat all the time. You give heat. How about some valid heat? It's a lot of noise coming off you. I stopped listening. Katie, I hear a lot of noise. You just sound a little more proper than me, Katie. Uh -uh. But we're all just talking noise here. You're making a bit of a thing of yourself, sweetie. Just I mean, he's done. I'm never looking at that person again. Yeah, like... The show, the show is good. I do like the show, but Adam is just the drag. He's like weighing it down. Uh, it's just like the rest of them are fine. Patrick, but David does a great job. Um, uh, Vinny, no problem with Vinny. The older guy that does the financial stuff seems like a reasonable person. But uh, anyway, I mean, look, have one who you want. If you want to have a co-host, that's a bitch. Maybe he's your friend. Well, you know, whatever. He's your friend. Be friends with who you want. If you want to have a friend on and he's your co-host and that's how it goes and he's a bitch, well, that's how it goes. We're going to have, it's going to be the Patrick Bet David show with a bitch. And the, the bitch is going to be on there. And like some of the days he's okay. Some of the days Adam is, is kind of okay. And then other days he's a total bitch like with uh, Katie Porter. But it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, okay. Now, this was sent uh, at the end of the last stream by Cobra. Was it Cobra? Right, because he had the comment about the... Uh... Yeah, definitely it was Cobra. Okay. This was um, something related to the uh, war. Let's go down here one second. Um, okay. Oh, this is a tweet from one of the guys that... I think it's a video from one of the guys that they're canceling right now because he has the wrong opinions about Israel. And it's coming from the right. The cancellation's coming from the right, which is fascinating because they're supposed to be against that. Oh, he's a former uh, uh, UFC guy. Okay, let's have a look here. I don't think people have any idea what's really happening in Gaza and why it is happening. A few weeks ago, right before this war in Gaza ignites, Netanyahu goes to the United Nations General Assembly and he holds up this map and declares his plan for a new Middle East. And people are going, what, what is this stupid line this guy's drawing with a red marker? What it is, is an economic corridor that stretches all the way from India to the United Arab Emirates, into Saudi Arabia, into Jordan, Israel, and then finally to the entire European continent. I mean, the United States at this point, seeing their influence starting to fade, seeing the relevance of the dollar uh, recede after they stole $300 billion from Russia. You have all these spooks in Washington and Tel Aviv, you know, running around desperately trying to counter BRICS and counter China's new Silk Road. And this is their answer. This is a rival 
to the new Silk Road. Remember, the ancient Silk Road is the largest, most important trade route in human history. This thing is enormous. It stretches all the way from China to Syria to the Mediterranean Sea. The Chinese know how important this thing is and they want to revive it. It is the future of world economics, trade and politics. Within the span of a few weeks, Iran and Iraq have signed a railway deal. So now you have a rail link for the new Silk Road. And President Assad of Syria, who the West have been trying to isolate for over a decade, is now visiting China, the world's largest economy, and signing a strategic partnership. This is pivotal. So now the new Silk Road has rail access all the way to the Mediterranean Sea through Syria's port in Latakia. So not just land, but maritime trade. This is crucial. And as enormous and important as all of this is, this is just one aspect. This is just one aspect. You still have the gas. How can we talk about the Middle East without talking about gas and oil? When the US instigated the Maidan coup in 2014, that wasn't just about NATO expansion and encirclement of Russia. This was about surrounding, controlling, and cutting off Russian gas to Europe. Russia is the country with the largest proven reserves of natural gas. Control Ukraine, and you control the pipelines that feed and supply Russian gas to Europe. For decades, you've had US politicians, Republican and Democrat, from every administration, openly saying on camera, we don't want Nord Stream. There will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. You want to have pipelines that don't go through Ukraine and Russia. Uh, for years, we've tried to get the Europeans to be interested in different pipeline routes. It's time to do that. You want to depend more on the North American energy platform, the tremendous bounty of oil and gas that we're finding in North America. Lo and behold, Nord Stream 1 and 2 are blown up. I mean, this is without question the most egregious the largest terrorist attack on European infrastructure in modern history. There are only three countries on this planet that can pull this off. They are Russia, Britain, and the United States. And let me tell you, it was not Russia. You combine that with the sanction packages from the European Union, banning Russian oil and gas. I mean, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. So now there's no more Russian gas coming into Europe. And just like that, the United States have achieved a long-standing foreign policy objective. Now, the only other country with enormous gas reserves, the second largest in the world, is Iran. Iran signed the nuclear deal in 2015 and 2016. They're complying in every way imaginable. The IAEA at the UN cannot be happier. And then the United States, you know, the guys who orchestrated the whole deal, go back on their word and they rip it up just like that and reimpose sanctions on Iran. So now Iran is barred from selling its oil and gas to Europe and others. So Russia and Iran, the two countries with the largest gas reserves are out of the picture. Then Israel, all of a sudden, proposed themselves as a solution to the European Union's gas shortages. Take our trilateral energy, for example, that we closed in June with Egypt and Israel. It has played an important role in our strategy to get rid of the Russian fossil fuels. How convenient. How convenient. In 2010, they conduct a geological survey and find this monstrous giant gas field in the Middle East. It's called the Leviathan, and it's in the Mediterranean Sea on the Levantine Basin. That means it's right off the coast of Palestine, Lebanon, Syria. Syria initially declines offers over its gas reserves and simultaneously refuses to lay pipes for a Qatari gas project. 
What a coincidence. Barely a year later, war breaks out in Syria. And who's funding it? Qatar and Israel and the United States are just some of the parties funding and running this war to overthrow the government in Damascus. Today, the United States control one third of Syria. They control all of Syria's oil fields and Israel is bombing Syria's most vital port, Latakia, on a regular basis. So they're cutting off all the oil revenue and destroying, crippling any maritime activity, such as trade, such as gas exploration. Another major port on the Levantine coast is in Beirut, which mysteriously explodes in 2020. And so Israel, proposing itself as a solution to Europe's gas shortages, shows up with an FPSO, this enormous gas extraction vessel, and tries stealing gas from Lebanon's Karish gas field. And, you know, this reignites a huge maritime border dispute. And Israel has to go and beg the United States to solve this diplomatically because Hezbollah said, if you steal one cubic inch of our gas, we will fire our missiles on your ship. Now we come to Gaza. Gaza also has its own unexplored gas field. Gaza is also a concentration camp run by the Israelis. And it's been under siege by Egypt and Israel under naval blockade since 2007. I mean, you can't even fish properly, let alone extract gas. And so now the Lebanese, the Syrian, the Palestinian ports, they're all out of action. And the only working port left in the coast is the Israeli port on Haifa. I mean, how convenient. This makes Israel the only one able to explore gas and implement an economic corridor like the one that Netanyahu held up at the UN. So in other words, Israel and the United States together killed off all the competition, stole their goods and cornered the market. But as winter is approaching, Israel desperately need to get that gas for Europe. But there's no stability. There can never be stability in the region without solving the Palestinian question. And so when Netanyahu shows up at the UN with his brilliant plan, you know, the Israelis thought, oh, it's a done deal. You know, they'll just get Saudi Arabia to normalize ties and thereby extinguish the Palestinian issue once and for all. And that is precisely why they are in Gaza slaughtering Palestinians like crazy, like they're in berserker mode. You know, Israel has bombed Gaza before, but this surpasses anything we've ever seen, which is truly saying something. I mean, this is unhinged, you know, calling people human animals and massacring them. Israel is just hoping the Palestinians will run away in fear into the desert. They've literally said this. They want to put them in the desert. They want people in Gaza to go to the Sinai Desert and push the people in the West Bank into Jordan. This is genocide and ethnic cleansing without question. But it also has economic and geopolitical implications. Hamas and the collective resistance, when they found out about Israel's plan and Saudi Arabia's wishes to normalize ties with Israel, which would destroy any hope of a Palestinian state, I mean, this forced their hand. It became clear they needed to act and respond immediately, lest Palestine be lost forever. For Palestinians, this is and always has been a matter of life and death, to be or not to be. Either the resistance axis and the global south expel the American and Israeli colonizers from the Middle East, or Israel and the United States will continue occupying the region, choking off the new Silk Road, plundering Syria's oil and keeping Russian, Iranian and Arab gas cut off from the world market. This is a decisive moment and not just for Palestine, because the victors will end up drawing the new map of the world to come.
All right, very interesting. That's uh, Richard Medhurst for people that want more information about the guy talking there. That's, again, Richard Medhurst. Very interesting. Okay. Um, what was I going to do? Oh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, now we have some breaking news here. This is going to be a doozy. <laughs> this is going to be... Breaking news from the internet from Text 360. Uh, this is. The, <laughs> hopefully, you've eaten. Now, he threw in an extra 10. So, I appreciate it. Uh, and he's. Uh, you know, this is how it goes. I, I, I read. You know, it's as long as the article is, uh, is legal, I will read it. Uh, you know, there seems to be some sort of obsession with homosexuality, but uh, hey, it is what it is. And again, appreciate the support, Text360. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a thing right here. <clears throat> 20 gay men's first time sex stories that'll make you laugh and then cry. It's going to make me um, um, yearn for Ayatollah cranes. But, you know, to each his own. Everyone has their own reaction to something like this. And uh, obviously, if you click off the stream, I totally understand. Number one. Me and a guy I've been seeing grabbed some condoms, put on a porno, and followed what the actors were doing, but the porno we were watching used spit for lube, so we did too. The pain was nothing like that I had ever felt before. As he pulled out, it, his penis had changed color to a poop brown. As it went all over the bed, the smell hit us, and he was sick all over me. Now that is, uh, that is absolutely horrible. Give me a second here, one second. All right, here we go. Next one, number two. Uh, I slept with a guy I'd been seeing for a month. After the initial pain, I got on and, and enjoyed it a lot. The tragedy occurred later on the night when I realized that I had to do a number two. He said in the toilet in his guest house wasn't working. The one in the main house was fine, but he had rented out the main house, and I couldn't go in that late, so I ended up taking a dump in his garden. Oh, that's not too bad. Under the circumstances, I'll, I'll take that, quite frankly. When I was a freshman in college, I went out with this guy. We went to a football game, grabbed some food, and proceeded back to his dorm room. I went to the bathroom, and when I returned, he was wearing nothing but a diaper and asked me to treat him like a baby. I was so freaked out that I grabbed my things and left as quickly as I could. Yeah, that's, that's uh, crazy. After pulling down his pants, I immediately knew I was... This is number four. I was in grave danger. His penis was not the six and a half inches that I was promised. It was an eight and a half inch log splitter. The penetration nearly blinded me from pain. Afterwards, he high-fived me like a true gentleman, told me that he liked my teeth, and drove off into the sunset. Classy. Number five. This guy has been boasting about how sexually experienced he was, so I figured that he'd make me feel more comfortable. He ended up getting inside me once for about a second, then thrust it between my cheeks for the rest of it. He expected me to think he was actually inside me the whole time, as if I wouldn't feel that he wasn't. Number six, when I got home from getting my cherry pop, my mother's church friend was there. I started the panic, sincerely believing that they were there on an intervention from God and wanted to exercise the gay out of me. I kissed my mom on the cheek as I entered the house and was terrified that she would smell his dick on my breath. 
Next one, I decided to put my anus in the hands of Grinder and met up with this guy. I actually had a really good time until I realized mid-penetration that he was married to a woman. His wedding photos were next to his bed. Due to this realization on top of my pre-existing nerves, I got a hard pit in my stomach and he proceeded to literally fuck the shit out of me. Didn't make a huge mess uh, and he was really cool about it. However, I didn't meet up with him again. Number eight, I was working backstage for a play. There was an after party where I got too tipsy and lost my group, so I started talking to a guy about how we were wearing matching shirts. We started making out, and he led me behind a tree where I got my first blowjob. Then we got in his truck and ended up having sex in the parking garage of the theater. He called me Ryan twice. Number nine, my first boyfriend was going to college in the town where I live, so... We did it in his dorm room. I don't remember much of it, but when and after we finished, he turns to me and said, you might have to fart afterwards. I was so confused. The next one. It was my first year at uni, and my boyfriend and I decided to give anal a go. I felt a knife jabbing into my ass. I went to the bathroom to clean up and felt like what I thought was lube dripping down between my legs. When I looked down, what I actually saw were huge splats of blood. I fainted and the next thing I remember is my boyfriend waking me up in a cold shower, attending to the cut across my temple, temple and a bag of frozen peas on my ass. <clears throat> totally, totally normal. Next, I poked around on Craigslist until I found a guy do the dirty with he told me to meet him at a public library and that he would be driving a yellow car when i got to the parking lot there was only a taxi there when the driver waved it hit me this guy had responded while he'd been driving around in his cab as my first time i'll tell you that bigger is not the way to go i walked funny for a week finally the first time i had to give oral sex i literally said it looks like a microphone let me sing into it i'm mortified to this day okay oh no there's more okay never mind we got more Next one. We had nowhere to do it, so we ended up fucking in the dirt in the cinema car park. Needless to say, uh, the knees of my jeans got covered in dirt. My mother's face when she picked me up from the train station afterwards was a picture. Next one. It was on the hood of a car at night, and a guy I met six hours earlier when he delivered a pizza to my house. It wasn't too great. Next one. Took place at a theater camp. We flirted heavily during the day, and when I snuck into his room that night, we made out for hours. But his facial hair was so aggressive that it made... I made him go shave. After he came back, we got naked, and he just sort of did a resting pose while I awkwardly thrusted him from behind. I remember staring at the clock, fixating on how late it was and how I should be in bed. Next one. He was just over 10 inches and thick. Needless to say, I could barely walk the next day, and he lived on the complete opposite side of campus. I booked a hotel to spend the night with a well-endowed man. This is the next one. I met on the internet. I spent the first two minutes hovering after the tip went in, debating whether I should carry on or quit while I was ahead. Fifteen minutes later, and I had never resented my stubborn nature more. What followed was a mix of awkward exchanges, including the realization that a soapy finger was not enough to prepare. Next, I had just finished my gym class and was chilling in the sauna when I noticed this guy giving me the eye. We started talking and he undid his towel so i did the same next thing i knew we were all over each other only taking a break or so so i could run to my bag to grab a condom i topped him and lasted less than five minutes my roommate set me up with one of her friends next one he came over and we had dinner and a lot of wine after dinner we made out and moved things to the bedroom after about 10 minutes we realized how drunk we were and fell asleep in each other's arms it was a valiant effort and the last one I was so nervous during my first time that while we were doing the deed, I threw up all over his bed. We broke up a week later. All right, there you go. That is, uh, that was a hell of a thing right there. 
All right, that was uh, breaking news from Text 360. Get out the cranes and call the Ayatollah. Moving on here, here is, uh, here, let's see, what do we have? Uh, bald fuckface claims that Trump was screaming profanities at his, at his own lawyer. According to a new report this week from John Carl writing in the Atlantic. Oh, yeah, totally real. When Judge Tanya Chutkin set her trial date for late March 2024, Okay. Before, so this go. coming March, Donald Trump was so irate that he took his lawyer, Todd Blanche, and screamed profanities at him. I'm sure he did. For half an uh, hour. I'm sure he did. Like 30 half minutes. An hour, yeah. Just screaming profanities mm -hmm. and blaming the lawyer for the trial date that the judge had set. Now, let's not forget, of course, that uh, Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, had requested a January 2nd trial start date. Donald Trump's lawyer said, hey, what if we did it in 2025? Actually, they may have said 2026. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, they're like, yeah, totally not happening next year. And Judge Tanya Chutkin was like, eh, let's meet in the middle. You want it in two months. You want it two years from now. How about we do it in March? I loved him. It. it was a great decision. But Trump was so pissed about it that according to the people close to Donald Trump, who spoke to John Carl with the Atlantic, Trump then screamed at Todd Blanche for about a half an hour saying things like, quote, that's in the middle of the primaries. If I lose the presidency, you are going to be the reason. He also said, you little effer, you are going to cost me the presidency. Maybe, <clears throat> but maybe not. You know, Raw Story actually pointed out the fact that Donald Trump's support within the Republican Party has, shockingly, actually gone up every time he's been indicted. So if he yeah, is you're convicted, helping you're helping him. based on the fact that he gets more popular with Republicans every time he's indicted, we would kind of have to assume that if he's convicted, his support with Republicans is going to like go through the roof, right? The problem is not the Republicans, right? Donald Trump's got that nomination on lockdown. And I do think that if he's convicted, his support among Republicans is going to go through the roof. The problem is with not Republicans. There's in every election, there's crossover voters, right? You have hardcore Republicans that for some reason, this election, like I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Every election you have hardcore Democrats that say, eh, I'm going to vote for the Republican. If you have a candidate, if you get a guy at the top of your party that is convicted of serious felony charges, the number of those crossover voters that you're used to, you know, maybe three, 4%, that's not going to materialize. But more importantly, your support among the independents, the non-party affiliated voters, that's going to plummet. How, if the polling indicates that there is a very solid portion of independents that believe that these prosecutions are political, then you're telling me that then they're going to say, well, now it's legitimate. Oh, this is legitimate. These, these convictions are legitimate. Now, I don't buy that at all. I think this has the possibility of also increasing convictions has the possibility of increasing support among independents. And I think a lot of this, uh, what's going to really matter is what's the economy doing at the time? 
what's the is gas going to be five dollars a gallon or grocery prices still going to be ridiculous I'm, i i i find it hard to believe that people who already believe that this is political are going to be like well i got to vote for biden we, we got to have this six dollar a gallon gas going you know because trump's been convicted i don't buy that i don't buy that that's what's going to hurt donald trump the most he knows that it's not going to hurt anything with the primaries but those independent voters those crossover voters from the other side too they're not going to materialize for donald trump and if you do not have that especially of course the independent voters the no party affiliation you know the uh, disaffected voters if you can't get those people you can't win an election whether you're a democrat or republican and having a felony conviction under your belt possibly by the time next year's general election rolls around possibly two felony convictions maybe three felony convictions that's not going to help you okay you you're not going to succeed in a general election well then why are you so panicked you should be you should be in euphoria right now with those kinds of things hovering over you the independents are not going to support that. Most of them will go to the Democratic nominee, possibly a third party nominee, but you're not going to get them. So you're not going to win. And that is what freaks why Trump you, out. Why, That's why what, he doesn't. Why are you freaking out? He's not freaking out. You're freaking out. I don't want any of his trials to start before the election because he knows deep down that that is political kryptonite. And that you're banking on it being political kryptonite. I'll believe it when I see it. Is why he was so nothing off. you've done so far has worked. So I'm supposed to believe that's going to be what works. Come on. If it is lawyer for doing such a piss poor job of trying to push that trial date back by a couple years. All right. Telio Hapsis says barely attractive M has been credibly accused of by multiple anonymous witnesses of enjoying male bathhouse patrons giving her piss bukkake. Really? Oh, man, I didn't know that. Well, that's breaking news. Barely attractive Emma from the Sam Cedar show likes to get pissed in the face. That's not really the... How would the appropriate... That likes to be pissed in the face. It doesn't... No. What's the uh, correct way she likes to be pissed on? But how do you tie in the face? She likes piss in the face. I guess that's how you put it. Fairly attractive Emma likes piss in her face. I didn't know that. That's a new thing that you learn. You learn something new every day. Something like that's got to be true. Michelle Kincaid says, I feel like Waz just says whatever dumb anti-Trump shit he can string together in order to keep his job. I'm not saying he's intelligent or anything. Just don't see the TDS with him like the rest. He probably thinks of it as a gig that pays the bills. Oh, yeah. I, I he, he is not like... He is... Um, he's not like he doesn't have the rabid hatred of Trump he's very casual he strikes me as very casual um, but yeah I think he just he says whatever he has to say to pay the bills absolutely I also get that same impression with the uh, AIDS Kaepernick guy he's also kind of just like very casual and just says whatever the hell they think that uh, that they want to hear not that he's like, you know, secretly based or anything, but just that like, yeah, it's a gig. It's definitely a gig. Michelle also says, when I first came across PBD, I got the libtard vibe from Adam. Then I saw some episodes where he was, 
He was good on the jab, if I remember correctly, so I thought maybe I was wrong. I only recently started watching regularly. This episode cons- confirms my suspicion. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe he'll 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 be better and he'll like stop being such a retard. But uh, it yeah, that just didn't it just didn't look good. It didn't look good at all. All right. Uh, oh, hold on a second. I think there was uh, entropy. Let me go one second. Let me refresh here. All right. Let's see. Where did we leave off? Okay. Um, two supernova one says well there you have it tucker brings up i think a valid perspective on foreign politics and the tyt homosexuals fuss about his clothes riveting and powerful commentary oh yeah there that's that's absolutely incredible dick biting cobra says we are reptiles not amphibians cobras can suck my dick Look at this. What? Uh, what is? What is? Uh, hold on a second. Is that Barstool Sports? Is that what that says? Okay. All right. What are you supposed to do if a snake bites your penis while you're sitting on the toilet? Oh man, that's not. That's not a good thing at all. Ooh. How can any human being trust a snake? People genuinely keep things like these as pets, and it couldn't baffle me any more than it already does the blood splatter on the toilet seat and wall in the picture is enough for me now i get that a snake had to bite this guy's penis probably wasn't a pet much more of an intruder but the point still stands there's far too much downside to owning one of these slithery bastards well i mean i could i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to owning a snake but i would just keep it in the fucking tank and i wouldn't take it out and handle it because you know i just I don't take fish out of a tank. I'm not going to take a snake out of a tank. But if you have a snake, you can do whatever you want. You would take it out if you want. I'm not doing that. An impressionable, devilishly handsome young OMTE was petrified of this situation. What is an OMTE? I don't even know what that is. Oh, that's uh, Frank from... uh... All right, so what you're saying is uh, this guy got bit... Yeah, what, what, they're not amphibians? I mean, I don't, I have no idea. I'm not even going to pretend to know. All right, well, very interesting. Story Jackson says, Santos is my congressman. I find this shit funny. I give no fucks that he lied. If Biden can get away with the steal, uh, Santos can get away with lying. Let the Dems take the cock for once. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, that's my feeling on it, that, uh, I want him to lie more to piss off Democrats, and I want them to, get even more outraged. That's why I really hope that he's pretending to be gay. That would be fantastic. That really would piss them off. Now, the pretending that, you know, he was Jewish and people died in the Holocaust, that was hilarious. That's one of the sacred cows. He slaughtered that one. But the the gay one would really take the cake. I try to look at him. I watch him walk. I think he might be lying. I, I saw him walking the other day and I was really, I was looking and I was like, yeah, 50-50. I think there's a 50% chance he's lying. Like he's not the most masculine motherfucker, but he doesn't. He's just. He doesn't. He doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't have that faggot energy. You know, it's just. I don't. I don't see faggot energy from him. I just. Uh, he seems like a troll. He seems like a troll. But man, I could be wrong. Extraordinary Jackson also says Santos won on Long Island, even though Dems ran attack ads claiming he holds an extreme anti-abortion view. I just don't think people gave a fuck about abortion when gas costs $5 and a pound of chicken costs 13 My guess is Dems don't fortify Long Island enough. Yeah, probably, probably. 
Well, good for the people in Long Island. Hopefully they can keep having legitimate elections. All right, very good. All right, that is the end of the stream. Next stream is uh, Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for all the people that sent Super Chats and Streamlabs and Breaking News. I sincerely appreciate your support. You can get an archive on Rumble, rumble.com slash user slash hardnewsnetwork, or on Podbean, hardnewsnetwork.podbean.com, or you can go to um, uh, Twitter, which is at LiveHNN. Uh, wherever you're watching on the stream or on the archive, I sincerely appreciate it. And I'll uh, see you guys on Tuesday. I am the Hard Bastard. Thank you for watching.